We don't serve their kind here. What? The joints. They left to wait outside. We don't want them. Welcome to the Vintage Rebellion Podcast. I'm Stuart Skinner, your host of the show, and you are listening to episode 51. There's Klingons on the... There's Klingons on the viewport bow. Uh, Now, the ability to speak doesn't make you intelligent. It is Richard Hutchinson. Good evening, Rich. Evening, guys. Rich, another action-packed Rebel briefing. There's quite a lot in the old show notes there. Uh, Give us your favourite topic that you're covering this month. Afar's response to the 2021 back question that I had for them, and for the listeners of the show, I've been asking about 2021 backs and how EFA grade them and do they use Kellerman, etc., etc. So, a mystery has been solved. He's just a simple man trying to make his way in the universe. It is Jezebel. Good evening, Jez. Good evening, Stu. <laughs> Good evening, lads. Good evening, everyone. Uh, Jez, he's just a simple man trying to make his way in the universe. Who says it in the Star Wars films? Ah, I believe that that was one of the prequels. Just dropped that one on me. I wasn't expecting that. I'm just... <laughs> oh, yeah, that was that was Jango Fett talking Good to Obi-Wan boy. Kenobi in Episode 2. It is. Jez, what's the focal discussion for NA this month? Oh, wow. Well, you know what? I don't like doing this because, I, you know, I'll say it and people will want to rush straight to it. You guys have all chosen some good stuff. Pete is extremely excited about it. But we're just going to go straight in. And, and uh, later on, we're going to completely analyse the MTV7. Who's the more foolish one, the fool or the fool that follows him? It is Peter Davis. Good evening, Petey Weedy. Uh, good evening, Stuart. How are you? Yeah, it's very nice. That's very nice. Thank you very much. Good night. Pete, something different coming up in Gimcrack this month. Why and what? Well, I thought it'd be good if we gathered some of the entries that have been forthcoming from various listener peoples and um, see what they came up with. There's some real beauties. So we do a little listener Gimcrack submission thing. Yeah, you've you've got a bit of a build up. Now, did someone start a thread over on Tantif and then forget to go and check it? Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. It just really needs to get on top of that sort of thing and uh, help us all out, seeing as he's the forum queen. Sadly, Simple Simon met a pieman going to the fair and now he can't be with us. He is hitchhiking his way across Europe to return his wife to the land she is from. Now, it hasn't been very long since we released episode 50, but in those 10 days, we've all been down to the last Farthest From event, which I believe was number 18, which I don't think Rich could believe at the weekend. He made me count them back up for a book. Great weekend as always. Now, Jez, about a dozen of us headed to a nearby town, Ringwood, for an evening of culture, fine cuisine and intelligent conversation. Can you give us an overview of the Saturday evening? You were after the riveting chat, you know, the good banter and the intellectual stimulation. And uh, one of the primary things which sticks out is Jason Smith. 
it occurred to us all that he looks like Chris from Eggheads, <laughs> which um, I know really, really tickled you, Stu. And yeah, it, it was it was definitely true. And in fact, when we were in the curry house, people introduced him as a minor celebrity. Uh, everyone just got back down to their lambunas and just carried on because no one really cared. But it, the, the resemblance is uncanny. Perhaps we need to put a um, side by side image on social media of that because I don't think there's, you know, our overseas listeners aren't going to know what Eggheads is, but I've never seen a lookalikey. Well, this isn't like a cosplay. This is like a spot the difference because, you know, the whole brother from another mother thing. No, this is twins separated at birth. And I don't mean Danny DeVito and Arnold Schwarzenegger. These guys look identical. They are. They are. What about the rest of the evening, Jez? It's just always great. We always look forward to it. You know, people come who you haven't seen for a while. People come who who we've not met before. As I said before, everyone's welcome to the fold. And we, we started off relatively early. It was a lovely evening, supping a few beers down to the point where we didn't necessarily want to go to the curry house because the pub was just so good. But yeah, good times. And then uh, after the curry house, another pub. And then after kicking out, I just followed my ears, didn't I? And uh, we, we came across... A uh, another bar, which was uh, which was good times. Bit of live music, playing a bit of Proclaimers was a great night, wasn't it? Yeah. And then on the Sunday, there was the usual tables full of vintage goodness everywhere. And TVR had a table there with our third fanzine available. Now, sadly, I believe we were talking to Pete here. I believe issue one has officially sold out. but There's still plenty of the new edition. I believe some issue two still available. Pete, can you recap us of what is included in this edition? and how people can purchase them just drop us a message on facebook there's yeah we've we pretty much there's no issue ones left they're all gone uh some are on their way to a variety of people as we speak some should be there by the time this is out we've got loads and loads of issue twos we don't know how many richard printed i think they're actually breeding um i keep finding more and more so goodness knows how many richard printed out that came with a tape so if you want a tape let us know be a little bit difference in postage price so each one is now down at two pounds each if you buy all three stick it in for a fiver and uh, obviously plus postage wherever you are on the planet uh, so issue three there was lots of silliness in there as per usual all around vintage things there's a silly photo love story with certain action figures Stu's problem page to help out people like richard who have a, a number of issues going on in their uh, in their small environments. Well, there's also a beautifully long article on recycled toys from Ron Salvatore. Now, we don't mean recycled toys as in you're recycling, you throw stuff in a bin. We're talking companies who take molds and designs and reapply them to other toy lines. So it's actually a fascinating article. Jason continues his cardback articles. And there's a few other bits and bobs in there. So a poem and all sorts. So uh, you can't really beat it for value, Stu. Especially the cover, which is absolutely amazing. It is. It's, it's a great bit of fun. And uh, for a couple of quid, you can't go wrong. And you're helping us out massively. Rich, Father Swam is always full of superb items for sale. Can you give us a kind of a, sh- a short review of what was available around the room and how the room was that day? Yeah, so there was an interesting mix this time. I was slightly underwhelmed, and maybe that's just because we've been spoiled so much. 
with a lot of the the goodness of Father Swan, especially around Christmas times. When you went in the room on the left hand side, you had Christian with his GW acrylic. Further down, you had the Retro Draftsman with some fantastic prints, and I managed to add two more to my R5 collection. Further down from him, you had some vintage sellers, a couple of modern items on the tables there. There's a guy right at the bottom who was selling uh, strictly vintage. You had the Fanta Tracks guys in the middle raising money for charity. I think it was for, if I've got it right, was it the Stroke Association this time? Or one of the charities associated with Ford Bridge. And I think, from memory, they raised about £250, £260, somewhere about, about there. And then on the right-hand side, you have Dave's big stall that was selling lots of uh, vintage items, not just Star Wars. A fantastic display of cards from... And I always forget the name of the brothers who are from Devon, but they had some great posters, vintage posters here. They had lots and lots of vintage carded items. They had action force figures, loose. They had great selection of different items in there. And then you had the usual guys, you know, like Ben and Nick and James Martin, Rob Marsh, all those lot who were selling some carded items. So it was certainly a lot for people with a lower end of the budget. Although I am aware, obviously, that Nick sold some of his high items, which was great for him. Jeff was there, was selling his stuff. Mark Hockley was there, selling some of his items as well. So, yeah, an interesting spread. Yeah, and Gary Smith, obviously, on the back of our table as well. Probably worth a... I forgot about the middle section, yeah. So you had Gary Smith in the middle. You had us there. You had the guy who arrived a little bit late, which was a shame for him, I think, because he missed a lot of the early traffic. And he had some great items, but unfortunately, by the time he arrived, it was all still in crates. But he had um, a lot of... I definitely saw a carded um, Sizzy from, and he had quite a few droids and Ewoks carded, and he had a lot of carded items, but it was just a shame that he arrived so late. With regards to the stand, you know, it was missing a few of the, what I'd call the big regular sellers. You you had no Nick Dykes there around holiday. Mark Daniels and Lee Bullock's stand was also missing due to holidays. That Tim that's often there, I don't, don't know where he was. So they're normally pretty big stalls in there, aren't they? And all missing, sadly, this time. Mark Walsh was there, wasn't he? If I'm, yeah, Mark Walsh was there. Yeah, Mark Walsh was there, but... I think that's, you probably just hit the nail on the head of why I felt so underwhelmed, because there were a lot of toy-related items, whereas the names that you've just read out would often bring, certainly Lee and Mark will have a lot of gimcrack or a lot of, you know, oddball items, they'll have stationery, they'll have different things, and there wasn't as much of a spread of that. I think that's possibly why I did feel so underwhelmed. Now, I was going to go onto our acquisition straight from Farthest From. However, not many things wind me up. But there is one expression I keep seeing appearing on Facebook. And it's been popping up for a couple of years. But of late, I keep seeing it on about every third sales posts. And it really is irritating me. And I just wanted to know what expression irritates the hell out of you three. What is irritating me at the moment? And I keep seeing it. It is constant. Is the expression priced to sell. Price to sell. Surely if you're selling stuff, it's all price to sell. Unless people are overinflating their prices. It is a load me. I've seen it today about on about five different posts. So I just want to just have a little just have a little go around of what really irritates you on there before we talk about lovely purchases. And I'm sure Jez, because I always thought Jez was really laid back until I spent time with him and he's actually quite an angry little man. Nothing really irritates me. I wasn't prepared for this. And you just reminded me that I think the only time maybe I have got irritated is when I'm in your presence. So you know, what I see on a day-to-day basis is maybe it's just you, Stu. Maybe it's just you. Cheers, mate. No, mate, I can't, I can't. Do you know what the price to sell thing? I get it. Yeah, <laughs> I get why that would get you. I still don't get the whole unboxing thing. But uh, painstakingly restored. 
on those repro cards. What do you mean painstakingly <laughs> restored? They look rubbish. They look utter rubbish. Pains that you don't know the meaning of pain. I know we've got that coming up later. And uh, Richard's question was about eBay. And I've actually uh, got some information on that because it cracks me up. Yeah, cracks me up. Painstakingly and professionally. Don't forget professionally. It's obviously doing it professionally. Yeah, you're not going to come around and do my bar from a fast professional. <laughs> Incredible. Tough questions to you. I think, I don't know whether this, this is what you're after, but something I see on people buying stuff is that they keep stuff as holy grails, and that just gets my, on my nips. Oh, it's my holy grail. I've got my holy grail. It's like something that was like, oh, there's millions of them. You can't have a holy grail. Holy grail has surely got to be something that's virtually unachievable, but if you spend the rest of your life trying to find it and you sell your house to get it that's got to be a holy grail not oh i've got myself a a, a 12 back i mean that can't be a holy grail unless there's only one of them but uh, that's just me a thing which is eagerly pursued or sought after or the cup or platter used by christ at the last supper what a load of rubbish <laughs> well yeah so if you want if you want the holy grail like indiana jones you've got to have your face mounted off that's how much dedication you got to put into getting the Holy Grail. So there we go. That is not a 12-pack or a, I don't know. You see it, we see it a lot in modern collecting. It seems to be people sort of say it every two seconds. Oh, look, there's a Ray figure. The Holy Grail. No, it's not a Holy Grail. Stop that. Stop it. Now, there's bound to be something that irritates Richard. I could probably give you a list of 20. I'm just going to give you a few. EFA worthy. Just got this back from the graders. I believe they've been harsh. <laughs> if if you're valuing something that's higher than the graders, why send it in the first place? The one that I mentioned last week, if this doesn't sell, it's going to go back in my collection. <laughs> so what? You know, that, that, I, I just that one really, really, I just look at that and chuckle. You know, last price drop before it goes to eBay. Look what came in the mail today. Oh, there's just so many. It's just, it's just ludicrous. Well, sometimes I'm wondering, are you actually reading what you tell? Is it just like a template that people are using to wind people up? Right. So let's, uh, let's cheery back up again with purchases. Now I'm sure I saw, I'm not sure I saw Jed buy anything. So let's start with him. Do you know what, mate? I didn't buy anything at Father's Trump. I've just finished with my Star Wars three pack because you know that was a big purchase for me. So uh, I, I went to Father's Trump with a few pennies. But came back thinking, no, there was nothing for me. There was no Steve Savory this times having a great set table as well. So, yeah, even even less stuff than we, we saw last time. So, yeah, nothing for me. What about you, Richard? I nearly came back with nothing. It, it got to about maybe two o'clock and I thought, you know what? I'm not going to buy anything here. I was just walking around, seems to all thinking nothing really grabbed me attention. But I did manage to pick up some items. So the first item I picked up was the Ugnaught on a 47 back, which you sold me because, um, let's face it, you stole it off us. Right, 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 wait there, wait there, wait there. Let's just stop there for a second. I didn't steal it off you. I was sitting with Dan Burgess in the pub, and he goes, I'm selling this. Do you know anyone who wants it? He goes, 50 quid. And it was a bargain, really, for the price of the It was. It, it's, it's half the price of what you could probably sell it if you forwarded it on. So I bought it, but then next day I sat there and I thought, well, Rich, Rich really does want it. I don't, wasn't coming in to look for that, so I passed it on to you, Rich. And that's so rather than being nasty to me, I'd actually say I was actually it was really nice of you, Stu, to give me that. You know what? Yeah, it was really nice of you, Stu. 
I've also forgot that you actually bought one round as well at Father's Farm, and that's gone down in history. So Father's Farm 18 is always going to be meant for that. So that's two nice things. Well, let's talk about that as well for a minute, right? How, how, right, I would say I'm pretty good at buying a round of beer, okay? You never come out with us. <laughs> Do you know when I buy a round? I was trying to rack my brain of when we've been out, out. And even like when we went to Fax the first time, you hadn't slept all night, so you went back. You didn't stay out. I also came down with 30 quid for you that year. You, you know what? I probably could have just stuck up the charity box or something. Well, you could have done, because I didn't realise, Rich. <laughs> so you won £30 out the out the World Cup suit stake. So, yeah, I, I got the Ugnaught. I also bought a hand trench on a 77 back, I think it is. I think I only paid about 35 quid for that as well. It's got a tiny crack at the top of the bubble, so it'll be a placeholder for quite a while. Thanks to Rob Marsh for selling us that. He had a load of nice cards. It was just a shame that most of his cards, there was always, you know, either a pop had been sliced or there was a crack on the bubble. He had a beautiful TIE fighter pilot. It was lovely. I picked it up and I kept putting it down. And, but it it had a hole. Like whoever took the pop out of that must have carved it out with a spoon. It was such a shame. The rest of it was immaculate. I think I finished the Ewok Village. I managed to get a couple of parts off Mark Walsh, who didn't have the parts that I wanted. But he bought an Ewok Village off another guy before he was packing up. And then he sold me the parts that I needed. So I'm going to put it all together at some point. Hopefully I've completed that now. Yeah, those are my three vintage purses. You know, obviously I picked up. Um, some more acrylic from Christian I think I'm possibly to the end of my acrylic purchases now I think I've possibly got enough to finish every loose figure I'm a couple of cases short but I'm getting there nice mate nice good good pickups what about you Pete I know you were picking up some bargains here there and everywhere <laughs> some would call them bargains some might call them not so bargain well I don't know trash maybe but yeah I bought some oddities basically I'm always after freak show item. I managed to get a head, well, he still had his head, but it had been nicely severed off of a Hoth Rebel trooper. And it was, it's beautiful. <laughs> Sorry, Rebel soldier. And, uh, it was, it was just, it was in immaculate condition. Just his head chopped off. So that's sitting in my shop of horrors. From the same vendor, Mr. Rob Marsh, I also, and it all came in the same batch for 10 English pounds, the whole thing, 10 English pounds. I've also got a Return to the Snaggletooth um, card back, just a card back, and which was very nice. Apparently, there's something rare about it, but I don't know. I was just interested in the, the card back. And finally, I got a detached but all complete uh, tri logo. Admiral Akbar. So the bubble was there, Akbar was there, the car back was there, but the uh, the bubble just kind of like it slid off. So um, any of you weird resealers out there could probably make a nice reseal on it. But um, so yeah, I'm not sure what to do at that moment. Really, it looks very nice. It, <laughs> it does look nice. I do have an Akbar though, so I might have to trade it for something. But uh, yeah, um, that was a lovely ten pounds well spent. You really do love the bargain there, don't you? Oh, I love a bargain. You can't be. I mean, that's the fun of it, though. I mean, I picked up also off uh, everyone's friend Jeff five reasonably decent condition. All right, would have been looks a little bit painted, but they all go in the Triple Horrors apart from two of them. Basic Star Wars figures: a uh, very nice Chief Chirper, Han Solo Bespin, IG88, a Luke Hoth, which is better than my Luke Hoth, which I've got from my original figures, and I can't remember the fifth one, but there we go. But so yeah, five five figures for five for just you know a pound each. 
Daz also got me, gave me a pile of comics to slot into my collection as well. So that's good. So I didn't really spend much, but got a lot of stuff. So I was quite chuffed with that. Oh, and an MTV7, which I was uh, reasonably pleased with. Well, I mean, I could do the whole waves. What about YouTube? I did come away with a couple of things, thinking about it. Steve Savory's latest hand towel. I mean, who didn't get one of those great bit of uh, convention swag? So thank you ever so, much, ever so much to Steve. But also, Mark, right at the end of the day, just as I was helping him pack up his car, he had a, a Play-Doh X-Wing. And uh, he just said, there you go, put that in your pocket. He didn't steal it from anyone else's stall. It was Mark's. But he just said, yeah, yeah, here you go, take that. It's just a Play-Doh X-Wing. So, so there you go. Came away with vintage x-wing and thank you as much steve for yet again producing an amazing hand towel well what about you mate not a lot i was a bit like the rest of you kind of looked around a few times but i felt like i was going to end up buying something for the sake of buying something off jabber's court i did get a trilogo atst driver long story loads of people had bid more money than me but rules are rules or something and um it came right back to me, so I got that at a good price. Picked up the Star Wars question and answer book about space on eBay. Pete would like that. 99p delivered. Free postage. 99p start. I thought, well, I'd put a bid on that six days before it. Finished on 99p. Bargain. Probably cost them more to post that. And what I did buy at Farthest Run was an array of mini rigs. So I got a, a Kenner tripod, laser cannon, and the vehicle maintenance energizer complete with inserts, instructions, and everything. They're really nice. Plus, I bought a Palatoy Cap 2, that was without the insert, and I bought the Kenner MTV7 without an insert for tonight's show. So I've got a few in the garage, but rather than going and looking for them, I'll get this one out tonight and have a, a good feel of it. If you can see what I'm doing with my hands at the moment. oh, I bought all those off Mark Hockley, who gave me a great price on the lot. In fact, the two without inserts, he kept dropping the price and dropping the price. <laughs> no, no, take them, Stuart, take them. So, uh, yeah, thank you, Mark. Brilliant. Yeah, now I want to just get all the rest of the mini rigs. I think I'm going to um, try and hunt them down over the next couple of months. But that's it. So we've all bought a few bits and pieces. Do you, before you move on, I just want to say that when I was down for this form, I spent a couple of extra days travelling down the south coast, and I ended up in Plymouth. And there was a vintage toy shop in Plymouth called Final Frontier. And I was talking to the guy that's down there, and he said that he's, he's, he's currently negotiating deals for 160 in total carded figures including seven palatoys of the first 12 so he's going to get some great items hopefully in in the next few weeks and it was well worth popping in he's got an area behind his shop it's it's a bit like i would imagine your garage to be where it's just boxes and boxes and boxes and things cordoned off and he said he's got to sort through all those items at some point but certainly if anybody's in the area i would definitely recommend checking out final frontier toys and that that slap bang in the middle of plymouth just behind the market Right, let's go on to this month's quiz. Uh, Rich, you have designed it for us this month. Going back to basics, I'm scaling it back. We're just getting straight into it, okay? All you've got to do is guess the vintage Star Wars character that I'm describing from the information that I'm going to give you. 
3 points if you get it from the very first set of clues I give you, 2 points if you need some more clues, 1 point if you need every clue, and if you get it wrong, it'll get offered to the others. Very, very simple. Make sense? Completely. So, Jez, first of all, gives a number between 1 and 12, very quickly. 7. 7. And then a number between 1 and 9. 7. Okay, I've got your card in my hand, right? So, 3 points if you get it from the first few clues. This figure debuted on the 65A, and it comes with one accessory. More clues, please. It came with a Vibro Axe, and was available on four different Palatoy card backs. Oh, do you know what? You're rounding it down, aren't you? You're rounding it. That's easy. Well, no. There's only one figure with a Vibro Axe. Come on. There's not one figure with a Vibro Axe. There's more than one figure with a Vibro Axe. However, there might only be one on a 65A. Oh, so I'm just tell me more than one, more than one figure with a Vibro Axe. Well, that would be cheating. That would be. Well, why are you interrupting this? This isn't really fast. Yeah, I'm just going to say more clues. We, pass. Wait. No, I'll just say. Oh, in fact, yeah, more clues, please. Yeah, Stu's trying to put me off. It was released in 1983. It was available on six different Kenner card backs. Wave G it was released on, it only has a Liddy Liddy variant. I'm getting my weapons and all that stuff. Well, I'm going to go back to Weakway, which is what I said just now when Stu was trying to put me off. That's the <coughs> correct answer, and you should not have let Stu put you off because you've just cost yourself one point. So, Jez, well, well done, you've got one point. Sorry about that, everyone. Stu put me off. Right, <laughs> right Stu, between 1 and 12, but you can't have 7. Wait there, wait there, wait there. Weakway comes with a force pike. He doesn't, according to this list that I've got. Oh, I should have said I am using. Well, I've got Sans Sweet's books out here. Right. Well, I'm using okay. Java's. One course. second. No, nope. not interested. Does... Right. You're on minus one now. <laughs> yeah, I, I go that. You sound just and fair. Yeah. The Gam Guard is the only thing with a Vibro X. That is not what we. No, it's not. Right. Well, you need to take it up with the Jabba's guys at some point, Stu. Right. You're on minus one for whining. Right. Come on, Stu. Between one and twelve. Twelve. And. I want a number between one and nine. Three. Three. Okay. For three points, debuted on a 77A and comes with no accessories. Can I guess each round or once I guess that's it? Once you guess that's it. 77. No accessories. No, go again. It was available on four Kenner card backs, but five Palatoy card backs. Well, I'm going to guess because I need the points. You've given me a minus. Is it 88? It is 88. That was very good. That's you. You've redeemed yourself. Damn, I actually got that on the first one. Yeah, I thought I had it after the first one, but I was just, I couldn't think of, trying to think if there's any more droids. Right, Pete, go for it. Number? Four. Number four. Right, and a number between one and nine. Four. Debuts on a 31A and comes with one accessory for three points. Mmm, <laughs> that's easy. More clues? But move on, Rich, move on. was packed with the blue Bespin Blaster. It was available on 13 Kenner card backs. Ooh, mmm, I'm going to have some mm, noises. <laughs> Doesn't help at all. Move on, Rich. And your final ones, are, there is a POC variant, but not a Leddy. It was available on eight Palatoy card backs and only came with the one accessory. 
<laughs> so it doesn't help even further. Um, I'm going to random stab in the dark, Rich, because I won't get anything out of it. I'm going to go for a low bot. No, unfortunately, it's not. One point for any Jez or Stu on that one? Can you just quickly reread the things one more time? Okay, so debuted on the 31A, packed with a blue Bespin blaster, one accessory, 13 Kenner card backs, 8 Palatoy card backs, and it had a POC variant, but not a Letty. 2-1-B? Uh, nope. Jez? I'm going to say Bespin guard. Well done, Jez. Stu, when did 2-1-B have a blue Bespin blaster? So... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I forgot about that one. <laughs> right. I was only thinking about one clue. <laughs> Round one. Hang is on a minute, hang on a minute, hang on a minute. You can't just say Bespin guard. That's what it says on the court, yeah. You take it up with the jabbers, guys, if you're not happy. And any more wins, you'll get minus one as well. So, after round one, we've got Jez on two points, we've got Stu on one, and we've got Pete yet to score. Jez, <laughs> give us a number between one and twelve. Seven. And give us a number between one and nine. Seven. Debuted on a 12A card back. Came with two accessories. Right, now I'm thinking this could be one of three. So I'm going to need one more, please. Okay. It was packed with a lightsaber and was available as a POC and a Leddy variant. Oh, I'm going to say Vader. Incorrect. Is not uh, yeah. Let me it's finish. Obi Wan Kenobi. You can't. You've had a guess. Yeah, you've had your guess. <laughs> you've had a guess, Jez. Stu gets his two on. points because he gets him. Got him before Peter. I'm well sure there's a Vader variant of those. I'm sure there's a Vader variant because we've spoken about it on a podcast. There may have been, but you, you you know there were other things that would have told you that it's not going to be Vader, but you didn't get that far. Right, Stu. One and twelve. <laughs> one. One. Okay. And between one and nine. Six. Six. Okay. Also debuted on a 12A card pack. Came with the blue or black or blue-black Imperial Blaster. Now keep going. Was available on 19 Kenner card backs and 8 Palatoy card backs. Liar. Incorrect. Peter Jez, would you want to take a guess on that or moving on? Um, yeah, I, I'm not necessarily happy about the previous thing about, oh yeah, Leddy, alright, because it was definitely a Leddy Vader, so that's a bit of a trick question, but you're just unfair, so never mind. Can you repeat those questions you gave Stu, please? Yeah, it's interesting that Stu thinks that Leah came with an Imperial Blaster. I don't know what's going on with you tonight, Stu. Yeah, so, Stu thinks droids have blasters. <laughs> I'm just listening to the blue or black bit. Okay, so, debuted on the 12A, it came with a blue, a black, or a blue-black Imperial Blaster. I'm going to say Stormtrooper, Rich. Incorrect. Thank God for that. More, more clues, Jez? Death Squad Commander? Well done, Jez. You're three-point. I have a Jez, you're flying. I need to listen more, because I'm, I'm only picking words out. All I had going from my head then was blue or black. <laughs> Pete, one to seven. Uh, oh, seven. Seven. Seven being popular tonight. And between one and nine... Nine. Nine. So I debuted on a 20B card back, and I did not come with any weapons or accessories. R5D4? Well done. Three points for Pete. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. Cool. That was a oh, lucky one. Yeah, it was, wasn't it? Because it was between <laughs> one or two. Three droids there, yeah. 
That's how lucky. That's called answering a question right to Jeremy. You, you, well you well seem, done, Pete. You I'm not going to be bitter like Jez mm. there. You did really well. Yeah. Though, that's three points, mate. You Fine. smashed that. That right. was brilliant, Pete. Okay, so the end of round two, which is the penultimate round, we've got Jez on five, who is flying ahead. We've got Stu and Pete both tied for second on three. So a final round, Jez, down to you. Number between one and six. Three. Three, and a number between one and nine. Three. Oh, that's interesting. Okay, so I debuted on a 77A chord back, and I came with either a blue or a grey endo blaster. A blue or a grey endo blaster. Oh, I wish I could see all my loose figures now. A blue or a grey one, not a black one. A blue or a grey. Which one's got the grey? Can I have one more, please, just while I... I came with three accessories, and there is a Liddy Leddy variant. I'm going to go for one blue or grey. Oh, hang on. Yeah, three. Oh. Actually, Jez, I think I've spotted an error. No, Jez, I'm, I'm going to apologise here because I think the Jabba's guys have got an error on the back of here. I actually came with four accessories. So I don't want you to guess without... Uh, I know. that, And that, yeah, yeah. actually, that further reinforces it for me. Is it Leah? It is. It is it Leah and... Uh, yep, it is. It is Leah. The four accessories are the helmet, the poncho, the yeah. belt, and the weapon. Belt and, and the gun. And the back yeah. uh, Rich, Rich, you, you, know inter- you interrupted then. If you actually listened, uh, Jez was about to say Leia Bush. <laughs> no, I wasn't. <laughs> that sounds very bitter. <laughs> he went Leia Boo, and you went, yeah, <laughs> no, yeah, that's right. And I was thinking, no he way. Did, he said Endor. Uh, yeah. Uh, Stu, one and five? <laughs> yes, please, mate, five. Five, or you went for the toughie. Right, between... Right, and then between one and two? Um, one. One. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Debuted. <laughs> you picked you one of the... You must laugh at him. Well, this one is... Right. Year of release, 1975. Weapon, Sense of Humour. Debuted on the 43.5. Now, most of our <laughs> listeners are going to be going, what? Right, say that again. Debuted 1975. Yep. Weapon is okay. a sense of humour, which is probably incorrect as well. Debut card back is 43.5. 43.5? Mm, can't be Jez. 1975, he was around, but sense of humour. 43.5? Are you babbling on about? Go, go again, mate. Okay, there's a bald-headed version. The wave of release has got, yes, usually the right hand. Variant, yes, right hand. Bald-headed version. Now go again. All right, I'm going to give you every clue now. Reading back from the top. So debuted on a 43.5 card back. Year released 1975. Weapon, sense of humour. Two accessories, a Garmin and a water bottle. The wave of release, yes, usually the right hand. And there's the bald-headed variation. Uh, it's the running stormtrooper. It's the running stormtrooper. <laughs> uh, one point is due. Right, Pete. What? All you need to do here is get more than one, and you've beached you. Okay, so one, two, three, or four? One. One. Okay, and one and nine? One. One. I debuted on the 41A card back. My weapon is the blue Princess Blaster. Um, um, Leah Bespin. Oh, you know what? You were so close. 
Right, so throwing what? it out, is that two? Anyway, ooh, Stu, you might actually steal the lead if you give it on that one. Jez, Stu? Leah Hoth. Leah Hoth. Well done, Jez. Leah Hoth. Okay, so, let's have a look here. Let's count the points up. We've got Pete on three, so well done, Pete. Yeah. We've got Stu on five. Well done, Stu. And we've got Jez, who's romped away with a mighty ten points. Well done, Jez. You thoroughly deserve that. I can't believe, after you gave me my first clue on that last one, that I went, it can't be Jez, it's got a sense of (laughs) humour. I I even said, I think the Javas guys have made another mistake. (laughs) Okay, hey, what's up? I'm Ray Park, I'm the Dark Lord of the Sith, I play Darth Maul in The Phantom Menace and Maul in Solo, and you're listening to The Vintage Rebellion, may the force be with you. Jenna Fox out foxes foxes found in the wild put on a parker when you go to Kenner Canada AFA 2021 mystery solved shorter podcasts are coming the rebel base is on the moon on the far side we are preparing to orbit the planet Richard Kenner or Jenna well this was a post that started off on Stars from UK from Lee Gordon, who most people will know as Palatoy Lee. And he's put on there, I know this has been discussed before, but I was just having a little delve into it. I just wanted to do a wee test over the past few weeks, and I bought one of these kits from Mr. Poon, as I was buying something from him anyway. And then he put a photograph of one of those painstakingly loving record kits that you, you see on eBay. And he's put on there, I've also bought a card kit from Beggar's Canyon Toys just to see how good these actually are. Now I've been collecting for a long time. I've had hundreds of mint on cards pass through my fingers. I've also had around five Palatoy Troopers and I have to say these repros are getting closer. Both of these are extremely close to being exact to the originals. Poons in particular is shockingly good. Beggar Canyon's cards are Kenna mainly but still good in a production sense. I do not support repros, but Poons is very worrying as it's of outstanding quality. Like it or not, these guys are not producing replica rubbish like Mr. Orm. They are producing very near perfect replicas. My conclusion is that the day is coming that we are getting nearer and nearer to the perfect repro. Will we in time see a repro graded mistakenly? It's very worrying, it's alarming how good these things are getting. And my gut feeling is that unfortunately we now have no control over the mint on card market anymore. So guys, food for thought? Are we going to be fooled by these repro cards in future? And then that led off into a discussion. And a few guys commented immediately saying, well you can immediately tell because they won't have the vintage smell. 
and a couple of guys said come on you can't really use that as a guide because if you go and stick a card back in the loft for a couple of years you know it's going to come out with a an odd kind of smell so that's not always going to work and Ed posted on there it would be really interesting to see a comparison of the print under a microscope although the new repro cards might look good at first glance you cannot replicate the effect of litho printing with digital printing I'm sure under close inspection it would be possible to tell the difference so there's a lot of things in there that you know it's got me thinking because I'm not going to even remotely say that I'm any good at spotting repro cards and I listened to Mark Daniels interview with Sai last week and it really got me thinking about how I collect on the market and certainly I was talking to Gary Smith the farthest from just gone and I remember saying to Gary you asked me to check this carded item that I bought for you two or three years ago now and you were asking me does it look legit and there were so many different seals you know slick seal and waffle seals and I kept saying to Gary I can't tell because there were some things that don't look right about it there's some things that look absolutely spot on and I was taking photographs and I was sending to Gary and Gary was saying and I can't really tell I need to see from this angle that angle and it was just getting so confusing so Jez quick recap based on what Mark Daniel said last episode what is a reseal what's a recard what's the difference well the reseal is just the kind of reconstruction of all original parts it's may, it may well be a bubble which has been partially opened still sealed on one side or a bubble which has completely come away which you are reattaching to an original card with an original figure so there's no guarantee that that figure originated with that particular card and weapon but the only thing which is then not original and pete's spoken about this before quite a bit is the actual glue which you're using to get them back together you know there are some reseals which have still got weapons taped on the inside of a bubble but they are still then resealed it may be best for some people in that occasion if they've got a bubble which is still attached on say two sides to actually leave it not not seal it at all some people might think that is worth more than a partially opened bubble whereas recard is just a fake I, i've had one fake card in my hands before when i got sent a palatoy 20 back luke x-wing and as soon as i had it in my hands as soon as i had it in my hands from a tactile point of view i could tell that it wasn't real before even i looked at the awful print on it so there we go so a reseal some like some don't kind of accepted a lot more you know the interview a lot of positive feedback from the interview but a recard no not so much are you answering one of lee's concerns immediately because he said he could possibly understand a collector not being able to afford a 20 back palatoy look and going down the recard route are you saying there is an alternative in the reseal market and it should be viewed completely differently if you want to get into this game, just have patience. Crumbs, you, you you can get a bargain, you can get deals, you can speak with people. And if you really, really want it, just play the long game. Maybe save up for it and then you'll probably cherish it a lot more. I Personally, I, I've got, I wouldn't want a recard. Why on earth would I want a recard? If there's something in this business which I can't afford, I just won't get it. There's loads of things I'd love to have. I'd lo- love to have loads of pre-production stuff. But because I can't afford it, it doesn't even enter my mind about it. So... I don't see any justification in the recards. I, I don't, can't get that into my head at all. Like Jez, actually, about three years ago, I got given a Greedo one. As soon as you've got it in your hand, you can tell that this is just, is not right. And, okay, mine's not out anywhere indoors, okay? It's, it's boxed up. I came across it about two weeks ago, and the deterioration on the card as well is incredible. It is nothing, nothing like... Well, they should be. I know Lee's saying, oh, they're getting better. 
But the printing's always going to be different. It's digital printing now. You're always going to be able to tell, aren't you? A freshly printed card to an old card once you've handled a few cards. I can't see them falling. And there's, to me, no, what's the point? The resale market, you've only got to listen to Mark Daniels last month. Some of the prices he was coming up with were absolutely amazing for Palatoy logoed cards. He was talking 70, 80, 90 quid for certain cards. That's a great price for a really, really rare mint on card. I think these record kits are about 30 quid, aren't they? And they don't come with the figure. It's just the... Do you know what? I, I actually looked up some of them today. Now, the Poon ones, you're talking that, but there's an awful lot on eBay, recard kits, which are coming out of Spain, and they're selling them for like four quid plus four quid postage. And this is the same bloke who, Jez already mentioned it in the intro, about painstakingly and professionally, invisibly resealed. Here's the bloke selling these these recard kits for four pound. That's not right. You can't tell me that he can knock out those cards for four quid and they're going to be of any decent quality. Well, Pete, that goes nicely into what I've given you to talk about because you're our printing guy. Is it possible, in your view, to create a digital cardback print that could fool somebody to look like Litho? I wouldn't say it was impossible because technology changes all the time, but it's more the sort of technique because of the way that digital print lays down the colour and the fact that it's made up of, I mean, it's toner, so it's kind of like a powdery thing. I believe that sort of sits on the, I think it's right, I think it sits on the card or on the paper, whereas a litho or or any kind of uh, other printing inks will actually sort of slightly absorb into the paper. So that's why you get a real tough finish on some of these old things. So you have to get up a, a knife to scratch it. Whereas if you get a modern sort of version of the print, you could probably scrape away quite easily with your nail. Um, so it's really embedded in there if you're, if you're litho printing. It's such a hard thing to do with digital. You might as well spend the, all that, that money and make yourself a, a bunch of plates because with digital, you're basically taking your colours, so your CMYK colours, you have cyan, magenta, yellow, and then black to sort of sharpen it up. And you're laying down the colours in little dots or little marks or, or, or whatever the the printer or computer printer is. So it's laying it down and over the top of each other, which is which is fine, and creating that that colour. But with a litho print, so, so you're you're separating your colours into plates. So your cyan will have a plate, your magenta will have a plate, your yellow will have a plate. But let's say there was a, a really heavy use of another colour. So let's say there was a lot of pink on the card. And you thought, well, rather than make that up out there, your colours. So a lot of magenta and a bit of, you know, uh, yellow here and there. You might go, I'm going to just, just gonna flat print that colour. So you get a sharper makeup of the colour. Whereas on digital print, it will be a combination of the colours being laid down to make that. So... You get, a, you, you get a much better quality of print. Now, it's getting better and better digital, but I think it's, it's still, you know, you'd have to invest some heavy money to get it looking. You might as well just go and you might as well get yourself, you know, make a bunch of cards up or a bunch of sheets up if you want to really create that life, though. I mean, it's not cheap, but it's not ridiculously expensive. I'm surprised they haven't done it, but it, it would be a lot of work in pre-production. So you'd have to recreate the image, recreate the graphics, separate the, the the colors and you know invest in time on a machine to get it right so obviously with digital you can just you know go up there's a design print it with litho you've got you know you've got several processes before you get there and that's why that's why star wars cards used it because obviously 
it's better for big runs. You're going to, you know, produce two million of these things. You, you go litho. But if you're going to produce, you know, 50, you go digital. So can you, can it possible to create? Yes, it probably is eventually. But at the moment, because of the way the materials are used and Litho is a wet process and effectively digital is kind of a dry process, it would be not here at the moment. But in the future, mm, don't know. So do you think then, Pete, at some point, somebody's going to look at, I don't know, just see a Palatoy Valent Cave Jawa and see one of those go for 20000 and think, you know what, it's going to cost me, what, 5000 10000 to make these plates and start running them off. And we're going to perhaps start to see some very early attempts at creating something like a Palatoy Valent Cave Jawa. And if they're going to go down that route, how... Are these adaptable to any other kind of card back, or would they have to make a whole new set of plates? Yeah, you'd have to have, you know, you'd have to have the plates. I mean, you, I mean, you, you know, plates can be enormous, so you can get like a, I think, I think, don't someone will probably quote me on this, but I think you can go up to about AO size, which is pretty big for some big stuff. But you could have, you can have quite a few card backs on there. So you can have, I'll oh, even look in, you know, let's just say 24 card backs. You'd have to have plates for the front and the back, remember as well. So that doubles everything up. <laughs> so suddenly you took a lot of plates. You're running the, the paper through and then curing it and then running it through again. I mean, that might have changed a little bit. I can't remember. I mean, let's go back to my old days. You know, you're talking suddenly, suddenly you're talking printing two sides um, of the same card. You know, it's going back through again. Or if you're sticking it together, if you're, you know, doing a dodgy deal, you've got to print on a certain stock that doesn't make it too thick. So oh, it, it, it definitely could be done and you could reasonably easily if you've got access to a machine but a lot of money you know more than it's probably worth and as soon as it gets gets uh, out there and people are saying oh no that's bad then you could risk all that money and lose it all you know people go right we want to burn these things so is is the risk worth it maybe in time it would be worth it i don't know i mean that's you know i i still think if if you're prepared to to want something that's not a true vintage giant well what's the point in being in in the, in the hobby i don't get it there's no point you know if you can't own it just you can't own it i just don't get why you want it you have to tell everyone oh yes this is my collection oh but these bits over here aren't real star wars they look like it but they aren't real they weren't made in the 70s so and i just think you'll be adding that caveat to your collection all the time what's the point you know go collect something else i think it's probably more likely for scammers trying to you know release i don't know two or three palatoy vinyl cave jawas per year and before you know it they're going to have 50 grand in the pockets but Jason Smith posted on there to say modern digital printing techniques have rectangular p- pixels whereas the good old vintage has dots and it's best seen on the racetrack on the front of the card and it's very obvious with a magnifying glass or digital camera when you zoom in. No, I don't think that's true. I think I believe you can, things like uh, printers can, can print you know dots and stuff. I think that's a bit of a... I'm not. I'm not convinced on that one at all. I've seen plenty of digital print. And if you, in fact, if you search for it now, you can see close-up digital printing has got all sorts of techniques. I mean, there's no. That just might just be one type of printer. You know, it's, it's all about how you, how it lays down the color you know, on top of each other in bits and pieces, maybe in some larger bits. So I'm not convinced on that one at all. I don't think that's true. So Jez, if Pete's seeing that this zooming in on the racetrack may not be the best way of identifying a fake card back, what are the telltale signs of a genuine 40-year-old card back? In hand or looking at it online? 
because there's a big thing there, mate. People are getting tricked all the time online uh, because of clever lighting and, and whatnot. I, I would say some of the telltales online is who you're buying it from, what their feedback's like, uh, and uh, whether or not anyone has leapt on it and taken it already. Because if something is looking too good to be true, the chances are everyone else has seen that and gone, nope, not for me. That's fake. Um, yes, you can talk about race traits. You can talk about stars in certain positions and all that sort of stuff sometimes. Also, the actual punch itself, what they're like. Then we go on to bubbles. There are so many different things. And that's why it's so good to be amongst a community and get onto some forums and the Facebook groups just to double check. But I think from a tactile point of view, as soon as you've got it in hand, you can feel, you know, sometimes we've seen some of these things where it's just two separate things stuck together. So you can actually see it, see the, see the join on the card. Just to interject on that one. I think, I think a good way to look at it would be to look at the flat, how the flat color is printed. I'm not, you know, not on the, the outside with all the black is, but let's say I'm just trying to think of an image on a car back. With the bit behind the figure where it's a flat color. So within the picture itself, sometimes if, it, if it's predominantly, so let's say it's predominantly yellow, you know, and there's a lot of yellow on there, or it's on a background. I'm trying to think of a, um, a car, but maybe the Rancor Keeper or the Trilogue with like the sort of almost like blue background. So just for example, then it's looking in the, the areas where there's just like a real flat color, then looking in there at, at how, how it's printed. Because normally if it was specific colored, you know, like the reds on the logo, for example, then they would just run a plate with that one colour on it. And it wouldn't be made up of, not, not, not saying all the time, it wouldn't be made up of, um, I think it's, I think, yeah, I think if you look at Return of Jedi logo and it's red, or the Empire Strikes Back logo, it's red, that would just just probably have been a flat, just a plate that printed just red to make it really, really pop. Because I think I've got a couple of car backs where the, where it's, it's been really badly printed on top, and you can see it's kind of been printed, printed on the black, so it's, it's just a one-color kind of process. But they've gone, well, we run that back through, uh, and we'll put a red plate on with just the logo on and run that over the card so it really stands out. It's not stuck in there. So I think it, it's best to look in those areas to see how it was printed and not look at dot matrices or look at you know whether it's squared. Because print and print matrices do kind of like vary a little bit. Um, but yeah, that 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 will be where I'd look first, the flat coloured areas. Yes, you said that when you got in your hand, it's obviously quite easy to spot. But what do you mean? Are you talking texture? Are you talking thickness of car back? What is it that made you go? You know what? That twenty back X wing is not genuine. I think washed out colours as well. It it was the whole thing, buddy. It was just the way in which the the card feels. So just experience i guess of just handling some of these cards and i know we've got different thicknesses anyway and some as the line um is gone through changes you know you try logos different to to 12 backs so on and so forth but these just felt different it looked weird on the eye the the quality even now the quality of some of these digital reproductions or what have you just weren't a patch on, on what we had before it was just, straight away it was, that's a fake and it, to the point where I was just disgusted with myself for actually being duped on eBay for it, you know. So uh, I didn't actually look at it for that long. I knew it was a fake and just sent it back. So Stu Chess has just mentioned the eBay. I mean, let's face it, we're probably all talking about eBay here. Most forums, most Facebook groups, records not allowed. If somebody posts anything that's recorded, they're going to get warned immediately and then booted if they take no notice. So what advice would you give somebody 
who's perhaps not a Mark Daniels, somebody who is just dipping the toe into the carded market, and they are looking on eBay for signs of records to avoid. What have they got to watch out for? Well, in, in fairness to eBay, the majority of recards that you come across, if you read the descriptions, it says it. Right? Sometimes it's worded very cleverly, but it will say new card or, or something on there. Sometimes it says just sealed a Star Wars 12 back. But to say what you're looking out for, Rich, it is a difficult one. I think Jez has already covered it. I think it's just about education, getting these things in hand and trying them. And if you have doubts use the forums the forums are there there's so many people people that have been around in the hobby for a few years will be able to tell you whether something is a is a fake card or not apart from that it's a difficult thing to say isn't it it, it is because even when you look at something like the 21e r5d4 and the palatoy 20 back r5d4 the racetrack and the star wars and the hildebrand logo are different from all the other ones because they made a mistake when they printed them i've had this before where somebody sent me an image of a 21e and said this is fake, isn't it? And I've had to respond back saying, no, it's not fake. It's genuine because of the, the colour problems that they had. So hitting education and asking for advice, please don't anybody ever send me an image of a carded figure and ask me to verify it because I'm, I'm just definitely not at that level at all. Or even take bring it along to somewhere like Five Astronomy Review in America. There's so many conventions out there. There's always someone at those. I, I would believe that all of us, if you were handed a fake card, you'd be able to tell. This At this moment in time, before they get too good, I would believe we would all be able to tell. Well, if Jez could, yeah. But, um... So funny. <laughs> to, to wrap that up, I mean, there's some great information there. And I agree with pretty much what we've said there. I think Lee has looked at these, got them in his hand, perhaps got himself a little bit too worried. I'll tell you what, though. He did say on there that he was purchasing something from Poon already and has purchase this kit as an extra and I've been looking at some of the Poon L slot fets for you know quite a while now thinking you know what they're only $25 or what's that £18, £20 I'd love to have one I just don't want to give the guy any money because it just feels wrong and I know that the L slot fets couldn't fool anybody the plastic is wrong the, you know there's no footholds or allegedly anyway whether he's made anymore or not uh, I really wish somebody else would make some more of those Elslofets that's not Poon and not anybody involved in the record business because I'd certainly love to have one. But, yeah, great information there. Thank, guys. The moon with the Rebel base will be in range in 30 minutes. Let's go over to the Fox Out Foxes Foxes. Um, I get one fox and I get foxes in Leicester City. What's the third fox for, Fox Fox? This is Pete's title, this actually. So one of the foxes is Matt Fox and his absolutely stunning Star Wars exhibition, May the Toys Be With You. The second fox for our American friends is that Leicester have a football team and their nickname is the Foxes. And the third fox is Fearless Fox exhibition that was happening in Leicester City to celebrate their title win from two years ago or whenever. So on there, we've got... This is from Leicester's New York Museum. More than 3,500 people visited May the Toys Be With You over the weekend, watching demonstrations of Korean martial arts and Star Wars-style saber fighting, before enjoying the extraordinary collection of action figures and rare film posters on display. This compares with the 2,791 fans who flocked to the launch weekend of Fialis Foxes, the exhibitions celebrating Leicester City's fairy tale season on the 4th of June, 2016. 
We are very lucky to be exhibiting this incredibly detailed and complete collection of vintage Star Wars figures and memorabilia. It's already proving popular with the public. The owner of this extraordinary collection, Matt Fox, has worked closely with our design team at the museum to create a stunning exhibition that will appeal to a huge audience. I'm delighted with the visitor numbers for the opening weekend, said a representative of the museum, and I'm sure that many more will be heading to the New Walk Museum over the coming months to see this exceptional collection for themselves. May the Toys Be With You features around 460 objects from the personal collection of Star Wars devotee Matt Fox, including a breathtaking collection of action figures, many of which were manufactured by Palatoy in Colville. The exhibition opened to the public on Saturday the 21st of July when 2,346 visitors came to the doors. Just under 1,200 turned up to enjoy the exhibition on Sunday. May the Toys Be With You is free to visit and runs at Leicester's New Walk Museum Art Gallery until the 28th of October. Now, Pete, I was hoping to pop up there from Forest Rom, but as Stu mentioned at the start there, the drive back up from Plymouth towards Newcastle was one journey and a half, so I was never going to get there on time. You've been to this exhibition, so Pete, let's lead with this. You've been to the exhibition, and I believe you went to somewhere else in Leicester at the same time. Yeah, I think just before we start, Rich, we've got to give the gravitas of, of what this beat <laughs> in, in that museum versus museum exhibit. I mean, Leicester City, it's, to put it in American terms, it's like a team that's never, ever, ever won the Super Bowl or got close, not even close. Suddenly, without any investment or any particular big spending, just suddenly win, win the Super Bowl out of nowhere. Literal nowhere. It's unheard of. It, it really was a one-off. I, well, I said it's one-off. I hope it's not a one-off, but it was a one-off. And they, they really did nail it. So it, it was an enormous thing. And Leicester are a real sporting city. They've got a big cricket club. They've got a big rugby club, are very famous. And uh, now they've had a football club, which actually done something. Um, so it, it, it really did bring the city together. I mean, I, I've lived there for a year, and it's a it's a cracking place to, to go out. And, and this is actually in a part of Leicester, which this is no offence to Leicester, but it's actually quite posh. I don't, I've never been to a posh area of Leicester before. Sorry, Lawrence Dyer. But it's a lovely museum set in a really nice nice area. And it's very clean and tidy. And it, it sort of takes up half the top floor. Yeah, I mean, it, it's just presented and laid out beautifully. You've got big graphics on the doors. This big, you know, lovely entry you go in. You've got sort of like standing cabinets with all sorts of history. You, you, you've even got the the stuff about the the, land, the possible landfill site in, uh, in Leicester. You, you know, is it myth? Is it not? The toys are laid out in the cabinets, you know, sort of standing height. You've got stuff on the walls, all with information. You know, you've got car backs, you know, mint-on cars, torn-off cards. And you've got a lovely, lovely poster collection as well. It's not, it doesn't go on forever. It, it'd probably take you about an hour maybe to go just go just to walk around it and take everything in. Um, I actually found myself, I, I took two friends of mine who are Star Wars fans. They're not, like, really into it. And I found myself kind of doing a tour with them i thought oh my god i actually know some stuff i wasn't showing quizzes but it was just coming out like verbal diarrhea it's like oh yeah this is a blah, 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 blah. this is a blah, 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 blah. this is a blah, blah, blah. and uh, i had a little mini crowd following me i was quite shocked i was like oh my goodness this is, this is quite embarrassing it's just nicely done i mean it's definitely worth hunting out i mean it's reasonably easy to get there uh, middle of the country and then if you are doing it and i suggest you do during the summer there's any summer left the times podcast is out you can also, within walking distance, get to the Leicester Vintage Toy Shop, which is almost a museum in itself. In fact, I was taking so many pictures of it. Joe, the owner, kind of said, oi, it's not a museum, mate. But um, yeah, it's it's just 
tons and tons of vintage toys all beautifully laid out <laughs> you've currently got an ewok display with the ewok village all for sale with loads and loads of figures all having a massive battle in the cabinet i obviously like to play these figures in the cabinets but yeah you, you can't fail to walk out you have to buy something because there is so much stuff there and it's not just star wars it's Battlestar Galactica, lots of He-Man. I think there was some vintage girls toys like She-Ra. Um, or just, it's endless. It's literally floor to ceiling. But um, yeah, and I actually bought a couple of little items as well. Bought a few modern figures and uh, a couple of vintage activity books. A French activity book, where dot to dot, it had been half coloured in, and it made Princess Leia blonde for some reason. I don't know why. But uh, yeah, it's it just, you know, it was a good day out. Me and a couple of friends went over there and had a lovely day out. So I definitely recommend it. And Leicester has some nice places in the middle of town as well. Lovely shopping areas. So go for it. Has a space museum as well, doesn't it? It does, yeah. It's a little bit further out than the centre. You have to drive, obviously you have to drive there. And I went there recently, actually. I took my, I went with my nephew. And I mean, I went there about, probably about 10, 11 years ago for kind of a Star Wars day thing. Didn't think too much of the Space Museum. Star Wars bit was good. But they have absolutely nailed this museum. It is absolutely brilliant. That is a proper day out. Um, it really is. You can have there's so many activities to do. And they do have a Star Wars thing every every now and again. So worth checking out. One of the fun parts of that Space Museum is the guy who comes into the live demonstration of how to create yourself a rocket in your house. Maybe don't do it in your house. But uh, just using household items and blowing things up, it's absolutely brilliant. I mean, seriously, you've got a couple of kids. I would definitely take them to the Space Museum. I mean, from the outside, it doesn't look too much. It's a bit bit odd and could do with maybe a bit of a scrub. But once inside, you can, you've can got a picnic area inside, so you can take your own food. They don't push food and drink on you, so you can, you know, you can you know, get rid of some of the cost on that. But it's just activities, for like about six floors of it, because you actually go up this building and there's a rocket that goes all the way up it. And each floor... With, with the rocket in it you've got tons more activities it's just it's just endless and it's just brilliant i would you know i never thought i'd say it but you can have a day out in leicester Stu, i was talking to you down at father's farm and you've been to see this before and you were saying you know it was absolutely fantastic and amazing obviously matt fox is from a local town to me he's in canterbury and he i had him on about three about three years ago i think about 2015 this came to Canterbury, the Beanie Museum, and it broke the record there for the first day as well. It had two and a half thousand fruit. And now I think it's grown slightly. I think some of the places it's been since has had a bit more room. But I just want to give it a bit more gravitas because he's got things like a burgundy bib in there. And on the wall next to each thing, he has like a write up of what it is and um, a bit of history about it. And he's got custom toys in there of what could have been. He's got Tarkin slippers. Peter Cushion was um, local to us um, lived in Whitstable so all these little things in there and he's got the original Tom Beauvais poster which missed, missed out to Chantrell to be the main poster there's so much history in there but this thing's been um, after it left Canterbury it's been to Southport Liverpool Torquay Basingstoke Barnsley and I believe it's still he's of you know still booking more places for this to go so if you can't get to Leicester keep an eye on he's got a Facebook page called May the, May the Toys Be With You Go and sign up there because it might well come to an area near you because it is worth the visit. And I don't know if you mentioned it, Pete, but um, Bob Breakin hadn't he had turned up for the opening in Leicester, the man who designed the Palatoy Dev Star. Yeah, he um, he turned up. If you go over to May the Toys Be With You, there's pictures of 
Bob Breakin in there, um, standing alongside the Palace of Death Star that's on show. But um, it, it is such a good um, little museum. It's so so great to see all that kind of stuff displayed nicely because I know Matt doesn't display anything in his house. So when he got the opportunity to do a museum display, he said it was just great to get everything out and roll it out. And he really enjoys sharing his um, his pieces. And he has got a really good collection. So uh, well worth going and checking out. But it will be touring. So just go and sign up to that, that Facebook group. I don't think you'll be disappointed from it anyway. Death Star approaching Estimated time to firing range, 15 minutes. OK, so we move on to Found in the Wild. Not happy about my question that Richard's given me on here. <laughs> well, Cy tagged us in this one because I would have missed it completely. It was just an image that Frank Druin, who uses his girlfriend account, Dorothy Druin, and posted on Facebook, and it said, McConnell, Return the Jedi, Corded Figures, Factory, Shipping Box... And then he's got three smiley faces with hearts for eyes. And it was a picture, pretty much exactly what he described there. A shipping box for McConnell to the Jedi figures. He's put underneath it, found in the wild, dot, dot, dot. Additional question, full or empty? With a question mark and then a thinking emoji. And obviously that just went wild for a little bit you know a few people saying come on your tease what is it open it up tell me what's there now Stu we've said so many times on this podcast that there are delights still to be found in France and I'm pretty sure we all agreed that you're supposed to be popping around France on your time off can you just give us an overview of any of the recent big finds that has been in France because I'm convinced that's far more still to come <laughs> this is it I wanted to know whether you meant finds in France, because where the hell do you start researching that? I went on to Rebel Scum, was typing all sorts of things in for finds in France. I went on to Star Wars Forum. I tried to look on Facebook all that, trying to find something on there. It's like trying to find a hair on Jez's head. It's impossible. I do have yeah. eyebrows, you know. <laughs> do you know what? I know there's been finds over there. I did come across the Druid auction room where they had the Meccano Return of the Jedi cards which I think we covered in an early podcast. Yep, with the Leah. That had, yeah, it had all on 45 backs, 11 Stormies, 6 R5s, 5 Lukes, 5 Kenobis, 4 Luke X-Queens, 4 Tuscans, 4 Jowers, 3 Layers, 3 Chewers, 3 Solos, and it was the first time Leia had actually been found mm-hmm. on a card. And that was a bargain. They'd, they'd sold for €5,300 at that time for all of those cards, and there were, apparently those cards are far rarer than any of the Makana 12 backs or square cards. But that was the last one. That was the only one I could really find really, really well documented. Was there a 12-inch find in France? Or am I making that up in my head? Not that I'm aware of. I know Mathieu found the 12-inch Vader, didn't he? It's the only one known to exist. I think Lulu Baloo had a big find, didn't they? I think it was probably before the one that you just mentioned. I think Stu's right. I think was it? I think that guy did a, didn't, he, didn't he have a website or something where... He, he had found, I'm sure it was 12 inches, Stuart, I'm sure of it as well. And we did cover it. It was, a, I think it was in real briefings, to be honest with you. It was a couple of years, well, maybe a year, a year and a half ago. I'm pretty sure he found, he did find a bunch of 12 inch stuff. Wow. Forgotten all about that. I'll have to go back and listen to that then if that's the case. Yeah, I, I can't remember what it was. I, 12 inches definitely ringing a bell. It's definitely France. And he, I can't remember whether he did a website with it on or a Facebook page or something. So, Jez, shipping box, mm-hmm. additional question, full or empty, what was in it? Well, you know, we 
never really got to the end of that thread and did that chat. However, I have done. So what occurred is there was a lot of speculation about, oh, actually, there's a bit of wear, which, you know, shows a bit of use. Yeah, a lot of people saying there's going to be stuff in it. And then a photograph was shown of the back of 14 card backs. Not all the uh, same type, but again, not a great deal. But the fact that you were seeing 14 and lots of people commenting saying great. And what was the comment? What, What did they say came with it? which was going to be difficult to trade, Rich. Did you read that? No, I, I didn't spot that. Oh, the reyes. Yeah. So there was a comment just from, well, the the comment was from Dorothy, but as you've already alluded to, it, Frank Frank made a comment saying, yep, 12 reyes is going to be difficult to trade. And then uh, not long after that, the comment stopped. I sent Dorothy or, or Frank a message earlier on saying, hi, you know, um, so you say 12, but I counted 14. So, uh, you know, what what else was in there? Uh, and he said, yeah, hello, 12 reyes was a joke, but as no one asked me what I actually found, I didn't need to continue. I didn't, I didn't see fit to, to say what it was. It's a mixture of a turn of the Jello Meccano and French Trilogo directly from a Meccano dealers and the return of the Jedi Meccano shipping box, uh, which was addressed to him. And, uh, so there you go. So he said, oh, it's 12 reyes. And I think people actually just took it at face value. Uh, and that was it. So I said, wow, that's, that's incredible. What, what did you get? And it was uh, Luke Farmboy, Vader, Snowtrooper, Leah Bespin, Low Grey, Lando, R2-D2, Rebel Commando, Bosk. And uh, yeah, how about that? So the post just wasn't elaborated, but I've just been given this information. And I said, look, you know, what are your plans? And, and his plans with them are to keep them uh, and trade any duplicates, you know, upgrade as people do. Um, he's already sold on a couple to um, some French friends of his. And uh, yeah, absolutely fantastic. I mean, th- this guy has had some significant fines in the past as well. Just having a little bit of uh, conversation back and forth with him. Check this out. This is the fourth time that I found a big batch uh, of blistered cards in France in one and a half years. The first time, 141 mint on card and 72 baggies. The second was 19 mint on cards. The third, eight and the 431 so this guy does dig up a lot now you can find out a lot more about him and uh, i'm not going to just read out all of this information because i don't want to uh, prevent people from going there to look for themselves but if you go to trilogo.info there's a whole article on frank goodell which is his surname uh, not druin so dorothy druin is his partner but it's frank goodell and this guy has got a significant collection and talks all about it. It's an absolutely fantastic article with some really, really good images. So I'm sure Joe won't mind us sharing that. Um, but, you know, just directing people to go over to trilogo.info. Incredible, incredible find. Let's go put a Parker on them, Rich. Go off to Canada. Yes, Joe, it's been quite a while since we've been on the SWC blog. And there have been two fantastic articles both written by ron on star wars puzzles or jigsaws is probably what we more commonly call them so the first one was on kenneth star wars puzzles and that was published earlier in july but the one that i want to look at a little bit more depth at the moment was published right at the end of july and this was on canadian star wars puzzles I, i don't know what it is with us we're covering a lot of canadian stuff recently so I urge everybody to go out and read the Kenner Star Wars Puzzles one first. That's blog.theswca.com. 
and then once you've read that one go and read the Canadian one because I've learned so much and th this one's quite a shorter article there's so much contained in there and when I finished it I got so many questions certainly some items that I'm going to try and track down and I just thought it was an absolutely wonderful post and it deserves far more attention I think than what it's had at the moment so I've got a couple of questions for you guys I mean we've all seen these US puzzles before you know there's you know, the ones with Luke with R5 and Trash Compactor and the, the ones that are just in jet black and perhaps some of us have seen the Canadian puzzles before but when Ron's broken all these down, it's just really, really amazing how much there were differences between them. So, Canadian, US, can you summarise them for us? I would say subtleties, I think. Sometimes there's some text, sometimes some spelling, sometimes there's images which have been flipped on the vertical. There's a, a case of a sand person, a uh, Tuscan Raider, with his Gaddafi stick pointing in a different direction. Uh, Luke leading into R5, different way. Yeah, so just, yeah, subtleties. So uh, not immediately obvious. Uh, why flipped? Because I, I read that. Obviously, the, the Tuscan Raider has flipped. The Luke with R5 had been flipped. And I think there were possibly another two or three that had been flipped as well. Yeah, stormtroopers as well. They're the most obvious ones. I, I don't know why. I, maybe it's just mistakes. Maybe it's just a, a simple mistake. But the stormtrooper, to me, is, is a bit more of an obvious one because of the non-symmetrical costume, I, I guess. Yeah, I don't know why. I mean, we have covered before that the... I think, was this possibly an interview with Clint where we, where we talked about Parker Brothers being the licensee for the Canadian puzzles and not... Kenna Canada, Parker Brothers being a sister company. We think, if I remember right, it was because Parker Brothers had already had previous expertise in, in printing off puzzles before in the past. And like you said, the text there, so there's an obvious bit of text on the front of them that's not on the American ones. Yeah, I was summing up the ways of just actually trying to pronounce that. So I think, yes, Jigsaw Puzzle, Cassette-Tet. You, you would think cassette when you look at it, but... Because <laughs> I thought cassette the first time I looked at it, and I thought cassette. No, it doesn't quite say that. Really, really fantastic write-up on that. Joe, a spelling mistake. Ever seen that word appear anywhere else before? <laughs> well, my question. Right, so first of all, the word stormtroppers. Okay, so they've replaced one of the O's with a P. And I didn't even notice it. Well, when he said, oh, there's this mistake on it, I had to look at it because it's in tiny like black writing at the very bottom of the image, isn't it? Um, it's a bit like your, your question in the last one, Rich. You go on to these things trying to find stormtroopers, and your computer automatically corrects it to stormtrooper. But no, I couldn't find this mistake anywhere. It's got through quality control or whatever and been printed on these puzzles, but I think it's just a genuine mistake. There is in this write-up, it does say something about a Stoom trooper. When you click on the link, that just goes through to a... Uh, an eight-inch Japanese figure. Yeah, that's on the Japanese figures. Yeah. yeah, yeah, not not the same thing. But no, I couldn't find it anywhere else. Now, Pete, you were looking at something that I gave you a couple of months ago, and I forgot to mention this um, previously, where you spotted a spelling mistake on the backdrop of the ad, ad cardboard. Can you remember what that was? Yeah, the Lou Lucius film. <laughs> it was on the Half Ice Planet Adventure hoo ha. The cardboard. It's just. It's just. That's a silly spelling mistake. You know, these things go to, uh, go to probably someone's going to How would it spell Lucasfilm on that backdrop? So, L U C U S. 
rather than L-U-C-A-S. So <laughs> you think that someone might go, oh, I wonder if there's any variation there. I wonder if they printed only in one place ever. So it was only, you know, and they, it got corrected. I mean, if you've got a set, anyone's got a set out there in, in uh, listener land, then have, just have a look down the bottom where, where it's got the copyright notice. See if it if they corrected at any stage, whether it was a... I, I was trying to find out if anyone had ever mentioned it. I can't... I searched and searched for, for Luke Hughes' film, but couldn't see ever see a mention of it. I don't know whether it's ever been picked up or... Maybe I'm the first person to ever mention it, Rich. I don't know. Unlikely. Now, Pete, I think I've been a little bit kinder with you than I was with Stu because I was wondering about the general prices of US versus Canada puzzles, but then I thought you'd have a hissy fit because there's 15 different Canada puzzles and now you're going to check each one. So I've just asked you to do a comparison of two similar 140s, uh, that's 140 pieces, and the same for a 500 puzzle piece. Is there much of a price difference between the US and the Canadian ones? Well, it was hard trying to find them. I mean, there's not a lot out there. I searched on the eBay Canada and eBay US there's no spectacular prices, Rich. It really isn't. I mean, look, a 500-piece US one, $6. A 140-piece, $9. That is, there's nothing. Oh, and two, someone someone paid for a 500 US and a 500 Canada, $25. It's really, really no enthusiasm for jigsaws. And there's no particular price. Of, even the ones being you know, sold at a buy-it-now price, tenner. Fiverr bids not doing very well so price difference i mean I, I guess if they're sealed and if they're if they were sealed i don't know where they were sealed i know the lots of jigsaws i the kid never sealed and um people used to nick things out it just isn't an enthusiasm for the jigsaws rich i'm sorry it's, it, it's a shame isn't it because the pinky purple parker ones are beautiful i love them and i love some of the um photos they choose you look through that article by ron i love things like the the trash compactor scene on there brilliant I love them. I've got a load of jigsaws, but you're right. How do you display them? They they just stack up, don't they? That's the problem. I mean, well, unless unless they, if they are, I, I don't know how they come. If they're in a bag or anything, but if they're just a which you know, if you had jigsaws as a kid, they're normally a box, and the pieces were in the box, and that was it. There's no obviously no materials, just that. That's just a box jigsaw. That's why they're cheap, easy to make, but. I think you display them by making them and put them and then framing them. You know, you, you almost put the cardboard or some of the packaging somewhere else and display them as a as a piece of artwork, I guess. No, that's a terrible idea. I go into a lot of old people's homes and they have jigsaw puzzles of cats and things done up like that. And I, I always wonder what's going on. Look nice, really nice. I personally love jigsaws. I always had them as a kid. I would quite happily get a jigsaw out, and I'm certainly going to purchase as many of these jigsaws as I can find because I think they're great. But if you go over to Ron's article, and if you haven't been on there recently, there's been a couple of updates to it. Jonathan McElwain, who we've had on before, he sent Ron some good scans of Alphagetti, not Alphabetti, Alphagetti spaghetti, which had a promotion for these jigsaws, and there's quite a few scans in there. And also Pete Vilma has sent Ron some information about the Death Star shot, which was the same Death Star that was used on the park of Destroyed Death Star game. So, so cheers, Ron. Another fantastic article on the SWCA blog. Thanks for sharing. Rebel Base, one minute and closing. Yeah, right. So on to the AFA 2021 back mystery solverage. Um, I take it this is going to be an update from you. It is an update because you've heard us whine before about EFA and these 20Fs, 20Gs and 20Hs that they have been 
grading for R5D4s and I've checked them all and according to Kellerman they're on a 20E and if you remember I contacted Chris Fawcett and asked him and he said that he uses Kellerman so what tricked this off again was that it was Pete Fitzke and he was selling a 20H R5D4 that had been recently graded so I thought 20H, I checked my list, there's no 20H and I said, Pete, can you send us a photograph of the back of it because it's not on my list of cardbacks and I know AFA had just graded it as a 20H. So he sent us the image of the back of the cardback and it was yet another 20E. So I thought, right, that's F's, G's and H's. This is just getting ridiculous. All graded or seen over the last two months. So I contacted AFA and I said, look, what's going on with these 20 and 21 backs? Why are there so many differences between what you're grading and what Kellerman says? And quite a while had gone by, I didn't get a response. I contacted, you know, quite a few guys who had used grading companies and nobody seemed to have an answer. And then they responded. Thank you for your inquiry. I did follow up with the graders and based on the information provided, since the Kellerman book was written in the early 2000s and since then his original matrix has been restructured, we felt that the most accessible guide for people to use is the Star Wars Collector's Archive which we also use, please find the link below. And it's a link to the cardback guide on the SWCA. I hope that this is helpful. Please let me know if I can be a further assistance. I contacted a few guys who also had R5D4s that they were selling and I said, this is what EFA are saying they're using. And for most of them, they matched. But it didn't match on this 20H, so they're still making mistakes despite saying that they are using the SWCA's grading system. The SWCA cardback guide is accredited to Dan Farida and Ron Salvatore. And this is really getting me now a bit nervous because I think as a community, we're now running two different systems, two completely different systems. So I thought, well, hold on a second, there might just be a couple of things. So what I've done is I've done a comparison between the SWCA guide and the guide that's on 12back.com, which is Chris Fawcett's guide. And I'm totally aware that Chris Fawcett's guide has been updated with recent discoveries. So even if you discount those ones, you know, some that have been made in the last year or two, there are still quite a few differences between the two. I'm not going to go through every single one. I'm just going to read a few out of the major ones. The 12-backs, the A, B and C match up. But on the SWCA, there's no 12D and no 12E. So I wonder what EFA do for grading 12D or 12E if they use the SWCA guide. Now on the 20 backs, this is where it gets bizarre. Because the 20A to D are all fine. But the 20E and the 20F are swapped around on the opposite guides. So a 20E on SWCA is a 20F on Chris and Kellerman and vice versa. The 20H, which I've already mentioned which was graded last month as a 20H is clearly not a 20H it has no red sticker so that was an error from EFA but many of the post Kellerman letters do not appear on the SWCA guide at all or some are noted they're not given a new letter they're given a subcategory but not given a letter designation and they've also said that they think that's a possibility of a printed version of the 20E which Kellerman doesn't have as a letter I perhaps not explain that too well but it really is complicated on the 21 bucks, again, everything's fine with the 21D. But on the 21E on Kellerman, the SWCA guide, and therefore EFA, go back down to 21A, but on an Empire card. 
So they call it an Empire Strikes Back 21A, whereas Kellerman goes to 21E. And then that designation throws out the rest of the card backs completely out of sync. Card backs after the 21 backs are pretty much the same, although there are one or two areas. So it's certainly something for focus collectors, certainly something for people that were looking for, I don't know, perhaps perhaps the R20H card back collectors out there who want to collect 20Hs. You've got to be really careful, and I, and I am concerned definitely of us running two different grading systems. It's been, what, 2001, 2002 that Kellerman came out? So we're talking 16 years now of most people that I'm aware of getting comfortable with the Kellerman system. And I can't remember when the update was, but the update when it happened wasn't a major update. It didn't recategorise letters as far as I'm aware. Any comments on that, guys, running two systems? or EFA correct in using the SWCA system? You said it's complicated, mate. I, what came to my mind was it's not complicated, it's ridiculous. Chicken egg, sorry, who did you say came first? Why don't people just stick with the Kellerman? I, I don't, I don't understand if that's the one which you say people are using. The SWCA came first. They were the, they were the first system, but then the SWCA would have been usurped by the Kellerman guide that came out. Yeah. Now, possibly, could it be something to do with legal? Would AFA be allowed to use the Kellerman system? if it's been printed in a book and been set out that way as the Kellerman Guide, would EFA be allowed to use it? Well, I think it only uh, signposts people to the Kellerman book. So I think, you know, for for the Kellerman guys to get upset about that would be, um, again, ridiculous. I'm saying that a lot tonight. But how do you feel as a collector about running two systems? It can't work, can it? It has to be one uniformed system a community you can't have especially with with grading companies you can't have everything being different and there's no lot of just is right ridiculous is the only word because there's no well, it's not working you see in a calm work it's not working it's never going to work is it it isn't no because I'm, I'm looking for 20g r5d4s so i'm going on to ebay 20g r5d4 and getting presented things that are not 20g r5d4s and I'm pretty sure that somebody like... I mean, they're going to have no sympathy whatsoever with Jared Corp because, obviously, they've got no allegiance with Jared. But somebody like Jared must be pulling his hair out at all these differences. And Rich, it, it reminds me a little bit of the uh, World Boxing Championships. <laughs> Every now and again, another one seems to pop up. And uh, someone says, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm the world champion of the WB whatever. And then, oh, no, I'm, I'm the world champion of the IBF, and I'm the world champion. And it's just like... That's absolutely right. <laughs> That's precisely it. It's another shot in the foot from the grading company, surely. Someone who's putting together, what, what did you say, was 20H, 21H? Yeah. Someone's putting a run of them together, and AFA aren't grading them correctly. I'm not a graded collector, but I'm, I'm feeling for graded collectors in that, I mean, I was never aware of it. I'm assuming that you three were never aware of it, because none of you went, oh, yes, I'm aware of that. It's an, it's an absolute bonkers. I mean, I'm going to say with absolute certainty that Castle are using the Kellerman system. UKG? No idea. How long have they been around? Are they using Kellerman? Is that another grading system? And this is not a knock SWCA at all, because Dan and... I, th- I think Dan's wrote the bulk of that initial guide. They've put a lot of effort into that, but... I'd, you know, I think they'd be surprised to know that EFA are still using their system, which has been pretty much left since some of these newer card variations were found. Hopefully this now gets the community 
more away of of the grading and the designation of the letters and I would really feel for somebody who has bought a corded item and it's been graded and they haven't thought of checking the back of it to verify it against the Kellerman system if that's what they've been using because there may be somebody who spent quite a bit of money on a card that they perhaps have already got like I've, I've nearly bought the 20E five times now I wouldn't check if someone's paying for a service these people are meant to be experts and they're, they're, they're coming back with this I know it's not their fault they're using a completely different system if I've got a figure in hand I would just and it was said it was a, a 20E or whatever I would expect it to be a 20E and put it into my collection I wouldn't sit there and look that deeply at it would take their word but why are you buying it then? Because that's one of these things. You know, we've discussed this before with ships when we've gone through new acquisitions. That were like, all oh, right, yeah, didn't realise it did that. Didn't realise it had that. So why are we actually buying these things if we're not looking at them? Are we buying it just to tick a box? I'm probably or... not worried about about what card it is. To be honest with you, it's more of an. I say I think a lot of people buy like that though. Oh, I've bought a graded R5 D4 for my collection but if the sticker told me it was a, a 20e i would expect it to be a 20e i'm not i might not have been looking for that particular card but that's what i'd expect to be in there but or afa are grading it thinking it is a 20e according to their um plan that's you're, you're right it's, it is ridiculous it's a a very very strange situation isn't it i appreciate efa's response finally pleased that my mind's now set at ease Although the 20H that Peter has got is definitely not a 20H on either the Kellerman system, Chris Fawcett system, which is Kellerman, or the SWCA. It's not, it's not any of them, so they've, so they've clearly made a mistake on that. But I urge everybody, if you're buying an EFA graded item, please be aware that they don't follow Kellerman for the most part, and B, they still may have it wrong anyway. Rebel base, one minute and closing. Okay, shorter podcasts are coming. Probably not this one because we are letting Jez loose. <laughs> okay. Right, that it? that's it. Is it? That's, that, that's, that's the intro. <laughs> that's pretty good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So uh, there we go. We're we're not quite sure how August and September is going to go. In September, we'll know how October, November, December, January, February and March is going to go because yep see you later guys I'm off oh no Jez please don't go Jez where are you going you haven't told us about this <laughs> mate well now after having finally told my parents um, I feel like I can tell um, the rest of you as you know and you've been joking for a while that I have now entered my 21st year of working in the Royal Air Force and it's time for me to go away again the last time I went away was just before I joined the podcast. When I mean going away, I mean going away for quite a considerable amount of time. So I'm going overseas for six months. I'm going overseas in about 20 days' time. We don't know how it's going to work, do we? I, I want to stay part of the podcast. I want to stay on the team, and I think I can make it work. I think I can do it. I will have an internet connection where I'm there, even though I'm going to be a few hours ahead. It won't necessarily be the same, but we're going to roll with it. We'll know what it's like when I get there. We've discussed it, you know, as a team. And yeah, so I'm going to be arriving sort of towards the end of August, early September. And I'm going to need to get my feet under. <laughs> I'm going to get 
get my feet on the ground and sort of get the lay of the land before I can start considering a podcast. So I think already we can say to everyone that the podcast in September is probably going to be a little bit later than usual. And, uh, and we'll just see what happens. But yeah, so I'm, uh, I'm going to be leaving my family and my Star Wars extended family. Bit of a big deal really for me. And I will be returning in March, which is awesome because I knew I've known about this for a while. I just haven't said anything. And that's why when Star Wars celebration in Chicago came up, I thought that's something I've got in addition to look forward to because I went to Star Wars celebration in Essen the last time I returned from being in Afghanistan. And it was just such the nicest thing to do to go away with um, my wider family, you know, my Star Wars collecting buddies and uh, meet up with everyone. And, uh, and I really can't wait now for Star Wars celebration in Chicago. Well, we are going to try and do our best to have you on as normal as possible, aren't we? We are. That's the intention. Yeah. But yeah, um, yeah. like you say, until you're out there, we'll have to play that one by ear. It may be that I do some recordings and then just upload them and then you guys work with them, you know, and, and that's how we do some of our podcast anyway, isn't it? You know, so we'll just see. Or if I just ruin the illusion of the continuous recording. Um, so, <laughs> so, yeah, we're. We'll make it work. We will make it work. It'll be fine. to welcome to the 
Vintage Rebellion this month, a fellow podcaster, Rebel Commando and Endor Forest Rager Focus Collector, whilst also running the Facebook group Vintage Star Wars Scooter Collectors Group. I want to extend a warm welcome to someone who, who always gives us great feedback, uh, Christopher James Letty. Welcome, Chris. Hey, guys. How's it going? Glad to be here. Very excited yeah. for the conversation. Delighted to have you on, mate. Absolutely delighted. And uh, joining us to go through your collecting tonight is Richard. Are you all right, Rich? Yeah, fine. Looking forward to this. I, I, I'm going to be honest with you, um, Chris. I didn't realise you did podcasting until you sent me a message <laughs> the other day. Uh, you're part of the Brick City Blockade. Yes, that's correct. So can you tell us a bit about that? And your host on uh, Sixth Scale Scavengers. I've just downloaded it. Sounds good. I'm in for that. So can you tell us a bit about what the group is and um, what the podcasting is you do? Yeah, it's a. It was a unexpected. Um turn of events in my uh star wars fandom i ended up reaching out to uh to a couple local collectors and um i heard one of them actually he was on the toy run podcast with crisby and jake stevens and uh, he mentioned he's from new hampshire and I, I couldn't believe it so i messaged him and and he said yeah i'm joining up with these guys brick city blockade they're from exeter new hampshire just so happens that's the town that i grew up in and i don't live that far from there now and we just met and and i gave them my pitch that i would help out collecting wise as much as possible and from there we just started going doing recordings and doing local events and doing panels and it it just really clicked for all of us and and we decided to just keep going and and for me it's been seriously one of the most fulfilling things uh, as a star wars fan and i just help out where i can we all have our own lives like you guys know we just do it on the side and we just we've gotten some good guests on recently we got details on and and uh i've been chatting with him uh, online about farthest from and and it's just crazy how you make these connections with different people within the industry. You just never know where it's going to lead. With us, we just try to try to support our local uh, community, collecting community and, and fandom. And wherever it goes from there, who knows? Uh, a big thing right now we're trying to push is uh, we've we've teamed up with Starlight, the Starlight uh, Foundation. We're doing a charity event coming up here at the end of September at one of our local malls, and we're just we're trying to trying to help out where we can. Uh, we got connected with Starlight through Stephen Santon. He's been a big supporter of the podcast. And, you know, we're just doing what we can, sharing our fandom. And, and uh, yeah, it's been great. My latest project is with one of my fellow co-hosts, Brian Fontaine, good friend, uh, another New Hampshire native. And, and we're delving into uh, Hot Toys talk. I know it doesn't really fit this podcast, but, uh, yeah, we're, we're into Marvel and Star Wars Hot Toys and, and just giving an outlet for collectors that go for those uh, type of figures. And, and it's been pretty successful so far, a few episodes in, and we're just looking to see where that goes as well. Chris, I was just at Father's Phone with details, and I've never, ever played Masters of Terracacy. I don't even know if that's what it's called before. <laughs> First time I've ever played it in my life, so details challenged us, and I kicked his backside. So, no way. And I've, I'm now retired, undefeated. I've actually, there's a video of his challenging um, Floyd May- Mayweather. No so, kidding. So if he'll take the call. So next time you're talking to D, just, just remind him about that, because he likes it now again. But... Going on your podcast, if I downloaded an episode of your podcast, what kind of things would you cover? What would I listen to? 
Well, we do. Uh, we touch on a little bit of Star Wars collecting, not as much as I would have liked. I'm, I'm hoping to have I've been trying to push uh, my own collector's convo. Uh, I had Stephen Ward on. We we're talking about engineering and empire, the book that he's been writing with Matt George and Gary Borbage and uh, trying to get that going. But it's tough. You know, you have a family and career and all that stuff. But other than that, we really get into Star Wars in general. Then we talk about all the mythic side of the force. We get into the movies the TV shows. We just talk about whatever uh, is on our mind and uh, whatever guests we have lined up. Talk to a lot of different authors and the books that they write. But yeah, Robin Vogt is the creator of the podcast and, and he's been a really good part of the community, really spreading his his thing is unity is community and trying to be all inclusive and being very positive, promoting that positivity within, we call it the friendom more so than the fandom. You know, it's a lot of little things we like to get out there and just give fans just a positive outlet to share with us. I listened to a podcast with Robin Vogt or not too long ago, actually. So I'm wondering if it's the same network because he had um, a friend of ours, Neil Lowry, who we've talked yeah. to Neil quite a few times, um, usually down the father's from, because he's from the Isle of Wight. Yep, and I, yeah, I heard he just said Neil on. Yeah, yeah. was that the pod? Well, right, okay, cause yeah. I listened to that, yeah. Neil's a good friend of ours. Yeah, it's always, oh, it, was, it was a great episode, that, yeah. Very cool. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll be I'll be checking it out over the uh, next couple of weeks while I'm off and uh, catching back up. I love I love fresh new shows. Uh, <laughs> Thanks, guys. Just, I appreciate that. Yeah. yeah, I think it's good, and I, I like I like the old Hot Toys toys. They're stunning. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's just a yeah, just more expensive than yeah. That's a, places. It's yeah. a very different. Uh, different uh, part of collecting and and i'm i'm new to it and what we talk about is you know we're pretty new to it and and understanding it's just a different animal altogether uh so yeah guys check it out brilliant right so let's go on to your collecting now i will go back and find out why and whatnot over the course <laughs> of the evening but yes there's three areas you you sent me through um now first of all you're known as a rebel commando focus collector Mm-hmm. You've got all these figures. The first question you ask has got to be, why the Rebel Commando? You know, a lot of people kind of forget about the Rebel Commando. It's kind of, you know, one of those uh, faceless characters in in the movies. But for me, it was one of those figures that really uh, I got a ton of play value when I was a kid. Um, I had several of them and my Rebel Commando made it into playing with them in the fire. It was a firewood pile and I uh, forgot them there. And then I ended up... Uh, uh, my dad put him in the fire in the stove and I uh, ended up finding him later on in uh, the pile of ashes in the woods all melted and everything and I was really upset so we went and uh, ended up getting him found another rebel commando figure and uh, a Luke Jedi at my local Woolworths and you know having that's probably one of my m- most vivid memories as a kid and it just stuck and and he, i always i played with gi joe's or action force like you guys had and and uh he fit right in i loved it you know those two figures are really at the top of my list i just chose rebel commando because he's a little bit more affordable than going luke jedi wrote you know that's pretty much it i had done research uh, when i decided to go for rebel commando as a focus and realized that the prices were much more attainable than luke jedi that's a great little backstory for for a <laughs> I've just got Woolworths. Yeah. Uh, right. So either 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 have missed a big point here. <laughs> you either grew up over in the UK or there's Woolworths in America. Yeah. Yeah. There's Woolworths I in America. Never knew that. I thought it was a yeah. British. Wow. Well, well, yeah. Yeah. In uh, where I live, where I grew up in Exeter, New Hampshire, there was one right in downtown, and it was real. It was one of those stores where it just had a catch-all 
everything you could think of. And the one that we had also had a diner in it. And I remember as a kid going in there and all the people sitting at the diner, you hear, you smell the, the greasy food cooking, everybody's smoking. And uh, I'm going through the little toy aisle and I uh, get the few few figures in there. They had, you know, like I said, you know, all the toys from the 80s, but uh, very, you know, another memory that really sticks out. And, and obviously Woolworths isn't there anymore, but the downtown recently re redid all the sidewalks. And but there was a Woolworths uh, that had been a Woolworths sign, which had been embedded into the, the sidewalk. And they preserved that that section of the sidewalk as kind of a memory of years gone by. So it was pretty neat. Chris, focus on Rebel, Rebel Commando for a second then. Is Rex Rebel Commando? Did that mystery ever get sold? <laughs> oh, man. I, you know, there's a there's a bit of a debate going on uh, about that. You know, Nick Saint versus Rex. Uh, I'm kind I'm actually a huge Clone Wars and Rebels fan. And I I'm going to get some crap for this, but I tend to believe that, you know, it's Rex. It could be Rex. I mean, you can go both ways, but I, I like that connect, connectivity uh, between uh, Star Wars eras. So, yeah, I, I go pro Rex for uh, Rebel Commando. <laughs> <laughs> you, you told me you stopped collecting in 2006, which we'll get back to later. You're only mm-hmm. collecting. And you reappeared again in 2015 due to the excitement of The Force Awakens. So when was it you realized you wanted to collect Rebel Commando? Was this something you were already focusing on before you came back to collecting? No, it, it wasn't. Yeah, 2015, the hype for Force Awakens started building up and had no real intention of getting back into collecting. I just happened to go to Target. I had heard about Force Friday coming up. I had been listening to some podcasts, um, Star Wars podcasts at the time, and they were talking about it. And I was like, oh, I'll check it out go in the next morning and and from what i had understood from employees that the fans had just completely ransacked the place and and took everything and i was like really a surprise that collecting was as big as it you know had it been when i was collecting before but i picked up a few figures i'm like oh these look pretty cool and so i started uh hitting a few shops here and there starting to pick some figures up and and i'm like oh man this is fun this is getting me back into it and then i started looking on websites like craigslist looking for collections to, to pick up kind of pick up stuff that i had missed in between because i've i've always been a modern and a vintage collector so i picked up a number of collections and there was a lot of figures that i had never seen before started doing research on all those and i just kept on buying stuff and buying stuff and then i would sell stuff here and there to fund those purchases but then i i just had so much stuff i'm like all right i need to tail it back and so it it was kind of one of those things where buying all this stuff kind of led to me deciding that all right i need to focus on some things what are the things that i like the most not necessarily you know with star wars as a whole but like certain elements certain characters that really resonated with me and honestly one of the first figures that came to mind was that rebel commando I, i had picked up a couple in a collection and I was like, man, those memories really rushed back in. And I'm like, this is a great figure. I just really love the design of it. And so that's when I kind of started doing my research and, and seeing what was out there for Rebel Commando. And, and uh, I thought that it was going to be easy getting into that line of, you know, that character line. That, yeah, you wouldn't think too many 
too many cards would you but nope i thought oh this is going to be easy i'm going to be able to pick up a bunch of stuff you know complete complete the variations and nope i was sorely wrong and uh you know a couple years later i'm still there's still so many so many variations and and things to pick up but that's what makes um, it fun with 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 figure variations Mm -hmm. i'm i'm quite a has to be quite a, a big variation for me now sure. i know that you've got the molded face which i'll get you to explain mm-hmm. exactly what molded face means in a minute and the standard figure in this age facebook seems to have created people who just want to add on variations and now every mm-hmm. figure you can go on certain groups and you can pick up any figure and they'll tell you there's 25 variations from a, <laughs> a focus collector on rebel commando how many variations of the figure are there a lot less than <laughs> Uh, some people claim to be no it's it's there's not that many honestly and that's what i actually like about it that there's not that many variation um not like hoth rebel soldier where people just go nuts and and there's just so many different variations of a figure like that no really i mean it's it's the the painted face and the molded face the molded face what is different to the painted face just yeah so the thing with the molded face is that the plastic used for the head is skin tone so that way the the helmet and the eyes and everything are painted onto that as opposed to the painted face and that's something that has it's got the the i would call it like the grayish tone of the helmet is the plastic that's used for the head and then everything else the flesh tone is painted on and then the green and so yeah it's 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 mainly the plastic base of the 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 face yeah so uh, what others are there okay so there's yeah nothing major just co coo variations like hong kong um china no coo um those are just really the main variations. Some people go into like the eye colors and um, that sort of thing. But, you know, if I pick one up and it's a different color eye tone, I'm, I'm, I'm satisfied, but I'm not searching out that stuff. But, yeah, there's not too many, which is it's pretty nice. Yeah, that's good, because I've, I've seen people like that collect hammerheads like they look for eyes left, eyes right, eyes down, eyes up, eyes boss side, eyes wrong way around. You're just like, <laughs> <laughs> that's not that's not a variation, surely. But, right. but that's just me. I, uh, yeah, I think people collect differently. Now, before I move on to the cards with you, Chris. Mm hmm. I just want to talk about the card art because a lot of people give it a bit of stick saying it's a bit of a dull card. I think the figure looks really good against the, the colour strip it's against. I quite like the card art. Um, can, can you defend the card art? How many times <laughs> yeah, pass the card art? Yeah, I know, right? Uh, no, I, I, it definitely, it's clearly a Red Bull Commando on there. He's up against the Endor bunker. Uh, I'm just curious as to why they chose that image. I feel like they probably could have gotten one. There's other images of Rebel Commandos, maybe in a different position. But for me, I think it it's decent, but it kind of, sorry, it's a figure that, or a character that is not really that, not really that prominent in the movie and he's just he's doing his job he's he's defending the bunker and i mean that's what a rebel commandos that's that's what he's supposed to be doing i'm not i don't know what else what else they could have done honestly <laughs> I, I don't mind I, I don't i don't think of it as one of the the poorer cardbacks but um i do see some yeah people, there's oh, a couple yeah. of commandos like Hmm. There's a couple that are uh, a little bit questionable, but yeah. Now, Chris, um, I saw on Facebook somewhere, I think it was Kevin Lentz had posted it, where mm-hmm. he posted the bigger image so you could see where the card art had been snipped from. Yeah. I thought that was fantastic because I, you don't see that very often. Stu, if you haven't seen that, picture the card art, but then picture an image that's about, what, five, six times bigger? 
and wider yeah. and, and they've taken that little crop and, and I wonder if they've done it purposely because of army building where perhaps mm. if they had to choose another character perhaps one that was standing up then it may have been too much of a I don't know that's the rebel rebel commando leader or something like that right I that's that makes total sense that image is really great uh, to have seen that it shows you you know where the other commandos are set set up and and gives you the full scope of the bunker and that sort of thing but I think they probably chose that image because he's got the background that really makes the image of the character pop as opposed to you know somebody that's up against maybe uh, some trees or that sort of thing I haven't seen that I'll have to keep an eye out you don't know where he posted it Rich it won't be hard to find we'll put, we'll put it on the social media so let's let's go on to the cards because mm-hmm. we just said you didn't if you had said to me oh, I'm going to collect Rebel Commando I wouldn't think to myself production run it's going to be that difficult to um to put together so if I believe if I'm right debuted on 65 back yes 65A yeah so let, let's start with Kenner how many how many cards are you looking at to complete the run of them for the basic basic run, you're looking at let's see, 65A, 65B, 65C, 77A, and then 79B. So you've got five card backs, but then you can jump into uh, an area where you certain ones have different COOs like China and Hong Kong. And then my one area that I really I really love is finding ones with coin offers, the power of the force coin offers on them. And that's when you start getting crazy because you think, all right, probably the later ones, 77 and 79 backs would be more prevalent. But I've been able to find ones as far back at a 65A and a B and a C as well with coin offers. And it's just one of those neat areas where you can just start adding up all the different variations that you could think of. And, and that's not even I'll go for I go even deeper into the Kenner, uh, the Kenner card backs, different variations. It's uh, as my my fellow Rebel Commando collectors, uh, we call Call it the Rebel Commando Mafia. Stephen Ward and Justin Rowland. Uh, we we call uh, we call it that OCD uh, type collecting, where you you need all those different variations for for no other reason than just you know knowing that it's out there and uh, you need to have it. You're saying about other people collecting. It is it actually there is quite a few of you around, isn't there, that focus on Rebel Commando? Mm, well, uh, you start. So it's the, those two guys that I mentioned um, were really active uh, currently, and then. I mean, the godfather of Rebel Commando collecting, uh, Chris Bawkins. He's been a huge help uh, over the past. He's He's been a little bit lighter on his collecting lately, and he actually hooked, uh, hooked the three of us up. He uh, downsized his collection a little bit and uh, gave us first shot, and we, we snagged a bunch of stuff. He sold us a lot of his uh, Kenner variations and, and that sort of thing. But other than that, there's a few others um, that have a number of them. Steve Savory, he's got a bunch. Jonathan Robinson, he's got a bunch as well. And then you start talking about those uh, lucky individuals that have pre-production items. That's just a different level of collecting but there's a handful of guys that have good runs going f- as far as that goes. But yeah, there's yeah. A, there's a few of us, but not too many. Not as many as like say you know C3PO or Vader or that sort of thing. Well, yeah, I meant for a background kind of character. It's yeah, I, I, I see a few you know where yeah. I don't see many people popping up that are focusing on Romba. But um, <laughs> yeah, it's good. So with the cards, the Kenner ones, are they all pretty pretty accessible? 
Yeah, they're, they're all pretty accessible. I would say, I mean, like you guys, Jazz mentioned it on la- your last episode, that 65A China COO Molded Face Rebel Commando has got to be the hardest one by far for Kenner. There's only uh, Justin Rowland picked one up recently, and then I, I got mine not that long after. But there's been there's only a few other that we know to exist. So I think there's a lot of them sitting in collections, people don't, that just don't know what they are. They don't really notice. But um, again, we think just speculation that that 65A with the molded face Kenner is probably the first one that was released just because of the, the numbers, the lack of numbers. But it's still up for debate. We're still trying to gather information on that. But every other one, you know, depending on condition, you're talking anywhere from 40 to 100, 100 bucks for non-graded stuff. So what about um so I, I know nothing about this i know there's a, a padatoy that's a and there's a trilogo yeah um, what about foreign cards because there's no power of the force is there you would have said it in the kenner run that wasn't produced was it nope nope there was a a uh, proof card uh, that was produced for that character but other than that he wasn't available on the the power of the force uh, yeah you go down the line like you said palatoy there's several variations there. And Trilogo, again, multiple variations. You've got a Meccano Trilogo as well that has a smaller bubble. I was able to get one of those kind of under the radar. Got, a, got it for a really good price a few years ago. Uh, let's see. We've got PBP. We've got Meccano. Uh, we've got multiple uh, variations of Clippers, uh, Toll Toys, Secuda. Luckily, no Lily Letty. Thank, thank God there isn't one of those. Um, let's see. Other than that, you know, that's if I miss one, I apologize. But yeah, that's pretty much where it is. But yeah, there's and then you get it. You can get into variations of those. It's a PB. Yeah. A big uh, old list. Is there a Kenner Canada? Yes. Yes. Sorry. Yeah. There's a Kenner Canada also, which is a great, great card back. I um, listened to Chris Porteous's interview with you guys last episode. And, um, you know, the, he was talking about the Kenner Canada being so much more limited than the Kenner uh, U.S. releases. And, and it's you can see it. It's just really hard to find a Kenner Canada. I lucked out and uh, got one. It was from a seller in Germany and he wouldn't ship to the u.s so i had to find somebody in germany that was willing to send it to me uh just because i didn't want to miss out on it and the price differences are crazy when you start getting into the the foreign variations Uh, it jumps up substantially yeah and there's there's a lot more there than what i was expecting you to to tell me so um (laughs) yeah it's a a lot more work than uh, i would have expected if you'd say yeah yeah, yeah there's, a while. there's quite a few that uh, I haven't been able to add to my collection just because of that that price point jumping significantly, like, say, with a PVP. And, and I just noticed that there's a variation on the PVP with the, the offer burst being a different color uh, font. So that would be uh, the OCD collector. Me would really want both variations. And then Meccano. There's been a number of them for sale recently, but again, even when they're not even the greatest condition, they're still five, six, seven hundred dollars for something with maybe a partially separated bubble or litho tears. And I just I can't pull the trigger on something that has you know that much that much damage for that much money. Chris, can I just go back to the molded versus painted face? Because yeah, as a somebody who doesn't really understand that side of the hobby to me mm-hmm. a molded face would have been far cheaper to produce because there would be less paint applications and therefore less time spent on them so why are there not far more molded faced figures than there are painted ones 
You know, it's a tough call. Uh, we're trying to figure, you know, me and my buddies are trying to figure that out too. I think either it was at a certain, certain factory in China that was making them and, and somebody made the call that, Hey, we're just, we're going to switch it for some reason. It seems as though it's a lot of the early, early cards that have that figure because it's been seen on. I've got another Palatoy with a double stem bubble that's got a molded face commando on it. It's an early, the earlier uh, card back. We've seen them on Toll Toys, um, Meccano, Trilogo. So, I mean, it's it kind of it hits a lot of different card backs. But for some reason, I just we don't know for sure why why there's so the percentage is a lot less with the the molded face. And, you know, it's, it's kind of a mystery. Stephen Ward, he's got he's been able to get some access with some of the Kenner employees and, and that sort of thing. And, and I know he's been digging through paperwork and you know looking at the factory releases and, and that sort of thing. But again, it's kind of a mystery that it's it's surprising that, you know, we still have questions that need to be answered with these figures that have been around for 35, 40 years. And as much as I like the Rebel Commando as a figure, I've got to say that the weapon really lets it down. It just it's it is unique, but it, it's mm-hmm. colours, it's its whole style. It 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 seems as though they've skimped and saved money on producing the weapon for that figure, and it's such a shame that they didn't give it something in my view, something that really you know was worthy of it. Right, I know. I think don't call me on this, but I think that the weapon was supposed to be a, either a different color or a little bit different along the lines, and they just made a production decision on you know going with that color it's really a strange color honestly for compared to the the other weapons that have were in the star wars line yes it's unique and uh, there are multiple variations of that weapon that's not an area that i really get into but um yeah it, it leaves a little bit desire there but i i totally understand i was um found him very very gi joey compared to mm-hmm. the rest of the star wars range i could um pick him up and go and play with a few gi joes that i had and he would fit in quite well but Maybe his, yeah. his weapon reminds me a bit like that as well at times. Yeah, it does have that uh, G.I. Joe kind of um, feel to it. Now, so we've, we've gone through some cards there, mm-hmm. um, if you're putting together this production run, but I think the baggies and the uh, the multi-packs, he, he, mm-hmm. I know he appeared in a three-pack and an eight-pack, if I remember rightly. Yep. Yeah, he he was included in a three-pack with Maydeen and Nine-Num. There was that pack, Return of the Jedi. It had that basic uh, Return of the Jedi logo on the front with, uh, like, Squid Face was really prominent on it. And then, uh, yeah, I just had it the name printed on the back. And then, yeah, then the um, the eight-pack as well. Two two items that I have not yet included in my collection. Because um, ones that are in really nice shape just go for silly money, honestly. The first one, that three-pack is a little bit more attainable just because of the figures included. Maydeans and, and Nine Numb Mailers are, or uh, Baggies are still readily attainable. But yeah, the A-Pack, that's a really nice one. Another uh, multi-pack, so to speak, were the, uh, the KB Toys two packs, the random two packs. And uh, there have been many, or I'd say a few variations uh, that are known to exist with Rebel Commando in them. But again, I have literally never seen one for sale in the since I've been collecting, uh, focus collecting anyway. And I would just, that market for those two packs is pretty, um, it's pretty hard to, to get in there. If it's a, a combination that is highly desirable, forget about it. You can't even, you're going to be in a bidding war. 
but I know there's a collector that just posted his collection recently. It might have been on the Return of the Jedi group. I can't remember, but man, I don't yeah. even know how many two-pack variations he had. Around, but... around the entire walls, wasn't it? The whole room. Oh was my god, it was really amazing. impressive. I, uh, I made a note of all of that because I'd love to get him on to have a. <laughs> Yeah, that would be that would be great. I know. I think I counted. I really like focused in on in the uh, pictures, but I think there was like maybe five very different variations with Rebel Commando in there. And uh, yeah, I was pretty psyched to see that. I'm kind of it's one of those things that I would love to have. But just knowing that they're out there is almost um, just as satisfying for me because it's uh, it's just confirmation that that they do exist. Yeah, you've always got something to look look for with that, haven't you? You've already alluded to it that about pre-production items and mm-hmm. that, that's a different market uh, I, I checked the the archive yeah there's quite a lot of rebel commando pre-production items out there isn't there there's like you yeah yeah um, range yeah sorry there's quite the range um lots of different items i know you'll probably mention later that it might be your holy grail the acetate sculpt but <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's a stunning piece on its own and yeah um, yeah there's a you know a very well-known collector in the community uh, has that and he's had it for a long time and it's just an amazing piece and and um it was a it's a it's a uh you know it would be a holy grail for anybody but i don't think it's i don't think it's leaving that collection anytime soon and you're talking i mean you look at some of the prices these days you know from auctions like hakes and that sort of thing you put an acetate sculpt on there and uh sky's the limit honestly who knows i'm not going to predict a, a potential price but i could imagine it fetching a, a pretty big sum but yeah there's all kinds of stuff like different carded samples there's proto molded stuff there's um all sorts of different cool stuff there's photo art there's slides there's transparencies uh, you name it it's out there proofs just there's there's lots of rebel commando pre-production items um you know relatively speaking yeah do you ha- do you go into any of that kind of stuff or is it out of reach at the moment uh, it's it's a little bit out of reach for me i the only thing i have is a um let's see it's a four by seven transparency for the art of the endor forest ranger um it's kind of like an entry-level piece you know that's probably going to be it for a while <laughs> but the the thing with the, the pre-production items a lot of the time they're not for sale and if you want it you get a trade and i just don't have the the trade bait to to match any of that stuff honestly yeah so there's quite a bit of that so you've just Mm -hmm. um you just bought up the forest endor ranger yeah where when i looked at you focus collectors of the rebel commando uh, it appears that most of you also collect the forest endor ranger so not only (laughs) you've got to compete them for that one you've also got to compete them for this one yeah Um, i understand why why you go for it it's got three four rebel commandos on the front of the Mm -hmm. box art pretty natural colorings it looks like that kind of thing what is it sell it to me because out of all the mini rigs uh, i always found it quite a strange idea for a vehicle so sales patter sell us the uh, (laughs) the forest endor ranger uh well uh the endor forest ranger it it's definitely a unique vehicle obviously it doesn't appear in the film it's kind of one of those uh expanded universe vehicles um uh, the figure fits in it, is <laughs> concealed in there. It's got some crazy spinning mechanism uh, that it's, uh, you know, unique in that aspect. It's got that that kind of camouflage green color, fits in with the uh, Ewok Village uh, kind of playset area. And it's just got some unique tooling. The, uh, the sculpting on it is really neat. And uh, it's got really good. I mean, I think it's really uh, cool box art. You know, you you look at the different uh, different variations of the box art. Um, Tri logo is probably uh, just the shape of the box and everything really gives it that extra uh, extra appeal. But yeah, I mean, 
as far as a sales pitch, I don't know, man. It's a really different vehicle. Maybe just that alone would make it a, a fine purchase. I do like it as a mini rig, but I can't <laughs> explain why. But I do know that there was a, a Toy Fair photo um, from mm-hmm. 1984 where it seems to me that the guys who set it up didn't even know what it was supposed to be. Because <laughs> I think it, is it lying on its side and pointing backwards? It is, yeah. <laughs> it's just, yeah. Uh, it's, it's, oh, well. it's an interesting toy I, I do like it it's just it doesn't function for me as well but the, of the boxes I like the Canadian one more than the others mm-hmm. um, and they the move the text on the Canadian one right over to the side so it's off the flap yeah yeah which um, I, I don't know if that was just a Canadian thing but I'd, I'd never seen that before yeah, it's it's definitely unique to that box. I'm not really, you know, I'm not sure why they they might have done that just just for appeal um, sakes. But yeah, it's it's great having the the XD um, multi language on there. I I grabbed one on eBay and they they just listed it as a normal Endor Forest Ranger. It was a sealed sealed box, and I think I got it for like buy it now forty five dollars uh, last year. So um, I was very happy with that. And I picked up another one that's open but complete for not that much more than that. I don't know if it's you know there's not too many people competing for them, but honestly I don't I don't have a sealed Kenner one yet just because there's so many of them out there. But it seems like those when they go to auction on eBay they you know there's quite a few bidders going for them and and uh, yeah another thing about the Endor Forest Ranger that is that no pre-production items as far as like the what was used to sculpt the the ranger um have surfaced they're they're pictured in in sand suites from concept to screen to collectible book and that's what has gotten me curious on you know where they might be if they're still with the original sculptor or if uh you know they were lost to time but you know just kind of one of those neat things that that may still be out there to find what about power of the force is there any evidence of i mean i, was, I think there's an image or two somewhere but is there any evidence of power of the force uh, production no, uh, I mean, other than the proof card for the, the figure, I don't know. I haven't seen any Power of the Force um, boxed, you know, and or Force Ranger stuff. I mean, there might be. I might have missed it along the way. But, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if there was concept art or whatever with one mocked up. But I don't know for sure if there is. Quite interesting, um, you're saying that the images are in the Sansweet book. Um, has anyone contacted him and asked him? how he got the images or whether he photographed himself or whether they were images given to him yeah i don't have it in front of me but the um the i think the boudreau mark boudreau i think he might have been involved with it and then another uh another kenner employee might have been involved with it i know because uh boudreau is still with hasbro and stuff i know a lot of his pieces have been retained within his collection so it's possible that, that he has it i have no idea for sure the other um sculptor i i'm pretty sure has been contacted but has not there's been no responses so but yeah it's it's just interesting that again all these years later there's still stuff out there to be found yeah yeah i do find it interesting the i'll I tell you what i did find quite interesting looking at was the old paintings on the um on the archive isn't it i've never really sat and read through those kind of things and looked at the images but i did i did with this uh yeah it did make me sit mm-hmm. down and enjoy something different uh, we talked about the box variations then on there so rich yeah. brought up the kenner canada we know there's a kenner um i know there's a tri logo what where else are we looking on these uh that's pretty much it um the only other ones that i know of they're not really box variations but they're ones with like italian import stickers or you know just things with different uh import port stickers on them again i apologize if i'm missing one but i don't think there's any other Endor forest ranger uh actual box variations i love the way it's got akbar in the in the seat i just mm. think yeah uh, <laughs> Ak- 
I mean, I, I can understand why, because the colours, you know, it stands out so well against the greens, and I don't think the Rebel Commando would have fit too well on the box art with that. Yeah, it kind of all blends in together. Yeah, so it's quite interesting. What about things like, um, I didn't realise these things were ever mailed away, uh, mini rigs, but mm-hmm. was there anything, any offers where you can send away for the Forest Ender Ranger, or has there been any known mail-aways? Mm, not that I know of. It would be new information. To be honest with you, I, I didn't realise they existed at all. It was only because I've come across a couple of the other mini rigs. And I was like, oh. Yeah, I don't think... Um, yeah, there was a few there that I think were possibly the ones that were also released for Empire Strikes Back that were had offers, but not not Endor Force Ranger. It's kind of... It was towards the end of the, the run for Return of the Jedi. But yeah, it's it's one of those ones. There's there's tons of them out there, and... Uh, it's a pretty pretty easy vehicle to uh, to get. Um, so m- moving it on a little bit, the, the third thing that you you said that your main focus is is you're trying to put together uh, Return of the Jedi run uh, with the Sakuda cards. Uh, we mentioned in the intro that you run the, the Vintage Star Wars group on Facebook, which I've, which I've joined today. I didn't realise that was out there because <laughs> I've picked up a couple this year, actually, and um, I quite fancy going down that route. So a couple of questions to break into this. First of all, how many figures are available on the Return of the Jedi Sakudas, and uh, what figures are we looking at? Are they so, all Jedi figures? Yeah, so there's... There's 21 that uh, were released. They decided to distribute. Yeah, they're all. Let's see. It's the first. I believe it's the first 17 uh, Return of the Jedi figures. But then also pop up. I mean, um, sensor scope, R2, removable limbs, uh, C3PO, Yoda, and Vader. Um, the other ones you're you're looking at it from Luke Jedi to Akbar, Gamgard, uh, Biker Scout, uh, Lando Skiff, uh, and a number of the Jabba Jabba goons. And then you've got two uh, Ewoks walks in chief chirpa and low gray so yeah there's 21 in total so my my big thing with these is okay i, I only have two at the moment mm-hmm. but from the front they just look like a, uh, a standard return to jedi card but then they've got this beautiful sticker on the bottom on the back how so i'm asking for advice now yeah. how can i display them where i can see the back but enjoy the front that's a good question because <laughs> it's it's tough yeah a lot of people just kind of forget forget about them being a variation because of that you know that they just look like a kenner card from the front but so my plan is right now all my stuff's not on display i i'm planning on having everything displayed and then having one either card back or um you know, uh turned around honestly that's that's uh, i can't think of a, another way to do it unless you had a display that spun around it's not exactly the most um obvious variation that's for sure i thought about mirroring the back of my unit mm. but um yep. but then you've got to leave space so you can see between the car just yeah, buy yeah. two of them just buy two of them just do them side by side stop being yeah, so tight a second i thought oh shall i do the run and <laughs> And today, when I found out there was only 21, I thought, actually, that's that's quite a maintainable... I'm sure there's a couple that are harder. Are there? <laughs> what, what's the hard, hard ones to get? Well, the, the hardest one is Vader, which is one that I still need. And then the second hardest one is going to be Luke Jedi. So those those are the two hardest ones. And then the next level, you're getting into, like, Leia Bush, um, Yoda. And then from there, it's really... Uh, most of them are pretty easily attainable, but... Lando Skiff seems to be tough. Uh, Biker Scout, Gam Guard has been really tough for me. So I, I need Gamorrean Guard and Vader to complete my run. Uh, but I wouldn't... Technically, I need three because I dropped my Biker Scout and he busted through the bubble. But um, I tucked him back up in there and it's okay for display purposes. I just don't feel like spending that much money on another Biker Scout. Oh, no. why, did you, um, why did you decide to go down? What was it about that card that you thought you'd run with over? Yeah, so it had 
has a it's a very sentimental um, reason why. Um, back when I was in high school in the late 90s, there was a shop that was near me and they were toy seller. They had all kinds of stuff, always got different things. And it was a great shop. And I think I was like maybe a junior or sophomore in high school and I went in there and he had these four Return of the Jedi carded figures up on the wall. I thought they were really neat. They had they were unpunched. They were in uh, near mint condition, you know, almost an uncirculated uh, condition. So I asked him about them and he's he's like, yeah, those are Japanese import figures. And so he let me check it out. I saw that it had the neat sticker on the lower th- uh, third of the, the card back. And, uh, you know, I just thought they were really cool. And, and he had them all for 20, 20 bucks, but I didn't have any money at the time. And my dad was with me. So I'd saved up for, for, uh, about a month or so. And I was, I had enough to get, I think two of them and they were all gone when I got there. And I was so, I was so upset, but, uh, come to find out on my birthday, it's either my birthday or Christmas. I'm still can't remember. My dad had bought all of them for me. And I still, I have pictures from high school of my bedroom with them up on the wall uh, in a comic book card, you know, like a sleeve with uh, the cardboard tacked up on my wall. And I, I always held on to them. And, and over the years, I kind of got rid of, I had a lot of carded stuff and got rid of all that stuff when the economy hit a downturn in the, in the mid 2000s. And, but I still kept these figures. And so, yeah, when I started getting back into collecting, I was digging out my stuff. And, you know, again, it's that, that nostalgia, that, that sentiment, sentimental side of collecting that, you know, a lot of us feel it's like, you know, um, I'm going to go for that run because my dad, um, he passed away not that long after I graduated high school. So these have like that extra added side to them. And, and I was like, I'm determined to complete that run. And so it was basically the same time that I got into the Rebel Commando. I started doing research and, and figuring out how many of these there were and seeing how attainable they were. And, and I just started networking on Facebook, really. And, and a couple of collectors really gave me a lot of information that inspired me to, to keep things going um, with this run. And, and so, yeah, that's when I kind of, I was like, I'm just going to start a group because there was nothing dedicated I know, like, we need another Facebook group for collecting, but it was kind of my own personal thing, and I made it public so that people could join. And um, so, yeah, so I just started knocking them off, and it's been quite a while since I got my last figure. I got low gray, I think, maybe six months ago, and I uh, haven't been able to find uh, a Gomorian Guard in good enough shape. I go for my, so I go for unpunched but ungraded, and to try to find ungraded Vader is going to be really tough for me. So I might have to, um, you know, buck the trend with that one but yeah that's pretty much i know long story but uh that's pretty much why i, I go for the uh the scooter run it, it's a, a decent backstory isn't it you you've actually got a, a real reason of this is why i want them i love it and I, i've again hadn't come across the group i get added i'm sure rich does as well you get added to so many groups yeah on facebook since you start the podcast on because i'll have a look at this and they add you to a group and you're like right so and sometimes you get a little bit lost at 10 of notifications mm-hmm. but I've, I've never had a little look through it today um and something which has jumped out at me when i was scrolling through is someone had put um a post up looking for more information but the shrink wrapped with the coins mm, um yeah <laughs> uh, I, you know there's there's a greedo one sitting in there um i've not seen these come up for sale ever since i've been back collecting um what what exactly are they can you tell the listeners what they are and the rarity and what yeah. is yeah um they're basically scooters version of power of the force um you know it's they they shrink wrapped it with it's kind of crazy the back of the card back is there's an, like an extra piece of white cardboard in there and then they shrink wrap it and i think they stick the coin to the card back and then it gets shrink wrapped 
like the entire thing is shrink wrapped um, to kind of keep it contained. And they are ridiculously rare. Um, I know in the last year, there was a Leia that came up for auction on eBay. And I think it went north of $2,500. And yeah, that's pretty much that's like going rate for any of them. And, and don't know exactly how many were released uh, with the shrink wrap, but it could there's been other figures, like you said, the Greedo, you know, that wasn't a figure that was a Secuda released um, well, exactly. I was about to go ask you that. So I did find a, a thread on Rebel Scum and yeah. Bren Tantor. I'm not not sure that is. That's his username. Yeah. But uh, he states nine nine releases, but a few of them weren't released. He's got he's got Fet down. He's got Greedo, mm-hmm. B Wing pilot, and a Tie pilot, um, and the original Lando as well. Yeah. Uh, then he's he's stated Leia Bush, Leia Poncho, but a second Leia Poncho with uh, an original Princess Leia coin and Lando Skiff with a Lando General coin. So this thread does date back four years now. So yeah. whether that's been updated or whether there's more information. But um, yeah, yeah, I find it not- quite interesting that there's figures in there that aren't that weren't released generally. You thought it would have been the, the general run. Right, and it's tough to say because they have that white card card back uh, or the back of the card is covered in that white cardboard you we don't know if they actually have a sakuda sticker on them or not and you know they're so valuable that nobody's gonna be sacrilegious to to open that thing up just to find out but um yeah it's tough a lot of them sit in black hole collections that i know of and so it's it's kind of um it's tough to say what other ones are available i know there's if you look at that thread there's a few collectors that chime in that are very well-known collectors in the vintage collecting community that do have some so it's like kind of those pieces that if you didn't get them 10 15 years ago you there's probably no chance of being able to afford one these days yeah is there is there any known examples of um of a full set at all i don't um i don't think so unless there's some japanese collectors uh, that have got them tucked away uh which is totally possible i just don't i don't know of any and and even when you ask about them there's just very few individuals that have the knowledge on them that uh you know and it's usually stuff from that's already been posted on rebel scum and that sort of thing the first-hand knowledge is is tough to uh to find yeah yeah i just found them fascinating i haven't never seen them before but um yeah so anything else on sakuda that uh i mean really the, you know they just took over from i say i say poppy but it may be poppy um they had the they got the license from from them uh going from empire to return of the jedi and and they have a few other things that they released model kits um there's a handheld lcd game that's kind of neat um and then they also there's a toy fair catalog which is another thing that i've yet to attain just because they go from usually 300 to 400 dollars just for a catalog and uh again that's another pill hard pill to swallow um but uh, yeah, other than that, there's not not too much from uh, from Scuda. It's kind of a pretty contained line, which is nice, um, as opposed to some other you know other uh, foreign foreign releases. Yeah, at least you can uh, see exactly what you need to do and tick it off. Quite nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, brilliant. So they're your three main areas of collecting. Do mm-hmm. you dabble? I know you said about modern, but do you dabble anywhere else in in vintage lines or general uh, figures? Yeah. So just uh, you know, working on completing a, 
a loose run for the second time. I sold off all my stuff, uh, all my loose figures a number of year, years ago, right after Disney bought Lucasfilm. Decided needed some money for the house, so uh, sold off all my figures and have been slowly putting together a loose run. I've only got a few of the last 17 left, but again, with prices nowadays, I'd much rather buy a you know foreign variation uh, mock of Rebel Commando than buy like a Yak Face or something like that. It's just uh, I'll get there someday. But other than that, I like I like loose vehicles, play sets, um, and just picking stuff up here and there. Stuff I buy a lot of like yeah. yeah, yeah. I buy a lot of collections and just kind of pick through it and then sell the stuff that I'm not quite into, and it's just part of the fun. Now Nick wanted to give me a little bit of backstory because you did say to me that you've been collecting, buying, and selling since you were little. Mm-hmm. Um, so a bit, bit of a I was about to say Dale Boy, but you won't know what that means. A bit of a trader <laughs> at a very young age. Yeah, absolutely. I was so my dad. Dad was an antique dealer, and we would, from as early as I could remember, we would um, go yard selling, kind of like your boot sales, but we just travel all over. My dad would get all the listings in the newspaper of all the yard sales, and he would map everything out, and we'd go hitting all these yard sales all over uh, the, the, the towns near me and just start picking up stuff and we go to flea markets and while he was buying antiques i was getting star wars stuff and he was always looking for a deal and and that sort of thing and what we would do is we would try to find stuff that we didn't have or you know try to find stuff that was in better shape than what we had we were always trading up and he would sell stuff in his antique booths and his various shops that he had and you know it would kind of fund the collection and yeah it was just kind of the com- that combination between uh, my dad doing that and then my brother, who is quite a bit older than me. He just he loved Star Wars and, and just totally infused that into me. And you know, it was just it was fun. And I don't know, it was just it was just in my blood. I did it all the way through high school. All my friends are like, what are you doing? You know, you're you're buying all this Star Wars stuff. And I said, hey, it's it's paying for for nicer things and putting a little gas in my car and, and that sort of thing. It was just one of those things that I did. But, it, you know, I kind of look at it regretfully in one aspect is that I never really thought that buying carded stuff or sealed stuff was a thing. I, I saw some of it at shows and that that I did, but I, I was always leaning towards the loose uh, the loose items. So I kind of wish that I had grabbed a lot of that stuff back in the late 80s, early 90s, mid 90s, where the prices were a bit more, more affordable than they are today. And yeah, so I just kept doing that. And it, I just, I love doing that, that sort of thing, buying and selling and, and trading up. And it, it helps you get more things, you know, instead of just sucking all the money out of your bank account, your hard-earned money, you you kind of use the collecting to your advantage for doing it for so long why why stop in 2006 so that was the year i bought my house my first house well right. i'm still in it now but myself. um yeah so it was like everything had to go uh by the wayside uh collecting wise any extra money was uh going right to the, towards that mortgage i'm sure you guys know all about that and uh it was kind of at a time where i just didn't have the passion for it revenge of the sith had it was over a year you know had been out for over a year and then um there was nothing really in the pipeline that i knew about and i just kind of i just kind of lost that that um desire to keep up with things and um there was other things in between that kind of kept me going I'm, I'm a big car guy and i'm into tattoos and stuff like that and so i had other areas of um you know collecting so to speak but yeah like i talked about before uh 2015 really uh reinvigorated my collecting and love of star wars and and show me what star wars really meant to me and and uh it's it's been that way uh for the last three years 
Brilliant. Uh, Chris, I'm going to start to wrap up, but you just said sure. um, you're into tattoos as well. <laughs> now, I know that Chris Botkins has a Rebel Commando tattoo. Are you going to get one of him popping out of a Forest Endor Ranger just to tip his? <laughs> oh, I wish. I wish. But, uh, you know, when you uh, you got to make some deals sometimes. And uh, the deal with, with my wife was that um, there will be no Star Wars tattoos. I've got tons and tons of Star Wars stuff, but uh, no tattoos. Huh? But don't tell her. I might sneak one in there uh, at some point. <laughs> Chris, seeing that you're a modern collector as well. Uh, yes. What is the definitive sculpt for the Rebel Commando which release? Uh, well, I mean, obviously, purist, I'm going to say the vintage one, but the new ones, the vintage collection figures that came out a few years ago are pretty awesome. Um, one of my buddies just got one of the painted hard copies for that. Uh, but yeah, there's there's some different variations. I've got a uh, hard copy, unpainted hard copy um, of one of the Power of the Force 2 Endor uh, Endor Rebel soldiers. That's what they're called in the Power of the Force line, Power of the Force Two line, anyway. And I've got a a um, first shot, unpainted first shot as well. So, I mean, they did they did a good job when they came when they came out with the uh, the newer figures. But yeah, gotta say um, the original is the most iconic to me. You have a, a modern focus as well, don't you? Yes, I do. Uh, Ahsoka. Yeah, yeah. Um, why Ahsoka? I got it. She's seriously one of my favorite characters um, in Star Wars. I just, I love that character. I didn't really, you know, when that movie came out in 2008, I, I watched it and she didn't really click at that time. And I never got into the TV show. But um, yeah, when I, I bought a big collection, like I said, back in 2015, and there was a, a few Ahsoka figures in there. And I'm like, who is this figure? So again, started digging in, started doing my research. And I realized that she was basically, you know, one of the main characters of the Clone Wars series. And, and at the time, Netflix had it on there. And I just binged. I, I just, I got to be honest, I fell in love with the character. Uh, there's not too many characters in the store in the Star Wars uh, that you see that full growth from you know, teenager to full adult going all the way through Rebels and, and now who knows beyond. Um, Ashley Eckstein did an amazing job voicing that character and you, you just get to see that growth and the development of the character. You know, she stood her ground. She she did what she felt is right, even though it wasn't maybe the, you know, what, what the Jedi thought she should do. I just, I just love that about her. And, you know, you can see it in fandom. Uh, she's really uh, a favorite character of so many people, so many fans. Um, it's just I'm really curious to see what's going to happen with that character going forward and, and it's because of that love of the character I decided to focus on modern I know we're vintage you're a vintage podcast but definitely want to get this out there is that some of her figures are just amazingly sculpted um, her her figure from season 3 I think it came out in like 2010 or 2011 in the Clone Wars line is just an absolutely amazing figure and um, they just knocked that, that figure out of the park and I was lucky enough to get a painted hard copy of that figure and i've got a proof card of that figure and then a number of other painted hard copies and proofs and stuff of her other releases and i'm glad i picked them up when i did because she's just she's a really tough character to collect for a modern she holds her price doesn't she i've, I've uh, noticed it across the lines that uh, yes she's uh, absolutely very popular and very tr- yeah. difficult to track down at a reasonable price right yeah. and unfortunately i have some really well-known collectors in the community that uh have um 
have focuses have a focus for her so uh yeah there's not too many pieces that get added to that collection but i'm happy that i picked up what i did and you know it's i'll just go into this it's like there's only so much available at certain times so you kind of try to find other areas of collecting that are fulfilling and you know you can add to your your love of star wars and your um your collection and and so that that was what i did as you know i wanted a modern focus and and uh you know ahsoka was number one for me and i'm hope i'm hope i can find some stuff and you know going forward but again it's not something that i'm if i miss out on something i'm not dying because i missed out on it. it's usually due to price <laughs> price points that this where we're at now yeah yeah fair point i am i think <laughs> we all dabble on here apart from jez all four of us dabble in modern so sure we, we all enjoy it Final question, Chris, which I, yep. Chris, 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 which I ask everyone. <laughs> the Earth's dying. We're moving to a, a new planet and limited space. There's no monetary value out there, so mm-hmm. you don't need it to buy a house or anything. Uh, there's only room on the shuttle for one piece of your collection. What are you going to take and why? Uh, surprise, surprise. Um, it's going to be uh, that second Rebel Commando figure that I had from childhood, which thankfully is one of the few figures that I kept um, when I was selling off all my stuff. I'm keeping that just just for uh, nostalgic purposes. Um, if I could squeeze one other one in, I'd probably take a Luke Jedi uh, from Return of the Jedi. But it's got to be that uh, Rebel Commando. Uh, Chris, thank you so much. Uh, let's just give a couple of shout outs then. So uh, your podcast network. Yeah, BrickCityBlockade.com. If you're looking for something positive in the Star Wars community, check it out. Also, uh, newly on iTunes is my other Hot Toys podcast, Star Wars and Marvel. It's uh, Sixth Scale Scavengers. And then you can find me on social media, Star Wars Forum UK at Vintage Viewport. That's right. And your Facebook group for Sakuda, in case anyone wants to get involved in that line. Yeah, Sakuda Collectors Group. Um, it is a buy-sell trade group. Um, not much of that going on. Lots of information being shared. But I would, I welcome anybody. There's a couple questions I'd like you to answer when you go to join. But um, yeah, just as much information as we can share with the line uh, is appreciated. And uh, it's a good good little community there. And also, you were on episode 88 of the KaifeCast. KaifeCast, great, great show. Um, one that I, I do listen to each month. <laughs> uh, episode 88 was Commando Love. You were on there with Stephen Ward and Chris Botkins. Uh, roundtable whole shows about rebel commando so if people are looking for the rebel commando go and check that out a uh, great great episode actually it's, it's really weird actually because obviously i know you had you coming on mm-hmm. and um i'm subscribed to the kive cast and i don't know whether they'd accidentally deleted that episode or not whatnot but you know it's funny downloaded on saturday yesterday and i was like yeah. how all coincidence <laughs> I, was I don't like, know it's so funny yeah really strange but um but yeah, yeah that was a great check great episode out. it is a good episode um chris thank you so so much for for joining us we really do appreciate it um, been fascinating yeah. to, to listen to your collecting and what you collect and uh, yeah really really appreciate it yeah thanks so much guys for inviting me on it's been a pleasure it's uh i, w- I would say it's it's kind of uh it was it was a uh, a bullet point or a, a uh, something that i wanted to you know be a part of at some point so i'm really happy that you guys reached out to me and i always like the shout outs and stuff that you guys do as far as latest acquisitions and that sort of thing and celebration i know you you said to me it'd be your first one you're going to so yeah um, yeah i was uh yep i was waiting there as soon as tickets were available got the five-day pass um got a house lined up not that far away um i jumped in and uh as a sponsor for the archive party and i'm hoping to get to room sales and meeting all you guys and we can all have a beer and chat and i really like to you know hang out and meet everybody in person 
I'm yeah. really, really looking forward to it. Yeah, it's what it's all about, isn't it? Is a mm-hmm. is that community aspect. Yeah. Um just be careful because if Rich sees something that you're desperate for with a uh, Rebel Commando, he will buy it. He did it to uh, to Jez at um the last one, but not surprised there, Rich. Not surprised. Right, well, Chris, thank you so much. Okay, right, let's go over to this month's newest acquisitions with our favourite little peanut. It is Jez. Hello, what happened here? Ah, good. New acquisitions. Wow, I think everyone is still recovering from last month's two-hour epic. So this one's going to be short and punchy because uh, I'm off to do short and punchy stuff. Right, let's start with Star Wars Forum UK, page 2252, because, uh, well, Stu, we're going to go straight over to you, mate. You you chose this. Old Clark's Pie and Chips is the username, and he's got a micro-collection Death Star world. You want to talk about this, mate? Over to you, for we we quite often we all find like the most obscure and sometimes like, like the general toys which come up we don't always cover you know we haven't talked about the micro collection for quite a while any of us collectors here any of us own a few micro collection no however so yeah. having looked at this picture I, I i do like it yeah i've got a couple of pieces and rich absolutely nothing yeah see I, I, all i've got at the moment is an x-wing but i've owned like the womba cave um, I've had the TIE Fighter in hand, had the Ion Cannon. Just to open this, 1982, it was really short-lived, cancelled after one year. But in that year, they released a mail-away set, the Bespin Torture Chamber, Hoff Back to Tank, Bespin Control Room, Bespin Gantry, Snow Speeder, Wampa Cave, TIE Fighter, X-Wing Fighter, Freeze Chamber, Turret Defense, Death Star Trash Compactor, Death Star Escape, Hoff Generator Attack, Hoff Ion Cannon, Millennium Falcon. That many sets in one year is incredible but it has such a poor response at retail, just gone. You know, all those play sets based on kind of key sequences from the movies. So for micro figures and play sets, this lasted a year. But then in 1994, obviously, we had micro machines come out by Globe, and obviously that line has been a massive success and is still churning them out today. I just thought we'd just give the micro collection a little shout-out. So Clark's Pie, Peas and Chips off the forum, Scott, uh, has picked himself up the Death Star World. Now, done a little bit of research on this basically the death star world was the two death star play sets in one it contained both the death star compactor and the death star escape which could connect in many different ways to create various looking environments let's get out of here han solo careful of skywalker introducing death star world two play sets in one new from star wars micro collection line 14 die cast figures and action poses included the death star escape has an elevator and a cannon that explodes wow it connects the death star compactor it's you and me ben kenobi What's this? Oh, no! The wall! Run for it! Made it! Death Star World from Star Wars Micro Collection line. Playsets also sold separately. Figures included. New from Keller. According to the SWCA, this is actually one of the rarer micro collection items. And Scott actually states that this is the first one he has seen for sale in the UK in three years. So it is quite rare. I, I don't think of any of those pieces rare apart from like the Falcon. But 
obviously quite um quite rare and in 1983 there were plans to add a throne room to the death star sets which was sadly cancelled which clicked on to these two sets as well to create an even better one now i found some images of that on the swca which we will share this came with 14 figures luke stormy hand stormy a vader dueling and an obi-wan dueling so you can set up that scene uh, lay a fire in a rifle a few different stormtroopers in different poses chewbacca crouching vader pointing from that famous vader pointing scene uh, Luke in his Tatooine outfit. 14 figures to set out on this beautiful set. It is beautiful, and I'm going to buy one. I've just decided right now I'm getting into the micro collection. I just thought that we would give it a little bit of love. Scott's picked up a great item. What more could you want than a Death Star covering all the areas? The throne one would have been amazing to add to it, but um, sadly it did get cancelled. But I was surprised at how many sets they made for something that lasted just 12 months. Brilliant. Mate, here's a question for you. It's a fair shout, and, and looking at it, I do like it. I like the box in particular. I like the way the box is laid out. It, it, it says... Contents, two modular action playsets with elevators, movable ramps, clicking cannons, sold me, um, blast door and trash compactor, plus 14 diecast figures, as you said. And you've gone through the figures. Interesting that they've, yeah, okay, so they've got a few stormtroopers there. Fair enough. Lots of stormtroopers. They put two Leas, two Leas yeah, organas in there. It's two separate sets. Yeah. So you probably would have found if you bought them separately, one layer came in one and the other layer would have come in the other set. It's the same with the Lukes. You've got a Luke Stormtrooper and a Luke Tatooine, yeah. separate sets. But um, yeah. It's, it's weird though, isn't it? Because there's no joy. And they, they, you know, they were quite important on the yeah. Death Star. And, uh, but yeah, I, I like it. Kind of a little bit Castle Grayskully in some respects. I think I, maybe I'm just seeing that with sort of poor colourty bits and whatnot. But yeah, really like it, mate. Very nice. Size matters not. Look at me. Touch me by my size, do you? Hmm? And moving on to page 2253, I saw a die land speeder owned by Spoons. Now, as you know, we've had Spoons on several times in the past because he is a man who does a lot, puts a lot of work into his websites and, and he definitely knows his stuff. So this was a rather special one. He was particularly proud of it. And also, Bearing in mind that the recent sort of discoveries with the, you know, the, the 12, 12C cards and stuff like that. This is a, you know, this is a slightly interesting card as well. So let's go straight over to Spoons to find out more about it. Hello, everyone. Thanks for having me back on the Vintage Rebellion podcast. It's a real pleasure. I'm here today to talk about my newest acquisition, which is a 12 back carded land speeder with a difference on the uh, most land speeders that, that have been seen out there there's two small images on the card front with luke and c3po sat in the land speeder uh, and the bottom of those images the land speeder is pointing to the right as you look at it the recent acquisition that i've picked up the land speeder is pointing to the left essentially it's a it's a mirror image of the of the final final image and an incorrect image because uh, luke is sitting on the left in the image rather than the right i mean you could actually argue that the land speeder car back is a bit of a mess from the start because the main image shows ben and luke sat in the front of the land speeder rather than luke and c3po but that's uh, but that's by the by this car back has been seen previously it was in the collection of bill byers uh he owns or owned a lot of prototypes and certainly myself and a, another collector assumed that this was also a prototype but having sold off his collection recently david demarchus contacted me and said had i seen this variation before and was it a known one it certainly wasn't known to me it might well have been known to other collectors out there die cast collecting is still in its infancy and 
there's a lot of helpful collectors out there who who point out differences and i and i find differences as i look around and, and buy things but as people haven't really been cataloging the differences for very long i think there's good chance that we'll see more variations pop up from time to time so everyone's aware of the recent 12c palatoy variation that that jason and dev spoke about in last month's uh, podcast you know that came as a real shock. People have, have looked at their Palatoy card backs for for years and years and not not seen these differences. I don't think people have been looking at diecast cards in quite the same way for quite so long. The big question is how rare is the 12A land speeder on the Canavac compared to the 12B? And the answer is I don't really know. Uh, the when it was announced to me that discovery, I had a look on eBay and there was a, a couple there at the time, and I'm aware that there's been a, another purchase by somebody else relatively recently um but in that time there's been very few 12b's on ebay so they, they would look pretty much the same i suspect the 12a is rarer um it's it's also doesn't exist on the other cards made by other licensees so there's no clipper or palatoy or harbor 12a well, apparently at the moment um presumably because those uh, those licensees distributed their land speeders slightly after the first Kenner ones were out, and by that time uh, the, the error had been correct. It's relatively recent that the, that the Kenner 21 land speeder was discovered, and at that time it's very similar. There was a few on few on eBay. I don't think I've seen one since. That must be a, a good year or so, and it's you know that's probably rarer than the the 12A and the 12B. What I'd really like to find is a Canadian 20 back land speeder. That's not known to exist at all. So if anyone has one of those, please let me know. Otherwise, keep those eyes peeled for any interesting diecast variations. Awesome. Cheers. Thanks ever so much, Alice Spoons. All wings report in. Red 10 standing by. Red 7 standing by. Red 3 standing by. Red 6 standing by. Red 9 standing by. Red 2 standing by. Red 11 standing by. Red 5 standing by. And let's go. Staying on Star Wars Forum UK, page 2253. Now, Pete, going to come to you. This was your choice. You were quite excited about this. Pendulum Press School Comic, owned by our good friend Seahawks. This is just the comic out of the, the pack. So we covered it, didn't we, a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. I do not know or remember which episode it was, but it's definitely covered. But this is just purely about the comic. And there's some fascinating information about the comic. Can you remember which episode it was on? Yes, Peter, I can. Pendulum Press stuff. Go to episode 26, Ollie's Bad Motivator. Because on page 1940, way back when of Star Wars from UK, it was Jedi Mister bought um, the press kit and it was discussed at the one hour 48 point of episode 26. So one hour 48 to one hour 56. A really lovely section there talking about the Star Wars remedial learner kit. Two different boxes, uh, the red one and the blue one. And you really need to read up on this because the red one is something which it was Steve Sansweet referred to as the uh, the Holy Grail of Star Wars collecting. So this really, really is something special. So go and check out after this podcast, episode 26, one hour 48 in. Now, you know me, I love to look at who drew this stuff. I was fascinated. I thought, I don't really, I can't even recognise the style of art from the comic book because it is just basically Star Wars, a bit cut down. So if you think that Marvel did 
the Star Wars story over about, I think it, I think they did it over eight comics, about a sort of half in in the British ones, and about I think maybe it was full comics in the American ones. So, but it took several issues. So to get it into one kind of like reasonably easy hit. So if you actually look at the the artwork itself inside, they do kind of take a few liberties with the um, storyline. So they'll try to sort of like talk about a scene and then they'll kind of move it on pretty quickly. Text is, <laughs> it's not the best lettering in the world, put it this way. But um, yeah, the artwork is fantastic. And, and uh, I thought, well, who's done this? Who has done this artwork? So I had a little play around and have a little search. And I found out it was by a very famous illustrator called Charles Nicholas. Now, I ask you guys, have you ever heard of Charles Nicholas? No, sir. No one at all. I, I wouldn't be surprised. Now, Charles Nicholas wasn't actually a real human being. He was several human beings. What comics used to do in the past, they would have a pseudonym for certain art and stuff. So they could own the rights and they could own the art and they could own everything. So you would write under, under a, a name or you would write or you would draw under a name. I don't, I don't think they do it anymore because obviously everyone wants their piece of the cake because obviously, you know, if you want to go back and, and take money for 60 years of Spider-Man because you, you helped draw it, for example, Steve Ditko or something, then you might want credit <laughs> when it becomes a major movie and that sort of thing. So I had a look at who was Charles Nicholas and it was quite interesting going back over this. The company who actually owned this, this Charles Nicholas character was a comic book packager called Eisner and Iger. Now, who, where do those names ring a bell? Disney? Yeah. Exactly. So it was Will Eisner and Jerry Iger. Of course, Jerry Iger was related to, I think he is the brother of the father of Bill Iger, who obviously is in charge of Disney at the moment. But anyway, go back to the artists. So three pretty famous artists actually drew this stuff. One was back in the day when they first started the company up. Ever heard of an artist called Jack Kirby? Uh, that's a negative. Have you not heard of Jack Kirby? Oh, my word. People will be shocked. He's one of the most famous person in comics. But basically, the guy who actually drew this, and it was, it was, you know, I, was I was going through Wikipedia page trying to find this artist. He was kind of like right at the end of this Charles Nicholas reign. There's a guy called Charles Wachowski who actually drew this. So it seems like this, the company was actually uh, eventually became under um, what was a very famous company called Disney. They um, just at the end of it, this this bit of company produced this thing. It, it seems like a bit of nepotism because it doesn't seem like the company who did this, uh, Pendulum Press. They it seems like they're actually owned by the Iger family at some stage, along with uh, the Will Eisner family, who of course you know have been been heavy in comics and in Disney. So it all kind of came round in a bit of a weird circle that that this this little tiny little project, this sort of educational thing, has now linked up in the future with you know how Star Wars is owned now i thought that was absolutely bizarre and kind of like wonderful at the same time that, that this has such kind of like provenance of the arts where probably at the time it wasn't seen as, as too much but you've actually got a major artist i mean the guy charles wachowski has done all sorts of stuff he has been he was part of the whole chart and comics and anyone out there who knows their comics history that is it was a pretty big well outfit at the time so all links up in a weird way everything links back to disney the whole world is owned by disney well so obviously these comics came from the whole press pack which was part of it so there were lots and lots of school bits you get cassettes you you get all sorts of information you'd get you get some stickers saying goal achieved and all sorts of stuff so what he's got here is a component part of one of these um, star wars remedial learning kits and in this case it's actually got a school stamp inside as well so yeah yeah really 
really cool, really niche. As I said, lots of information on episode 26, but there were indeed five of these miniature comic books. So we've got no details there on the size, but the way the Star Wars Collectors Archive have got them is five miniature comic books with the premise that as kids read these things, they would presumably get smarter and more literate as each page was turned. There are many terms such as civil war and marked with asterisks so kids could expand their knowledge whilst thrilling to galactic adventures. So there we go. All part of a considered school program with cassettes, read along cassettes, etc. and film strips. And it was in fact, even on paid on episode 26, we played um, some of the audio from that and it was really really good you could just imagine as, as a kid back in that time because pendulum press released these in 1978 in a little sort of briefcase like box really 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 cool and very sought after it was the red one box uh, which wasn't even complete we had it listed as a buy it now two years ago on ebay for eleven thousand dollars so uh yeah these things are pretty cool so he's got a nice component there of a uh, of a much larger kit much to learn still have leaving stars from uk for a bit going over to tantive you know we we love tantive checking out the old r2's projector beam the guys coming on and just being fantastic guests and it was um commander clint now i put this down in the show notes as page 44 but it actually looks to me that they've had a bit of a rejig and now they've pinned a post for new acquisitions or latest acquisitions so this is actually on page four and it was the canadian coca-cola match the star wars pairs really cool because this was something a little bit different from the standard match the star wars pairs which people may see rather than me just talk about it let's go straight over to commander clint now who's been kind enough to do us another recording hey guys uh commander clint here from tantive uh jez asked me to uh stop by and discuss one of my latest purchases uh it's a canadian uh coca-cola uh match uh star wars match and uh match the pairs uh for cash and prizes so you uh look under the the uh, bottle caps of the coca-cola and uh find different um star wars characters uh this piece it's a little unusual from what I've seen, um, and I actually almost passed up on it. Uh, I was browsing eBay auctions one day and saw it and thought it was just another overpriced poster. Um, then I went back and checked again, and uh, this actually is uh, has the dealer, Mr. Dealer, or the retailer instructions on the back of it. Um, I actually haven't had a chance to discuss it with any of the other collectors yet in person, like Scott Bradley or or any of those guys. So um, I really don't know too much about it. I'm just assumed it was it came with all the other posters that the retailers would put up around the stores uh, just to advertise the uh, contest. Um, uh, the contest uh, closed August 11th, 1978. Um, in at the uh, on the back of the dealer poster, it actually says it only ran for three months, so that means it would start uh, around May 11th, 1978, and ended August 11th, 1978. Um, on the back of the dealer information, it has uh, how the contest works, uh, what customers have to do as far as matching the pairs. Uh, it even gives the um, uh, percentages of winning, uh, so. Pair number one, which was uh, C-3PO and R2-D2, uh, 
they would find one redeemable pair in each 24 bottles of Coca-Cola. Uh, pair number two, um, one pair redeemable in 36 bottles of Coca-Cola. So that would probably be the Han Solo and Chewbacca uh, cap liners. Um, pair number three, one pair redeemable for 50 cents in each 48 bottles of Coca-Cola. So that would be uh, Ben Kenobi and Darth Vader. And uh, one pair uh, redeemable for a dollar in 169 bottles of Coca-Cola, which would be the Luke and Leia uh, liners. Um, and from talking to some of the other collectors, uh, Leia is definitely the hardest to find. So that would be why uh, so many collections are missing that one. Um, it also on the on the back of the instructions, it also discusses how the customers claim the prize, uh, cons- uh, customer eligibility, um, who's uh, able to, to uh, ent- enter the contest. Uh, there was also a skill testing question, and it even gives the uh, answers to the, st- uh, the uh, questions on the back of the dealer information. Um, it also discusses the reimbursement for the dealer, so it looks like they they got an extra five cents for every 15, 25 or 50 or a dollars they had to hand out. So five cents on a dollar wasn't that, that uh, great a deal, but five cents on 15 cents, uh, for the, for the fourth, uh, prize wasn't a bad reimbursement. Um, other than that, I, I don't know too much about it. It is the, has the exact same front as the, uh, the other poster, same size. It's roughly 14 by eight and a quarter inches, which is 35.7 centimeters by 21 centimeters. Um, this is the smaller version of it. Uh, I do have the bigger version of the poster, which is 27 inches by 16 and three eighths, which roughly is uh, 68.6 centimeters by 40.6 centimeters. Um, the fronts of all the posters actually look identical. It's just they, the the smaller ones are shrunk or shrunk version of the bigger one. Um, I do have some of the lid liners. Uh, the only thing that I'm missing, probably from this match and win pairs collection, would be the uh, some maybe some unopened bottles. And uh, apparently there was a hanger tab uh, that went on the uh, six-pack bottles. Uh, you can see uh, pictures of it on Scott Bradley's website, uh, the Canadian Star Wars Connection. I think that's what it is. Um, other than that, there's not much to say. Again, I almost passed it up just thinking it was another overpriced poster and went back and read it, uh, uh, read the, inst- um, the, oh shoot, the uh, advert the advertisement for the poster, the eBay uh, description. I guess that's what we call it. Uh, I went back the next day and read it a little more carefully and then realized what I was looking at. So I'm not sure how many of these are out there. Uh, I used to be able to pick up the uh, the uh, regular, the two different size regular posters uh, quite easily. Uh, probably about four or five years ago, there were 
readily available in some of the different uh, toy shows or toy fairs around Ontario here. You can pick them up for $10, $15, $20 a piece. So um, I don't see too many of them anymore, so they're probably getting a little more expensive. But, uh, yeah, again, they're not... They're not an overly expensive item, but uh, this uh, dealer information one was would probably be pretty rare to uh, or hard to find these days. So, other than that, that's about all I know about it right now. And uh, thanks for having me on again. And you guys have a great day. Thanks. Bye. Brilliant, Clint. Thank you so much for that. Awesome. This is getting out of hand. Now there are two of them. We go over to Facebook, and I can't believe I'm doing it again. I'm unleashing Pete again. Now, Pete, you've been over to the Beyond the Toys Facebook group and got rather excited about some knockoff stuff. Talk to me about this, buddy. Rather excited. Interesting terminology, that. Yeah, this was just a little kind of shout-out, really, more than anything else, because there's not a great detail apart from the covers and the art. So it's by a company. Now, I'm going to probably going to butcher this as per normal with my Spanish, but it's Conquista del Espacio mini books. So these were completely unlicensed. There was, so there was no Star Wars license, but there was loads of these produced. Um, I had a little sort of like look round, and it wasn't just the fact that they're knocking off Star Wars covers. Everything, everything got butchered. But I don't, I don't mean butcher. That's really harsh because the art, the artist is actually a really, really fantastic artist, and they, they were churning these out. Now the company, it seems, who were churning these out, this this L, this Conquista del Espacio, they were just kind of taking stories from people, probably part of the same sort of company, and just kind of like rebadging it and uh, flogging them. <laughs> so they were, they got sued a couple of times for taking these stories they weren't supposed to rebadging them on these kind of crazy covers and getting them out there so you should i would imagine if you go to you know any sort of spanish kind of thrift market kind of thing you should better pick some up because there's hundreds of them but um just to sort of describe them they are they are very star wars i mean these could almost feature in kind of the game crack section but there's like star destroyers there's things that look like various ships and characters and droids and uh, so that it was part of a larger series. That I, I, I mean, I mean, I looked at them, and there must be hundreds of them, absolutely hundreds. But uh, I think today you would probably get into a bit of trouble. Uh, back then, you saw this kind of a, quite a lot into the fantasy art, where ships that looked a bit like Star Wars just got used, and no one seemed to care too much as long as they weren't exact replicas. These days, the brand will, you know, will will come down on you. But uh, yeah, some cracking little finds. This is actually a post by Javier Florencio Swars. And uh, yeah, it's about well like nine books, I think. So that nice little thing. OK, so there we go. You're all clear, kid. Now let's blow it, baby. Go home. We are now coming back to Star Wars Forum UK. And we're going to go to page 2253. It was Ruby2511, a username I'm not familiar with, puts up an MTV7. And with that, I thought, yeah, why not? Absolutely. Let's have a little look at the MTV7, see what we can do with it. Lads, not from the movies. Can anyone really remember this back in the day? What are your thoughts on it? You know, I mean, first of all, can you remember this back in the day, Stu? Yeah, yeah, we had a had one of these. I think it was one of these knocking around. Yeah, definitely. This came out in a Palatoy box, didn't it? We had three or four mini rigs knocking around. Definitely, definitely, definitely had it. Yeah. Yeah, everybody had mini rigs as a kid. I definitely remember these. I definitely remember running over figures with it. I definitely remember taking it outside over any kind of rocky terrain, like a moon buggy. Yeah. 
Pete, I mean, jump in as well. Did, did it bother any of you guys that see so you had these, you saw them, we mates had them, uh, but it wasn't in a movie? Did was that a, an issue to you? Because I, I can't necessarily think of anything like that being an issue to me. I know that the Rebel Transport, I was like, well, hang on a second, where's that? Oh, there it is. Oh, it's gone. Um, but yeah, MTV7, any reason why that would have been a problem? So I used to think that uh, when they released this stuff, I wasn't a massive fan of mini rigs. I did have a couple, but uh, I preferred the ones that looked like, you know, like the, the cannon and the, the radar dish and you know, the things that looked like they were from the film. But the little ships, I wasn't that bothered by them. I did have a couple, but they weren't really that exciting for me. But I always thought that they were going to appear in something. So they've been released. And they were going to appear in like Star Wars 4. I was really excited about it, thinking, oh, yeah, these are these ships in a, in, a, in a cartoon series or something. But it never happened. So I was left disappointed. Well, Seeing that, like, probably me and Stu are almost a generation removed from used to, we didn't have VHS or anything like that as a kid, so we couldn't be watch the movies again and again and again and spot these things not being there. Because of the laser cannon and the radar dish probably, possibly being in the movies in memory, you know, I certainly don't remember playing with that or any of the other mini rigs and going, hold on a second, that doesn't appear in the movie. It just didn't even enter yeah, me head at all. If it said Star Wars, you just assumed it was Star Wars. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, fair point, mate. It's something for a figure to sit in to create a bigger scene, a bigger play play game. I've got one in my hand now. It is... So here we go, Stu. Let's, let's just have a little game here because we've just gone off you know, MTV7 and started chatting about it and stuff. However, uh, I'm, I'm sure everyone who does listen to our podcast, all 11 of them, um, know exactly what an MTV7 is. But just in case anyone's like, oh, hang on a second, is that the PDTA? Is that MNT? Oh, hang on a second, What's, is that the MLC3? Describe it, mate. Describe what it is you've got in your hand. It's, uh, right, you've put me on the spot here, Jess. It's like a car kind of chassis type shuttle thing on very, very high wheels, which can, which fold it downwards so it can be in an upright position driving along, or it can go down to basically like, um, it's hugging the ground kind of thing. So really flat to the ground. Got a cannon in the middle on the, like the bonnet area. Yeah, just great big, big wheel things. I don't know whether it'd be a very practical vehicle in the snow, but, um, yeah, yeah, it's just a nice little seat inside. It's just nice. If it were an animal, what would it be, Richard? Oh. Or Stu, if you've got one, or Pete, for that matter. All inclusive. Put it to one side, I'm looking at it. This is this always what I thought it reminded me of, because my dad had one of these. I don't, We don't know what it was, but I obviously found it later in life. But he had what you would call an ab wheel, an abdominal exercise roller wheel. So it's just a wheel yeah. with uh, two handles on. And it looks, like it, <laughs> it looks like you've got one in your hand and one in your feet. <laughs> That's always yeah, I can picture that now. Yeah, I, yeah, I've got one of those wheels, and I know. Yeah, okay, all right, interesting, very good. I think it's, I think it's a cheater. Ooh. Okay. I think I think it's if you look through the list of mini rigs, I think it would be the fastest, but also yeah. it can um, collapse down low as if it's hunting its prey as oh, it wow. creeps in. Yeah. And then like boom, antelope. Oh, antelope PDTA, you're dead. <laughs> See, I think of it as a puppy because I can sort of lower its front legs and keep the back one up like it's having a bit of a play, like... Waggy tail, yeah. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally, you know? Uh, Rich, what about you, mate? You're, you're a bit of a horse lover. Yeah, I'm struggling to think of an animal with uh, wheels. Yeah, not, not li- I don't think you have to be literal on everything, Rich. <laughs> Just enjoy the moment. So we know exactly what it is, and we've described it, so, yeah, lovely... Uh, I, you know, I look at it every now and then like the evil Knievel sort of uh, of the Star Wars world. But why seven? Why is it MTV seven? A lot of things 
kind of makes sense. But we, we have these strange things, you know, CAP2, PDT3 or, or what have you. So um, MTV7, any ideas on 7? Why not 2? Probably the 7th design, I'd imagine. It's, it clearly wasn't the 7th release of the mini rigs, but there would have been developing mini rigs, plural, at the time. And there may have just been the 7th one on the drone board, just like the A-Wing and the B-Wing. A-Fighter, yeah. B-Fighter. Oh, I would agree, yeah. I reckon, I think you've hit on something there, Rich, because you've got, well, no number one, but two to eight, haven't you, on the mini rigs? And Slave one, slave one. Oh, slave one, okay. That's not a mini rig, though, is it? Are we calling that a mini rig? Go, go, go with me on this. Slave one, and then what's number two? What's number two? Uh, Cap two. Yeah, number three. Uh, MLC. Yeah, four. Int. Oh, Int yeah, four. INT, yeah, intercept, yeah, what, yeah. Yeah, uh, AST5, and then it is ISP6, MTV7, PDT8. Yeah, it's quite interesting, because this came out in 1981, uh, with two other ones alongside it, the MT, uh, MTV7, PDT8, and the MLC3, all released in the first year, so it's not like they've released them in number order, but... Yeah. The three they've released were all kind of connected to the Hoff, weren't they? Advertised as kind of Hoff mm, mm. kind of vehicles. So maybe, like Rich said, maybe they were already all of them in production, but were releasing them alongside where yeah. they would recommend you play them. I don't know. It's, you know, like Thunderbird 2, isn't it? Thunderbird 1, Thunderbird 4. You know, th- these have all got a number. I just think we haven't mentioned that before. Maybe people haven't put that together. But, hey, you've just gone through 1 to 8, obviously with a little help from me with Slave 1. But, you know, there we are. I'm not going to take any credits for that. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I just wondered why 7. Maybe you could say it's 7 foot tall because when you put it up alongside the actual figure, you could say, yeah, that's 7, seven foot maybe above. If you think about it, surely, possibly. surely the one-man sales gift trumps the slave one, though. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not too proud to say. Yeah, fact is, everyone forgot about that. Um, but yeah, you're right, you're right. What if maybe the E from Vehicle Maintenance Energizer should have been an eight, and it was an accidental typo, and it should have been Vehicle Maintenance but eight? I think we're all in agreement, Jess, that slave one is not a mini rig. Who's, who came up with that nonsense? Oh, yeah, no, I completely agree. I was just saying, you know, from a number thing, he's a daddy, hence why he's number one. Slave one is his daddy. Let's not start. I heard that farthest from this weekend. Someone said. Someone said. (laughs) You're the daddy. It wasn't you, Jess. It was someone else. Really? You've heard two people say that within four days of each other? Yeah. Should I tell you what I really like about this? Right, I've got a lot of cables on my desk, and if I push it, it just pops straight over them. Couldn't do that with a cap too. That sounds great on a podcast. That just sounds like his mouse scrolling. Yeah. <laughs> Perhaps I'm playing with an MTV7 every month, Rich. You're just not that. Should I say what? I'd, I'd say, getting back on point with this, I was just uh, just browsing around about the MTV7, doing little searches, and uh, on the old catalogue description on the SWCA, the opening line on the advert is, they crawl, they fly, they climb. They go just about anywhere. So this thing can um, fly and climb and crawl. Well, obviously the crawl is the caps, but um, they fly. Oh, wow, what a very strange advert. You know what we were saying about these things weren't in the movies? Don't you think it'd be absolutely awesome if we we found some artists' drawings or some Macquarie's or some uh, some sketches of this being in Empire Strikes Back? That would at least make it even cooler that you know it was something which was being designed. You know, I'm I'm following um guy vincent at the moment on instagram who's one of the lucasfilm sketches uh, and he puts stuff on instagram every now and then saying oh this is what i've designed for this this is what i designed this one got in this one didn't but so 
yeah, maybe maybe the MTV7 was going to be in Empire Strikes Back in, and didn't make it in the end. That would be awesome. <laughs> Richard, you know, well, it, I love it. It, it wasn't, or it was a Kenner design? Nope, I've been to Norway. I know all about the snow. <laughs> I think I, th- I, th- <laughs> I, I disagree, Rich, because I think the boxers made a mistake. I think they've got Imperials in it where it was um, actually a rebel, rebel vehicle. Oh. But I've got a funny feeling that the snow speeders carried these out on like a, a little ranch, ranch wrench underneath and um, dropped them in and they were low so they could go right under the feet of the uh, Atats and get squashed. <laughs> no, it's just you talking. <laughs> There's no distinguishing stickers on there. There's no sort of you know imperial type stickers or, or rebel type stickers. So interesting that you thought that this was a rebel one. Cool. Why do you think their legs go down there? Why Why do you think that they just said right? This is what we're going to do. We're going to come up with some sort of Scooby Doo evil Knievel machine, which legs which go up and down, splaying and out. What? Why does it splay its leg? Is it just because it's cool and kids will like it? Yeah, it's triatic, as as the famous quote is. But I think I think it's it's to do with things like the moon boogies, you know, that the hearts, you know, the the whole. Oh, yeah. It it's triatic. It's playability. It's fun. That's what they're designed for. And George Lucas loved them when he saw them, so... Sorry, Toyetic. Yep. Toyetic. Toyetic. Toyetic was when... I'm just checking it now. Bernie, Bernie Loomis, who was the guy who ran Kenner, he... It was his favourite phrase, you know, it has to be Toyetic. Everything that was presented to him has to be Toyetic. And the mini rigs were Toyetic. It was his... Okay, interesting. So I just Googled it, and Toyetic is a term referring to the suitability of a media property such as a cartoon or movie for merchandising tie-in lines of licensed toys, games, and novelties. Holy moly. Well done, Richard. Still came last in the quiz. Now I just thought it was another one of Richard's crazy, you know, when he refers to himself as us. You know, I, I sometimes take what Rich says with a pinch of salt. You asking about it squashing down on the side of the box, it says you can position the MTV, MTV7 for sneak attacks. So, um, yeah, it's crawling in. It's hiding behind <laughs> those snow drifts. So why don't they just make a low profile one in the first place? Or is it because a case of up periscope? If the, if the rebels are behind the snow drift and it's sneaked in low, all of a sudden it can just jump up high and go pew, 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 and then go back down low again. And they're like, who just shot? And they don't know. And then, like, it lifts back up and goes, well, pew, 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 and then hides again. And um, Hey, yeah, dude, that's... you had me at pew, 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 right? As soon as someone puts that into an argument, that's it. Case closed. Yeah, I think that's it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not well, getting a toy out next time we record. So, <laughs> so, Pete, let's look at prices for this. So what was the going rate back then and now? And have you seen anything surprising, dude? No. <laughs> there's no... There's no interesting price data on these things apart from uh and if you look at tracker there's uh there's an ouse went for 85 pounds that that was it didn't it didn't seem to suggest there was a box but that was that's the most exciting it gets someone paid 90 quid for a return of the jedi power toy one 115 for a, a kenner esb and another I went for another 100 pounds for a kenner return of the jedi a so there was there's no really interesting price information there's a lot of them they're cheap in fact, yes, I paid a five of mine this weekend, and that's below. That is, I paid above average price. I'm quite upset about that. I paid above average for a loose one, four pounds thirty-eight. Yours had a weapon, so you don't know if yeah. the average one doesn't have the weapon. 
Yours had the sticker. Okay, so but what was the price back in the day, mate? The RRP in America was four dollars ninety nine. Whether they sold cheaper than that, I would imagine yeah. so at some point. So you would suggest then twice the price of a figure. That's not that bad, is it? Really, considering no. the amount of plastic you get for it and the amount of fun you would have, and you get box as well. So um, yeah, all good. It's got me wanting more mini rigs again. I'm looking at this mini rig and I'm now wondering if there's a better mini rig out there than this. I'm not so sure. It's a lot well, of fun. I think you we... peaked early with your mini rigs, Jez. <laughs> yeah, I did choose a good one first. Um, I, do, I do like this little puppy, Cheetah. What did you call yours, Chicken? Yours, yours was a. Yeah, well, Cheetah. Yeah, no, Cheetah, yeah. Cheetah, yeah. Yeah, good one. A rich said ostrich, didn't he? That's right, or something or other. Pete just said, eh, as Pete does. Um, so, uh, yeah, yeah, okay. So, Stu, releases, mate. So let's look at sort of different licenses and boxes, because whilst I say that, we saw something pretty cool this weekend as well, didn't we? But, um, yeah, what, what options are there, mate? Right, so let's go through the Kenners first then. So released, uh, first issued in 1981, ESB packaging, which had uh, the three mini rigs on reverse on their own. Now, the, you then got the reissues, uh, ESB packaging with Type 1 Special Offer sticker and ATAT driver. Um, 1982 ESB packaging with five mini rigs on the reverse. Uh, 1982 ESB packaging with five five mini rigs with a Type 2 Special Offer sticker. And then 1982 ESB packaging, five back with a $1 rebate sticker. And then 1983 Return of the Jedi packaging. Uh, it didn't go into 1984. It was uh, discontinued at that point. As for licenses, Palatoy. I'm trying to think what other it came in. Now, I know it came out in a tri-logo. Uh, if you go back to 2016 on the forum, Cape Town. Is that Emil? Amelia? Amelia? Emil? Yep, that's him. Emil. 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 He bought an absolute peachy tri-logo one on there. Put the photo into our Dropbox for you to put on social media. Um, complete. The item's still in the bag. And apparently the tri-logo one complete isn't an easy find it's a nice box the only other one i can think of off the top of my head is the uzai which i know you're about to talk about jess because we were lucky to photograph and uh, manhandle one at farthest from yeah for, for a few years now we've seen dave tree on his stall always had a uzai boxed mtv7 which when we first started doing this i was like yeah i've got no idea what that was and um and for some reason this time he didn't actually have it on a stall did he and uh, when i started talking to him he he said oh yeah yeah i'll, I'll go home and get it so I, I think he's kind of had it on his saw stall for sale if someone were to give him the right price i don't think he's been in any rush to sell it because i mean there's probably not many of these around at all is there what, what did you think of it so we we got this we got it out of the box very fragile with it um, sticker sheets unused sticker sheets and uh, and we got some comparison shots didn't we we put, put them next to each other so um yeah what, what were your thoughts on this and you've got any idea how much he was charging someone had said that he had had it up for for 550 about two three years ago but he's now up to about 750 i suppose the way star wars has gone yeah makes sense that that, that would be the rise wouldn't it and what did you think of it in all honesty having got home with my mini rigs and had a little play um i'm more in love with it now now. I would I would love to have it. The Arazi Tanky. Was that what it was called? You got the photos, Jess? I've got some Ar- photos, yeah. Let me just bring up my phone. I think now. it's Arazi Tanky. Tanky, yeah, which is a great name. Yeah, so I've got I've got pictures of it now. So it's Star Wars with the um just above the MTV. So you've got Star Wars sort of wraparound logo with Yeah, it's very, very weird, but we're gonna pull this up. The Arazi Tanky and uh, Yildizlava Savazi, and it shows it a great picture of it. It actually looks really good it, on these pictures. So they've got mm. um, regular Stormtrooper, Imperial Stormtrooper, 
uh, two of those, Darth Vader and Attack Driver. So that's the front of the box. Look, looks really good. Side of the box there, just uh, an empty one. The reverse of the box, yeah, again, lots and lots of uh, words which I, I don't dare pronounce there. But on the side, it's actually got SB products, it looks like. Um, it could be a clever logo and it could be S. TB, but it looks to me like it's just SB products. So, um, and then inside, yes, definitely SB with a very basic instruction sheet with numbers pointing to different areas of the multi terrain vehicle, but no key. So those numbers actually don't mean anything because this was just a one sided instruction sheet. Um, no, I tell a lie. It's a two sided, and no, it is just a one sided sticker sheet and uh instruction sheet rather and then we've got the stickers the unused stickers because we did joke to dave that i was right mate we put stickers off for you and uh and then the actual vehicle itself so um yeah pretty cool so when i when i look at the vehicle um comparison shots side by side size wise very very similar um yeah the molding well i'll I'll leave it for the viewers to listen uh to look at because the different shade it's it's lighter so the uh, uzai one is lighter we didn't actually dare try the legs did we yes that was really nice so we'll put some images on there so thanks ever so much dave that was brilliant uh letting us have a little look at that and going to get that so yeah we'll put some of those images on on our um on our social media because it was yeah really interesting to actually have a close look at that after i had seen it from afar for several years okay so with regards to additional stuff waiting to hear what the great guys in the vintage rebellion uh, podcast alliance are going to produce for us so i know that chris has said that yes i've got something i can talk to you about and um so where's our appetites already we've got no idea what he's going to say you look at star wars collector's archive and they've got related links about mock-up package for MTV7, MTV7 with special offer at our driver, department store programs, Revenge of the Jedi, we've got box flats. I was talking to yeah. Mark Walsh at the weekend and, and Mark had actually owned Chromelins and box flats. So there's all sorts of 2D stuff out there and uh, and lots and lots of things out there for people to buy with regards to the MTV7. Could be a pretty cool focus. And we already know where a focus collector can can get their hands on an Uzi one. But uh, yeah, Turkish bootlegs, uh, design patent, etc., etc. But I think now would be an ideal time to go over to the Vintage Rebellion Podcast Alliance and find out exactly what the guys have got to say. Chris Georgulius here with another Vintage Alliance segment. Uh, today we are going to talk about the ever-popular MTV7 mini-rig, the Multi-Terrain Vehicle 7. Um, this is kind of on the bottom of most collectors' lists in terms of interesting toys they um sometimes refer to it as the flintstones vehicle because of the cylindrical shaped wheels and when you press the spring-loaded legs out flat sort of looks like the flintstones vehicle um actually the spring-loaded legs probably make it one of the more interesting mini rigs um, for for things that weren't in the film um Kenner actually created this line of of toys so that they would have low price point vehicles to go with their action figures and they created seven mini rigs for the Empire Strikes Back and numbered them two through eight. And this is number seven, the multi-terrain vehicle. They um, Kenner actually patented the designs of all the vehicles, of all the mini rigs, but they called them just toy vehicle. And later a Lucasfilm trademarked the name MTV7 
Um, they did not refer to it as multi-terrain vehicle in the trademark. Um, but obviously they, they were working together with Kenner because Kenner uh, created these things. You can actually find the patent and the trademark link on the Star Wars Collector's Archive if uh, you're so inclined. The MTV-7 was also part of Kenner's special offer line of toys where they packaged a action figure in with, with various um, vehicles and sets. And in this case, the MTV-7 was packaged with an ADAT driver. Um, so most of the, the special offer vehicles are pretty tough to find. They have the, the bold yellow sticker on them. But they just this one would have come with just a ADAT driver and a baggie inside the package and just to make it a little bit more attractive as an item for sale and give you an instant play piece for a kid you know because it would have the action figure with it uh, in the late 80s the turkish bootleg line that people refer to as the uze line they actually had two mini rigs in the line and the mtv7 was one of them so it was pretty crazy when those first started turning up in the very early 90s. Uh, you know, boldly printed MTV7 on there um, for like a subheading on the side. It was called Arazi Tank. So they uh, they profited a little bit off of this too. And interestingly enough, the mold set that was used to create that was actually sourced... Um, Sometime in the late 90s and still exists. It's not, it doesn't have all the pieces for the, the Turkish vehicle, but, uh, most are there. And it was pretty, pretty interesting that something like that still remains to this day. And keeping sort of on the prototype front there, um, we have a link on the Star Wars Collector's Archive showing the Revenge of the Jedi box flat for the MTV7 vehicle because all the Minarigs were released with the Jedi logo, um, when when Kenner transitioned everything, when when Return of the Jedi was their primary toy line, and on the still on the packaging side, stepping back even sort of pre pre packaging, we have um, also on the Star Wars Collector's Archive there's a link for a a box mock up. Um, this is a pretty interesting piece. The the box itself is a box flat. It's completely printed in white, and all the graphics are hand-drawn. Um, all the different panels, very crude versions of what eventually became the, the box art. Um, probably the most interesting thing is the, the very front flap. The original design had the uh, sort of little uh, squadron of MTV7s pointing in different directions. So it was actually the primary one that you see under the logo nowadays was actually on the right side of the, of, of the, the flap, and it was facing the right. And Kenner changed it so that he was sort of on the left side, facing the left, he's under the logo, and, and then the group of the squadron behind him was, was on the other side of the, of the um, image. So pretty neat to see things like that and really fun because back in the day they did all these things by hand. So these were complete mock-ups. Nowadays you'd never see that. You know, this would all be done digitally and you would never get a chance to see something like this, like captured in the moment, you know. Maybe if somebody saved the file and they went back and then you saw it 
different stages what the, what the designs are looking like but there's something special about just having a physical representation of um, uh, packaging design and in terms of um, the actual toy prototypes we do have a link to a first shot vehicle uh, that turned up many years ago where you can see some of the changes that were made to um, to the mold to to refine how much plastic would go to into a toy and to refine the design there so pretty interesting it looks you know largely it's the same as a, as a regular toy you probably have to have another one to compare side by side before you really saw the differences and probably one of the most interesting things that were in the terms terms of prototypes was a piece that was shown in Tomart Action Figure Digest magazine in the 90s and later on was added to the color prototype section of their worldwide guide to Star Wars collectibles or hardcover version. Uh, it was the original mock-up to the MTV7. It uh, overall sort of had the same look at a cockpit for the driver and uh, large wheels underneath that were on legs. Um, the legs in this case, were real simple, like styrene forks almost, made to hold these large foam wheels. So let's say the wheels were about a um, little over two inches in diameter, so so pretty sizable. But the interesting thing is the cockpit itself was made from the the gun turret, the gun seat, and part of the turret of the Millennium Falcon toy. They just uh, just turned it horizontal, um, cut a few bits of the plastic off, and and made the seat like that. So it was a really cool way to see how they used an old Star Wars toy to make a new Star Wars toy. So pretty neat stuff. Goes to the um, creativity of the guys and, and uh, who developed these toys and you know what they had to work with or what they needed to do. And uh, it's really special that pieces like this can still exist nowadays and, and give us a glimpse into how how toys were developed. So even something simple and pretty boring like the MTV7 can has a little bit of rich history once you dig into it. So this has been another Vintage Alliance segment from the Star Wars Collector's Archive. And see you next time, folks. Take care. We are massively indebted yet again to the Vintage Rebellion Podcast Alliance for um, time and time again putting out for us and, and just giving us the good stuff so thank you guys so much lads there we go it's real real short one this time which um thankfully because i've just got to go away quite soon uh, my life's a little bit hectic Stu has kindly offered to put together for me so mate thank you i owe you so much guys keep on tagging of various people from the uh from the podcast in the stuff which you see be it on the forums or be it on facebook we do love it when you guys um point out to us and say hey what do you think about this um, thank you uh, to those guys who've come on. It, it, it's just brilliant to have more and more people involved in the Vintage Rebellion, particularly the new acquisition section. And we'll just see what happens in September and see what we can come together with whilst um, I'm uh, serving overseas. Cheers, lads. See you later.
Hi there, this is Mike Quinn, and I play Nine Num in Star Wars Return of the Jedi and the new films, and welcome to the Vintage Rebellion. Game crack, show us your game crack. We value your game crack. Show it to me. So guys, this month we're going to do things slightly differently. We've had a lot of items put forward. I have chosen the best four from our listeners. Now, I didn't ask for recently acquired bits of gimcrack. Just show us your gimcrack, because I wanted to see it. And I have to say, the guys on Tantive, you really did. You really did show us your gimcrack. So what I'm going to do is open and present four items to the guys they are going to make comments, and then we are going to decide the winning one. So I will start with the first one. Now, this is from Nico off the Tantive Forum. Now, these look a little bit like Richard. They've got crabby hands, but they are Star Wars crabby hands characters, and there seems to be a lot of them. I believe they're pen toppers. Now, there's all sorts. There's all sorts in the range. There seems to be a Stormtrooper crabby thing. There seems to be a sort of R2-D2 crabby thing. And I think there's kind of a Darth Vader crabby thing. Okay, there's a Greedo. There's three Greedos. You've got a green Greedo, a yellow and a red Greedo. And you've got R2-D2 um, with with a definite face and a pistol coming out of it. And R5-D4 with some sort of aerial, TV aerial, I would say. So, um, yeah, very interesting. On crack. I've had two of these before. Um, I think I bought them off Alex McGore. Um, I haven't seen them for ages, so I don't know if I've still got them. I know I wanted the R5-D4, and I didn't. I got the R2-D2. And is it was Space Warbot or something there as well? That's completely different. Yeah, the third one. Rich, was the bottom two red ones yours um, when you had them, and you just exploded with so much passion for them? No. These are bizarre. Rich, do you know any more information about these, where they came from? There's, there wasn't a lot on the uh, the guys put in the forum, but... Uh... Were they, were they made by a company? I wish I'd seen the picture beforehand because there is a website um, that had them listed. They're made of rubber. Yeah, they, they look very rubbery to be found. They are pen toppers, so they've got to last a little bit. Second item. Now, this guy came up with a number of things. Um, <laughs> most bizarre name in the world. Our Chicken Shack is his name. Now, I think... The first mention of this stuff, I believe that we might have covered uh, something in my brain saying that this came up in something. I don't know. Maybe it's when we, we kind of reviewed the forum. But these are melted Star Wars figures. And now I'm showing the guys a picture of the Stormtrooper mounted ones. And I think it's the guys in costume. Now, Stu, that, that looks a little bit like you, the stumpy legs. Jez, you've got kind of like a slightly different coloured kind of body. This is good with a bit squash that you've been sat on by maybe me. And then obviously you've got Richard, sort of tall and Richardy looking. But um, yeah, broken heart. Yeah. very broken heart. Sorry, maybe he hasn't got a heart. Maybe he just doesn't have a heart. Bless him, he is from the north. But um, yeah, these, these are just literally related to heat. So there's, there's a few of these doing the rounds. Um, like I said, I think we covered those before. So I've, I think we mentioned them a long time ago when we first talked about Tantive 4, so I'm not putting that in there. That's just for you to admire. The item I do want to talk about is an R2-D2. Now, if I asked Jez to make me an R2-D2 out of things in his house, this is what I would imagine he would make. 
Um, it's a beautiful version of R2-D2. I just, uh, there's something about it, it's got a lot of character. Now, to try to describe it, it's as if R2-D2's little legs grew too big for him and started sort of distending his whole kind of creation. But it does look like household items. It's, it's got kind of cardboard and silvery legs. There's, I think it's, like, it's a bit of gaffer tape on there. There's, it's definitely been, sort of ha- the body's been hand-painted. Um, but it, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's there. And this is, this is owned by our chicken shack. This is in his collection. I think it's absolutely wondrous. I'm quite liking it, this R2-D2 thing. As soon as I looked at that, I know it looks nothing like it. But what came into my head was Ed 209 from Robocop. <laughs> and um, so I'm looking at an Ed 209 version of R2-D2 on steroids. He's sort of looking at me going, put down that restraining bolt. You have 30 seconds to comply. A Robocop mashup. It's pretty cool. It's got a lovely third leg as well. Really? Rich, that, that, that is definitely something that uh, I think should be in your collection. I know it's hard to do but... I like, I like that. It's, it's great. I, I couldn't make that myself. And Stu, you might want to get in it. Yeah, but, yeah this, this whole thing's about me. and um, <laughs> But no. <laughs> well, we're so not being here. We've got to pick on somebody. I think actually uh, the, the picture doesn't do any favours. I think if it was the legs were down by the side... I think it would. You wouldn't even know. You would think it was the movie. I think it's from the movie. It's got a rather odd, almost looks like an overburnt tomato that seems to be sticking out on its head. Our fa- one of our favourites, Commander Clint. Now I've got to say, I think this might be my one of my maybe my favourite, maybe my favourite. Um, and I can only describe this as <sighs> two people in love. So, now, to describe it, it is, I believe it's ceramic, it is uh, Darth Vader, and he is rather jaunty, and there's Obi-Wan Kenobi in old style, um, with a nice pair of kind of white slacks on, nice, or chinos. And he's also quite jaunty, it looks like him and him and Anakin, or Darth, have had a lovely reunion, and they're both holding um, what I can only describe as kind of like filaments, I guess, um, as lightsabers. Mm. Now, they're also with, um, I don't know what it is, I'm assuming it's a, it's a bit of a Death Star uh, panelling, and they're, and they're on a kind of like a brown base, so it's it's a really lovely, friendly piece. Now, there is actually, there's actually a picture of this in the dark, and it does actually light up, so I'm assuming those, those filaments are light filaments. Um, but it is wonderful, it's a wonderful piece of gaiety from the olden days, I think it would have been called that, it is, it is a beautiful thing. Um, but so jaunty. I would I would call it uh, dark and light jauntiness. Now, Stu, I think as a ceramic collector, you should pursue this and get it off Clint now. I would absolutely adore that being in my collection. <laughs> Obi-Wan. I just love it. It's just... I love it. He's kind of like a bloke that opens his coat up in the park and... Be careful. I love it. The, the blue thing, I know you're saying it's um, a bit of the Death Star, but if you look at the top of it, it looks a bit like a bird's head. Absolutely. It's got like an eye and the yeah. thing in the middle, and I reckon there's another eye behind that other filament. I really yeah. like it. I really like yeah. um, Obi-Wan in it. Obi-Wan looks like he's going to break into a show tune. It looks <laughs> like he's on Broadway or somewhere like that, and he's like, who will buy my wonderful like whatever? Uh, yeah, it looks like he's just gonna he's just gonna drop some uh, drop, drop a big show tune. 
In mm. fact, the picture of Oprah makes him look exactly like that jazz. I'm not sure when it's yeah. been lit up, ceramic do it any favours, because it's... The guys who have shared us a picture of it actually lit up. We've obviously put this on the Facebook group. Oh, I've really enjoyed it. Now you've put a light lit up picture out of it. It's amazing. <laughs> He's enjoying it. So the eyes from the bird, I like the filaments. I love the little the little stones that lit up on the whatever it is. And I just love that little glow of Vader and that little glow of Obi-Wan. Oh, Clint. Clint, Clint, Clint. <laughs> I've got a feeling you'll be going around his house. It's grit work. It is like they're in some sort of Mary Poppins type or, you know, they've just done a sketch on the pavement and, and they're just, you know, chim chimini chim thing going on uh, with his show tunes. And obviously, you know, Vader's just about to drop some beats. Oh, it's, um, it's got to go up and on. And then the lights come on. It's all razzmatazz because that's what happens in the theatre and stuff, you know, put on a show. Vader's just about to drop jazz hands on this. Jazz hands would really add to that. Richard, you've been rather quiet on this. I know you you don't put up with nonsense. What's your take? I think there's a lot of lovely in your house. Nah, it's ugly. <laughs> ugly? Stu, he so just said damning. ugly. Oh, Joe, what, Richard? I think you're wrong. I think he is wrong. I think that's a piece of art. Mm. I don't think you can ever buy anything that beautiful. Ever. Because look at look at Obi Wan. Look at the joy in that man's face. Look at it. He's enjoying his friendship again. I would give that an entire shelf in my cabinet to itself. How much I love it. It's incredible. Clint, Clint. Oh, we could be friends, Clint. I think he already is. Clint, I think he's our you can friend. come and sit whenever you want, Clint, and stroke the filaments. Right, the final item. Now, I think this will appeal to Richard. I think this will be Richard's favourite item because it's quite monotone. It's quite simplistic. Uh, it's a little bit on the dull side. Um, so, Rich, this is this is definitely appeal to you. Now, this was actually put on one of our threads on Facebook, and this popped up, and I, I was quite. It doesn't take. It takes quite a lot to shock me. I was quite shocked at how damning this was <laughs> as a Star Wars item, a vintage, licensed Star Wars item. And I also didn't understand that that the company who made it had actually made it. I was quite taken back by that. Now. This is a ball. Yes, it's a Star Wars ball, or a ball in Star Wars packaging. And this was given to us by Andrew Kemp. Thank you, Andrew. It was a real cracker. Um, I don't know what to say about it, really, because it's a ball. So I'm just going <sighs> to... I mean, how do, you, how do you get excited about a ball? A ball. Okay, guys, this is the ultimate in in kind of items that you thinking that oh let's just get that license out that will sell millions because put a return of the jedi on it it'd be brilliant so it's a return of the jedi piece of cardboard stapled onto the piece of cardboard is a plastic bag with a glittery ball in it now i can't see any kind of star wars stuff on it apart from the return of the jedi logo on the cardboard and this was made by kodak of all companies and i thought what kodak had a license um, and actually, I had a quick look at their stuff, and there wasn't there wasn't a lot. There was a few cups with some nice kind of like Japanese writing on. Nothing really that imaginative. Annoyingly, there's a couple of slave layer items on there which I'm probably never going to find, and a metal tray, which is quite nice. But the uh, this was called a Super Ball, a licensed Super Ball, and that's all you can say really. It's a Super Ball, a ball. Would you have bought a ball when you were a kid, Richard? Um. If it was a bouncy ball, lucky, 
that was like 20 pence from a machine, I would. You could recreate episode one stuff. All right, not in the 70s and 80s. But, you know, that's um, um, Jar Jar, throw me the pum bomb or whatever it is. In episode one, you know, they're, they're the sort of luminous balls which the Gungans were throwing at the, uh, at the droids. And I think then you've got, what is it, the um, boss Nas, the big dude at the end when he sort of holds up this big ball of peace or something or other. That's what that's all about. They just saw the future. Kodak normally take photographs so you've got memories. But in this case, Kodak's all the future. Mic drop. The thing is, you're never going to find this loose because it just looks like an everyday ball. You've seen hundreds of these. That's not a specialist ball, I'm assuming. I like it because it's round. <laughs> no, it's a ball in a bag. I saw this when I first saw it. Wow, that's... A ball in a bag with a red bit of cardboard. It's amazing. I'd have it. He lives near me. I might go and pinch it. <laughs> or go and bounce it with him. When they, you know, people slag off licenses, oh, look at it, everything's licensed. Uh, I'm afraid you can't get any better than that. That's gone into the toy box in your, your factory and gone, what we got? We've got to, what we got to get rid of? Balls. Stick a Star Wars logo on it, sell millions. Yeah, definitely. And I love the, the description from the SWCA. Super ball. Bagged with head of card. Yellow ball. Premium. It's a premium ball. Right. That's, it does look like a premium ball. It does look like a premium. It's not just an everyday ball. I'm assuming it's a bouncy ball because it, it would just be completely worthless if it wasn't. It would just be a ball. It's one of those really big bouncy balls that's hard and breaks everything when you bounce it around the house. You see, they missed a trick, didn't they? They should have made it grey and made it a Death Star because that would have been epic. You know, smashing the tail off everything, just literally throwing this ball through windows, cars animals maybe not animals get in trouble for that yeah I, I think I think they missed a trick with that like they could have had a Super Bowl that wasn't yellow and was grey right that's the end of the four items so I want you guys to have a little think and I want, I'm going to go around for reasons I'm going to only going to ask for a top two you can give good props to others I think there's only four top three would be pretty worthless but so yeah going to see how they rate so and I will have the final say remember so Jez let's go to you first um, yeah, I, I like the singing and dancing uh, show tune Vader Sigma thing. Uh, that's definitely my favourite, absolute favourite. And then um, I also give a shout out to the Ed 209 R2D2. Nice. Uh, Stuart? Um, I would give a, a nod to the rubber figures at the start. I think they're quite interesting. Um, but yeah, for me. Um, it's probably the thing I most want in my collection now. It's probably top of my wants list, and that's that Dancing Vader and Obi-Wan then. Hi, Clint. How are you tonight? <laughs> um, really enjoy the show, Clint. It's <laughs> nice to have you here. Um, nice to hear your little voice earlier in NA, Clint. Um, uh, just by up the whole show, and um, your work on Tantive is incredible. Um, I really love your accent. I love a Canadian accent. It's, it's really good. But, um, yeah. Yeah, definitely the um, ceramic. Okay, and finally Richard. Now, I, I, you've been reasonably quiet, Richard. A little bit, you know, negative on this wonderful gim crack. So, um, I'm, I'm not, you know, it, it surprised me with your enthusiasm. Well, under normal circumstances, I probably would have gone with the small robot toys, which I believe are from Japanese vending machines. Ooh. But I've seen them before. And that, I think, has spoiled it for me because if I hadn't seen them before, I think I would have went with those. Uh, so they're not something that's new to me. 
Um, I'm going to go with the auto D2. I think oh, there's yeah. some love in that. I'm not going to go with the lamp because I know Jez and Stu are both a bit camp and I can understand why they like that. <laughs> but I think the auto D2 is number one. Um, second is I'm going to go with the Japanese toys for second. I would have went first if the first time I'd seen them. Right. Now, you see, personally, I, I like the monotony of the ball. You can understand. I think you've got the, the impression that, that that ball has kind of like captured my heart. But nothing captured my heart more than seeing Obi-Wan looking joyous. I don't think I can have an image out of Star Wars that's better than Obi-Wan Kenobi wearing a lovely pair of slacks, having a lovely sing-song with his mate Darth. So well done, Commander Clint. You are this month's gimcrack winner. That was a beauty. And I'm afraid you aren't going to own it much longer because Stu is going to rob your house while you're at Celebration. Well done, Clint. Um, you're a very, very impressive item. Done really well there, Clint. Brilliantly pulled to the tag. I can't wait to see what you've got next month because you're obviously really good at this game, Clint. I've got Canada in my pocket A little bit of history A penny and a nickel and a quarter and a dime mean a lot to you and me it's more than pocket money They're the symbols of our land They're pictures of important things For which this country stands And now, it's a top five priced MTV7 items according to StarWarsTracker.com In at five, the latest scores are in from the Star Wars Premier League. Slave One, MTV7. And it's a loose MTV7 somebody paid £25 for this year. At four, I want my MTV7. Sang Dire Straits. They wrote this song when their mums bought them MLC3s for Christmas. It's the only Uzai MTV7 for £85 in June 2018. At three, if you find yourself decorating and you forgot to buy a paint roller, an MTV7 in each hand will suffice. It's a palatoy sealed Return of the Jedi MTV7 for £90 in February 2018. Brand new at two, when a new US music TV channel was looking for a name, they looked at Cap 2, INT4 and Jabba the Hutt as options, but went for the MTV7 as their name, eventually dropping the number when George Lucas got angry. It's a Kenner Return of the Jedi Minion box for £107 in 2016. The MTV7 could drive fast, lay low, shoot and even fly apparently, but if you push it over it just lay there and couldn't get back up. A bit like a horse after a night out in Newcastle. It's a complete but not sealed Kenner ESPA for £115 in July 2018. See you guys next time on the StarWarsTracker.com Top 5. Right, now I want to welcome back Chris Leddy for this month's Rapid Fire. Are you ready, Chris? As ready as I can be. <laughs> Favourite Star Wars movie? Return of the Jedi. Favourite Star Wars scene? Let's see, Luke fighting uh, with all the Jabba's goons at the Sarlacc pit right when uh, R2 shoots him the lightsaber. Your favourite piece of Star Wars music? Duel of the Fates. Favourite on-screen character? Uh, Luke Skywalker. Which cast or crew member would you most like to have dinner with? Probably Harrison Ford. 
And what is your favorite movie outside the Star Wars universe that contains a Star Wars actor? Ooh, man, that's a tough one. I really like um, Return of the King with, uh, I think Christopher Lee is in that one. Yeah. Two yeah. Towers at the very least. Uh, what was your favorite figure as a child? Uh, Rebel Commando. And what is your favorite <laughs> figure now? Gee, tough one there. Rebel Commando. <laughs> Which character do you wish had made a figure of during the vintage era? I know a lot of people uh, say Tarkin, and uh, I'm going to go with that one as well. And how would you improve one single figure from the vintage line? Probably pop-up R2. I would have rather had a, a full lightsaber come out of that guy. What is your favorite toy vehicle or playset? The Ewok Village. I've got to guess at what you're um, going to say for the next one. Which vehicle yeah. playset do you wish they'd made? Endor Bunker. Yeah, I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> what is your favorite card back photo? It's actually uh, R5-D4. What is your favorite Imperial helmet? I got to go with Biker Scout. What is your favorite Star Wars book? Could be reference or literature. I really enjoy Gus and Duncan's uh, prototype book. What has been your greatest collecting bargain? Uh, it happened a couple of years ago. I uh, ended up finding a an entire collection of Star Wars and G.I. Joe figures um, at a yard sale. And uh, there happened to be a blue snag in there. Definitely a score because I paid way less than what just the blue snaggletooth was. Over 45 figures, Death Star playset, a whole range of vehicles, weapons. It was a great find. Was it uh, under a dollar an item if you laid it out? Easily. Easily <laughs> under a dollar. Great bargain. Uh, yeah. What was the last vintage Star Wars item you purchased? Uh, last one I picked up was a Rebel Commando in a Made in Macau baggie, and the Commando had no COO. And finally, what is your Holy Grail item? Well, uh, Holy Grail would be the acetate sculpt for the Rebel Commando, but I doubt that's going to happen. Um, but a realistic goal would probably be a Toll Toys uh, mock of Rebel Commando, but a molded face Rebel Commando. Wonderful. Yeah. Well, Chris, that's probably one of the most smoothest uh, <laughs> uh, rapid fires I've ever done. So uh, nice. thank you ever so much for your time. Absolutely. Right, it is on to the outro question for August, and I've got Simon to send me his answer. And for once, I think he may have excelled at this question. He will be tough to beat tonight. As you know, Pete is leading at the moment, Jez second, Rich third, and Simon is fourth. So, as you all know, I'm a huge Sigma fan. Sigma has come out with some of the most obscure and often kooky designs. The teapot as a tauntaun, the tape dispenser where you pull that tape out of 3PO's legs. All crazy stuff. So, bearing in mind these items were from ESB and Return of the Jedi, I've asked you all to come up with a piece that would have fit perfectly into the range. And we're going to start with Jez. Now, I thought of an excellent piece then. Uh, well, then, I thought of an excellent piece earlier. However, I've discounted it because I know that George Lucas wouldn't have signed it off because he's very health conscious. And, and there's other things which George Lucas approves of and he wouldn't have wanted. So this isn't my suggestion, but he absolutely wouldn't have wanted a Sarlacc pit ashtray, which I thought would be awesome. You, you can just imagine it with all the tentacles coming in and, and the base of it. And it's a Sarlacc pit ashtray. That would be cool. But the whole point was which would fit into the range. And I don't think Lucas would have allowed it to fit in the range. But hopefully I'll get a point at least for effort with that. So what I'm going for is, you know, we've had lots of cups 
We've had lots of mugs and stuff like that, but there isn't a teapot. So to to um, go and be a, attractive to various different markets, um, we're going to go for the teapot and it's going to be a Death Star teapot, which I think would just be absolutely perfect. And the spout, get this, Stu, the spout is going to be made up of the Death Star's lasers coming out of the dish, coming together in a conical and then forming a single spout. Um, it's perfect. You can tell that I've put a lot of thought into this. So um, Sarlacc Pit Ashtray, points for effort, but Death Star teapot. But I just want to go back to one of your comments there. They did mm-hmm. lots of mugs, but never a teapot. Even in my intro, I think I mentioned the Tonton teapot. Oh, yeah, the Tonton one. Yeah, loved that teapot. But I think this one is your more traditional teapot rather than tea caddy type thing. You know, no disrespect to the Tonton, but when you look at it, you don't think teapot. I am turning around looking at mine right now. Well, no, you can't say it's a teapot, but, but I think that's the... Uh, Should have gone with the ashtray. How great um, the thing is. But uh, no, 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 it's good, Jez. You got five points last month. Let's see what you did this month. Pete, <laughs> let's go to you. I've even got the tagline for the wonderful box this item will come in. So it will, it's a really cheesy, cheesy line, but it will be Han Solo's toast because he has been frozen in carbonite. Now, a carbonite block will be a little bit like the soap dish, sort of a reasonably sized tray. And his uh, little little head at the top, and it'd be lie flat, and you can obviously you, know, you can pin this up on the wall. But his hands and his feet will basically allow you to wedge a piece of toast in there and butter it without it falling out or slipping off the, the plate or whatever. So it's a hand soaked carbonite toast holder for buttering and on the side of the box it'll be oh no Han Solo's now toast which is sort of technically true that he's been frozen in carbonite and basically sent away because that's the end of Han Solo he's gone but yeah it is a, it is simple as that just a simple ceramic toast holder for buttering I've never um, I've never seen a, a toast holder just to be able to butter or something they just put it in your hand that's, that's because I have made something that is absolutely amazing it will just it will just be the thing that everyone would have wanted. Hmm. Okay, Rich, what have you got? <laughs> I don't know if I've just got the completely wrong end of the question here. I thought you had to come up with something that was imaginative and quirky and, you know, would fit in with a Sigma design. It wasn't a carbon copy of something that would never made. Anyway, so I've come up with the ATST shaving kit. And I know what you're thinking. What's that got to do with shaving kit? Well, what's Tonton got to do with the teapot? So it hits in perfectly with the whole bizarre quirky sigma theme so picture a ceramic atst and you lift the top up the hatch at the top and that is your mirror and inside you've got a little brush which is actually an ewok and you can use the ewok to to lather rain and put it on your face because i thought an ewok and the atst would actually work perfectly and then from the guns would dispense foam if you press down a button at the top then foam can come out of it and you can you can shave you can store your you can store your razor inside it or atst shaving kit would be absolutely perfect and right up sigma street oh i like that joe what rich sometimes you you come out with stuff and i think oh bless him is just i think you've excelled there this month and i i can see it right in with that range yeah it's like the bathroom buddy isn't it it's like the bathroom buddy (laughs) from gremlins but yeah, oh, I like that. I'm, I'm just going to go over to what Sai sent me. Obviously, a lot of the range is ESB, and that's where he's gone with. He even puts, I love this idea, and I think it may win favour with our gimcrack king, Pete, as well. So Pete, he's obviously, uh, thinks you're going to love his item. So it's a large bowl, perhaps fruit-sized bowl, sized, moulded on the outside like a meteor, 
and out of the centre rises the space slug as seen in Empire. With its jaws wide open and so allowing it to be filled with salsa, and then the bolt meteor forms a moat of taco chips around the slug, allowing all to share in the tasty salsa contained within the slug's maw. Also, this set could come without a very long-handled spoon to dig out the slug's throat for the last dollops of salsa, and obviously on top of the spoon's handle would be a little Millennium Falcon, so when the spoon is left in the slug's mouth, it recreates the scene itself. And in Simon's voice, also this set could come with a long-handled spoon to dig down the slug's throat for the last dollops of salsa. Now, he even puts at the bottom, I think I've surprised myself with that. I really do. Whilst it may attract my usual one-point reward for my continued inspired genius, I think the idea actually has a market. I liked it when I read that. I thought, yeah. That's a bit of a dig at you, though, isn't it, really? That's a bit of a dig at you. So don't take that personally, mate, or don't feel that that needs to influence your decision. <laughs> the, the thing is, he may have little dicks on me, but that's because of jealousy, because uh, I'm superior to him. But I like it. I like the idea. My only thing was, if the space slug went right down to the bottom of the base, the bowl in the middle, and it was a mouth open, it's not going to be massive. Could be a nightmare with cleaning out. Get that bit of sauce out the corners. But right points then. Jez, I'm going to give you one point this month, mate. Yeah, that's I gave fair. you five last month, but yeah, um, yeah, it's fair. I'll give me one point as well. Yeah, and and Pete, I think you've invented something that doesn't need inventing. <laughs> so, so I have to give thing. you two, two this month. The other two, I, re- I, I really liked uh, Simon's when I first got it, but I think Richard's shaving kit blows it out of the water, so I have to give Rich five points this month. Um, it's a great idea, Rich. I would have been full on on that. I've already had it by now. Well, the points have closed up a bit then, so Pete still leads on 26, Richard now second yeah. on 22, Jez on 21, and Simon is still lagging on 19. So... All good, boys. All good. Mm. Our 50 episode was the length of a really, really, really long, um, long thing. And it was only about 10 days ago, the release. So anybody that's listened to seven and a half hours and given us feedback, massive thank you. Rich, have we had much feedback or are people still trying to get through the quiz? Well, as you've said there, <laughs> you know, it was really surprising that people actually left with feedback within the first half of a day of the podcast being released and thanks to everybody who spoke to us the fathers from and gave us lots of support and, and thanks for producing the podcast something of Scarif Pacific had a good chat with him next year as well had a chat to Mini 99 so lots and lots of people at fathers from so thanks very much for all of your comments it's really appreciated so going over to Stars Forum UK quite a lot of feedback considering it hasn't been out that long so starting off with Spoons He's is one of many people who have commented on it saying that absolutely would not sell his entire collection for a high-end item. He said on there, many of us own much rarer items than rockifying fets, but at a fraction of the prices. I'd much rather have a properly rare £300 two-pack than a ten grand DD Vader. And I think a lot of people were in that camp as well, Spoons. TK7785 has come up with a suggestion. It's who he said, look, there's a few times to talk about rare cardback variants and it's got him thinking... For those of us who are more of a casual callback collector, could there perhaps be some kind of repository where we would list which cardbacks are particularly rare and that everybody can start looking for them? It's really difficult keeping track of who needs what. He's aware of Ed with his 70C Nickdo issue and then Jason mentioned a couple of cardbacks in the last episode. That's a great shout, Chris. Tafias, as usual, thanks very much for your support. You always give us lots of feedback on there. Jabba Wookie who mentioned about my Jim Crack effort 
Now, I know lots of people on Facebook, as soon as the photos that got posted up there, and quite a few people have said, thanks for doing the photos that way. It's much helped the enjoyment of the show. Consistently, he was coming back with saying, which is going to be the winner? Which is going to be the winner? Which is going to be the winner? Pete had a hissy fit did, when he seen did, that. Didn't one person say that? No, there was a good six or seven. Yeah. And then Rich edited my post thing. Or well, Rich definitely did some sneaky <laughs> editing. Can you just wind your neck in for a second? There was a good six or seven people who quite clearly said that my um, effort was by far the best in there but never mind it's Pete's decision Scarf Pacific come on there and said that if you thought the quiz was interesting surely Stephen Savory should be Susie Dent in Dictionary Corner and Jez would be Rachel Riley and then he's put shudder shudder I've responded that possibly saying that Steve Savory would be more suited to be Arthur Dent than Susie Dent but never mind quite a few people have asked for fanzines so if we haven't been in contact about fanzines can you please just send us an email at swtvrpodcast.gmail.com or PM one of us and we'll get your fanzine sorted out Seahawks has as Jason Langendorfer. He's took Pete's challenge and tried to find a Calcar pilot reference that we missed, and he has found one in his Empire Strikes Back colouring book. It's barely noticeable, but it is there, and he's took a photograph of the page in the colouring book, and it's right at the top of the picture. So cheers for that, Jason. Uh, he's also said that he appreciated the Star Wars arcade games interview. Uh, he loved the original Star Wars version as a kid and he had it on his old Atari 2600 spending hours and hours playing with it uh, he also really enjoyed the Ed Mark Daniel interviews especially talking about the cool Palatoy 12 box a couple of people have asked about interview guests and having an interview with somebody who has done pretty much like what Mark Daniels has done and put a run together of something that's different something that is a budget run or something that's a resale run and it's it's difficult for us sometimes to get interview guests we contact lots and lots of people and for whatever reason people can't come on or we've got difficulty with time zones and things like that but if anybody wants to come on our podcast and have a main interview and discuss anything at all that we haven't covered in depth I, know, I don't know perhaps you're Throwing something out there, a tops trading card collector or something like that. Let us know and we can arrange an interview. If anybody is going down the reseal route and wants to collect all 96 or however many card figures you're going to count as a reseal, by all means, contact with us. I know we've talked about Poncho's collection a few times and Mark Daniels obviously is getting a reseal run together. So that would be, yeah, great idea. We're more than merrier. And there's a couple of people that come on and agree with that as well. Over on Tantive, lots of people were congratulating Chris Porteous on his interview. I think everybody who listened to that interview certainly learned a little bit that they didn't know about Canadian collectibles. We've got a little bit more Canadian collectibles on this episode. You know, thanks to everybody on Tantive who's fully supported this podcast. So Stu, if anybody has got any feedback that would like to leave us, what's the best method of communication? First of all, just want to say, Rich, you, you've done what you normally do. You, you do it to your wife. Oh, I've got six inches. It's really three. But like the same as this, uh, six people, six to seven people were commenting. There was three. Lee Henry, Declan McCafferty and Scott Cato and we all know about them three and the one on the store from UK come on if you're going to call me with facts it's Scott it's the same person yeah. three so and one equals four calls himself just a because teacher. the same person has said it across <laughs> across a few boards it doesn't give you an extra tick okay <laughs> but good try Rich okay there was three and it was the most supported on our Facebook page I'm sorry no Jabberwocky Rich's Green Crack effort 
You see, you're not reading. You're... Um, I think you'll actually wait there, wait there. Oh, Joe, I can't believe I've got to do this. I think you'll say, you read it. It actually says, yeah, Richard's Gimcrack effort looks nothing like Star Wars. Glad you wanted to do with your grumpy 3PO. How is that supporting you, Rich? You just said the Jabberwocky. You were the one that called that. How is that supporting you by saying yours looks nothing like Star Wars? He just says my got... name. He must Yeah, be that's what he's counted. He's just gone through. He does a search for Rich, doesn't he? And then just counts up how many times his name's been said. I don't know how it's <laughs> C-3PO head can't look like Star Wars, but never mind. I've I've read that as tongue in cheek. (laughs) Right. You can contact us by finding us on the Vintage Rebellion on Facebook. Email us at swtvrpodcast at gmail.com. On Instagram again by searching the Vintage Rebellion. On Twitter at swtvrpodcast. And on Vero by searching the Vintage Rebellion. Of course, find us all across the forums. Uh, I think we're all on Tantif, Star Wars Forum UK, uh, Rebel Scum, Imperial Gunnery. You can drop any of us a line. Uh, we really don't mind. Uh, you can find our first 50 shows plus the specials on iTunes or by going to swtvr.podbean.com. Uh, thank you to our guests this month, Christopher James Leddy, Andrew Norton, Clint Garnis, and Chris Jagulius. But that is it for another month. So I will be back next month. And Jez, stay safe. Fingers crossed we can find a way to make recordings work with you so you're still involved for the next few months. Please don't leave me with these people. Um, but lads, it's been a great month. Father's From was brilliant. Cannot wait for the September show. But it is for this month. Goodbye, Rich. Later, guys. Goodbye from Jez. See you on the other side. Uh, goodbye from Petey. Jez, don't say the side. Come back. And it is good night from me. And remember. Only you can decide with Star Wars toys. This podcast is not endorsed by Disney, Lucasfilm Limited, 20th Century Fox, or anybody who cares about the Star Wars franchise. It is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. The official Star Wars website can be found at www.starwars.com. All names and sounds of Star Wars are registered trademarks of Lucasfilm Limited and other associated copyright holders. All of the original content of this podcast are the intellectual property rights of the Vintage Rebellion. If you enjoyed this podcast, then feel free to email swtvrpodcast at gmail.com. If you don't enjoy this podcast, tough. Are Star Wars products going to have the durability of, say, that old favourite, the teddy bear? Oh, do you know what? On, um... Got in my van Tuesday morning. Drove drove to a place called Sandwich. Really funny smell in my van. And do a job, and I get back in, and I thought, what is that smell? Absolutely, I mean, it reeked in there. I was thinking, what the hell is it? On Saturday, before I came to Father's From, I popped in to see my wife, and I popped over to Marks and Spencers, and I bought myself some prawns, and I stuck them behind oh. the seat in the van. <laughs> They'd all gone really brown. The smell, because the heat down has been. You've never smelled anything like it. It smelled like um, Jez's breath. Really, really grim. Really grim. How, how do you know what Jez's breath's like? You've been kissing him again. Oh, again. When he's sleeping in that bed. <laughs> I was like him in the eye because he wears a mask. Like Batman. Yeah, what's that about? <laughs>
Oh, did he have one of them things that covers your eyes up with cucumbers and stuff like that? Yeah. Yeah, you know, that does not surprise me in the slightest. It actually doesn't. <laughs> Such a fanny. <laughs> right, let's do it. One sec, Jess. I just got a massive, massive back. Correction. Um, I, um, when I talk, I, to, when you, I talk to you, my voice yeah. is coming back, coming out your speaker. Mm. Uh, nothing's coming out of my speaker. I've got a headphone I can hear it as well. Yeah. yeah, it's coming straight back at me. Oh, yeah. Hang on a second. Yeah, let me <laughs> sort that right out. Hang on a sec. Is this Skype change? <laughs> Do you know? <laughs> oh, dearie me. Right, for the last half hour whilst we've been chatting, I've had my earphones in, but the sound's been coming out of the laptop. Oh, here we go. What a tit. That's better. <laughs> right, let's do your intro again, yeah? Oh, my word. You can tell what sort of day I've had. And after the whole Leddy throwing me off track, because there, there is definitely a Leddy Vader. But... There probably is, but he just gets two soon. Yeah, yeah, but that wasn't what he was saying, was it? So there could have been more than one. It was I a... think both characters are Leddy. Both characters um, are Leddy. But the fact, it doesn't matter, because, you know, Guys, tomato, tomato. On, yeah. I won. And when you God, combine your two scores together, you would have still come second. Just saying. Oh, yeah, anyway, let's that... get on. It's half past nine already. Come on. Mm-hmm. Best luck for the rest of the show, Jess. Um, <laughs> let's go over to Rebel Briefings. Hopefully, uh, we can mute Jez for a little while. 